Legends of the Gods. The Egyptian Texts, edited with translations. By E. A. Wallace Budge. London, 1912. Editorial note, throughout the text. Hashtag, 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 hashtag. Represents images which cannot be transcribed. Preface. The welcome which has been accorded to the volumes of this series, and the fact that some of them have passed into second and third editions, suggests that these little books have been found useful by beginners in Egyptology and others. Hitherto the object of them has been to supply information about the religion, magic, language, and history of the ancient Egyptians, and to provide editions of the original texts from which such information was derived. There are, however, many branches of Egyptology which need treatment in a similar manner in the series, and it has been suggested in many quarters that the time has now arrived when the publication of a series of groups of texts illustrating Egyptian literature in general might well be begun. Seeing that nothing is known about the authors of Egyptian works, not even their names, it is impossible to write a history of Egyptian literature in the ordinary sense of the word. The only thing to be done is to print the actual works in the best and most complete form possible, with translations, and then to put them in the hands of the reader and leave them to his judgment. With this object in view, it has been decided to publish in the series several volumes which shall be devoted to the reproduction in hieroglyphic type of the best and most typical examples of the various kinds of Egyptian literature, with English translations, on a much larger scale than was possible in my first steps in Egyptian, or in my Egyptian reading book. These volumes are intended to serve a double purpose, i.e., to supply the beginner in Egyptian with new material and a series of reading books, and to provide the general reader with translations of Egyptian works in a handy form. The Egyptian texts, whether the originals be written in hieroglyphic or hieratratic characters, are here printed in hieroglyphic type and are arranged with English translations, page for page. They are printed as they are written in the original documents, i.e., the words are not divided. The beginner will find the practice of dividing the words for himself most useful in acquiring facility of reading and understanding the language. The translations are as literal as can reasonably be expected, and, as a whole, I believe that they mean what the original writers intended to say. In the case of passages where the text is corrupt, and readings are mixed, or where very rare words occur, or where words are omitted, the renderings given claim to be nothing more than suggestions as to their meanings. It must be remembered that the exact meanings of many Egyptian words have still to be ascertained, and that the ancient Egyptian scribes were as much puzzled as we are by some of the texts which they copied, and that owing to carelessness, ignorance, or weariness, or all three, they made blunders which the modern student is unable to correct. In the introduction will be found brief descriptions of the contents of the Egyptian texts, in which their general bearing and importance are indicated, and references given to authoritative editions of texts and translations. E. A. Wallace Budge. British Museum, November 17, 1911. Chapter 1. The Legend of the Creation 2. The Legend of the Destruction of Mankind 3. The Legend of R.A. and the Snake Bite 4. The Legend of Horus of Edfu and the Winged Disc V. The Legend of the Origin of Horus VI. A Legend of Kensen Neferhetep and the Princess of Becton VII. The Legend of Knemu and a Seven Years Famine VIII. The Legend of the Death and Resurrection of Horus IX. 
The Legend of Isis and Osiris according to classical writers list of plates and illustrations on or following page. The History of Creation I. Horus holding the hippopotamus fiend with chain and spear. 2. Horus spearing the hippopotamus fiend. 3. Horus spearing the hippopotamus fiend. 4. Horus and Isis capturing the hippopotamus fiend. V. Horus on the back of the hippopotamus fiend. 6. The slaughter of the hippopotamus fiend. 7. Horus of Behutit and Areharmakis in a shrine. 8. Horus of Behutit and Areharmakis in a shrine. 9. Ashtotet in her chariot. X. Horus holding captive foes and spearing typhonic animals. 11. Horus spearing human foes. 12. Horus spearing the crocodile. 13. Horus in the form of a lion. 14. The procreation of Horus, son of Isis. 15. The resurrection of Osiris. 16. The Becton steel. 17. The Metonic steel, obverse. 18. The Metonic steel, reverse. Introduction I. The legend of the god Nebuchadnezzar and the history of creation. The text of the remarkable legend of the creation which forms the first section of this volume is preserved in a well-written papyrus in the British Museum, where it bears the number 10188. This papyrus was acquired by the late Mr. A. H. Rind in 1861 or 1862, when he was excavating some tombs on the west bank of the Nile at Thebes. He did not himself find it in a tomb, but he received it from the British consul at Luxor. Mustafa Aga, during an interchange of gifts when Mr. Rind was leaving the country. Mustafa Aga obtained the papyrus from the famous hiding place of the royal mummies at Dar al-Bahari, with the situation of which he was well acquainted for many years before it became known to the Egyptian service of antiquities. When Mr. Rind came to England, the results of his excavations were examined by Dr. Birch, who, recognizing the great value of the papyrus, arranged to publish it in a companion volume to facsimiles of two papyri, but the death of Mr. Rind in 1865 caused the project to fall through. Mr. Rind's collection passed into the hands of Mr. David Bremner, and the papyrus, together with many other antiquities, was purchased by the trustees of the British Museum. In 1880 Dr. Birch suggested the publication of the papyrus to Dr. Plate, the director of the Egyptian Museum at Leiden. This savant transcribed and translated some passages from the Festival Songs of Isis and Nephthys, which is the first text in it, and these he published and reculed the Travaux, Paris, Tom. 3. Pages 57 to 64. In 1886 by Dr. Birch's kindness I was allowed to work at the papyrus, and I published transcripts of some important passages and the account of the creation in the Proceedings of the Society of Biblical Archaeology, 1886-7 pages 11 to 26. The legend of the creation was considered by Dr. H. Brugge to be of considerable value for the study of the Egyptian religion, and encouraged by him, FN number 1, I made a full transcript of the papyrus, which was published in Archaeologia, volume 52, London, 1891, with transliterations and translations. In 1910 I edited for the trustees of the British Museum the complete hieratratic text with a revised translation. FN number 2. FN number 1. Yayan in Mavlixt Workatur Ubersetzung Vorgelegter Papyrus Text Sol den Schlustein means Works Bilden. 
a word den buis fur die richtigeit minor eigenen untersuchungen wollenden, in dem er das wichtigstesivnis altegyptischen ersprungs den zahlreichen, von mir en jesoginen stellen aus den in schriften hinzufugt. Trotz mancher schweirigkeit im einzelnen ist der gesamten Halt der Texts, den zuerst die ein englischer Gelder der Wissenschaft zu gänglich gemacht hat, such nicht im geringsten misseverstehen, Brugsch, Religion, page 740. He gives a German translation of the creation legend on pages 740, 741, and a transliteration on page 756. FN number 2, Egyptian Hieratratic Papyri in the British Museum, London, 1910, Folio. The papyrus is about 16 feet 8 inches in length and is 9 and a quarter in in width. It contains 21 columns of hieratratic text which are written in short lines and are poetical in character, and 12 columns or pages of text written in long lines. The total number of lines is between 930 and 940. The text is written in a small, very black, but neat hand, and may be assigned to a time between the Exodus dynasty and the Ptolemaic period. The titles, catchwords, rubrics, names of Apep and his fiends, and a few other words, are written in red ink. There are two colophons. In the one we have a date, namely, the first day of the fourth month of the twelfth year of Pharaoh Alexander, the son of Alexander, i.e., B.C. 311, and in the other the name of the priest who either had the papyrus written, or appropriated it, namely, Nesmenu, or Nesamsu. The legend of the creation is found in the third work which is given in the papyrus, and which is called the Book of Overthrowing Apep, the enemy of Are, the enemy of Anefer, i.e. Osiris. This work contained a series of spells which were recited during the performance of certain prescribed ceremonies, with the object of preventing storms, and dispersing rain clouds, and removing any obstacle, animate or inanimate, which could prevent the rising of the sun in the morning, or obscure his light during the day. The leader-in-chief of the hosts of darkness was a fiend called Apep who appeared in the sky in the form of a monster serpent, and, marshalling all the fiends of the Tut, attempted to keep the sun god imprisoned in the kingdom of darkness. Right in the midst of the spells which were directed against Apep we find inserted the legend of the creation, which occurs in no other known Egyptian document, Colonel 26, L. 21, to Colonel 27, L. 6. Curiously enough a longer version of the legend is given a little farther on, Colonel 28, L. 20, to Colonel 29, L. 6. Whether the scribe had two copies to work from, and simply inserted both, or whether he copied the short version and added to it as he went along, cannot be said. The legend is entitled, Book of Knowing the Evolutions of R.A., and of, Overthrowing a Pep. This curious, book, describes the origin not only of heaven, and earth, and all therein, but also of God himself. In it the name of Apep is not even mentioned, and it is impossible to explain its appearance in the Apep ritual unless we assume that the whole book was regarded as a spell of the most potent character, the mere recital of which was fraught with deadly effect for Apep and his friends. The story of the creation is supposed to be told by the god Nebuchadnezzar. This name means the Lord to the uttermost limit, and the character of the God suggests that the word, limit, refers to time and space, and that he was, in fact, the everlasting God of the universe. This God's name occurs in Coptic texts, 
and then he appears as one who possesses all the attributes which are associated by modern nations with God Almighty. Where and how Nebuchadnezzar existed is not said, but it seems as if he was believed to have been an almighty and invisible power which filled all space. It seems also that a desire arose in him to create the world, and in order to do this he took upon himself the form of the god Kepera, who from first to last was regarded as the creator, par excellence, among all the gods known to the Egyptians. When this transformation of Nebuchadnezzar into Kepera took place the heavens and the earth had not been created, but there seems to have existed a vast mass of water, or world ocean, called Nu, and it must have been in this that the transformation took place. In this celestial ocean were the germs of all the living things which afterwards took form in heaven and on earth, but they existed in a state of inertness and helplessness. Out of this ocean Kepra raised himself, and so passed from a state of passiveness and inertness into one of activity. When Kepra raised himself out of the ocean new, he found himself in vast empty space, wherein was nothing on which he could stand the second version of the legend says that Kepra gave being to himself by uttering his own name and the first version states that he made use of words in providing himself with a place on which to stand in other words. When Kepra was still a portion of the being of Nebuchadnezzar, he spake the word, Kepra, and Kepra came into being. Similarly, when he needed a place whereon to stand, he uttered the name of the thing, or place, on which he wanted to stand, and that thing, or place, came into being. This spell he seems to have addressed to his heart, or as we should say, will so that Kepra willed this standing place to appear, and it did so forthwith. The first version only mentions a heart, but the second also speaks of a heart-soul as assisting Kepra in his first creative acts, and we may assume that he thought out in his heart what manner of thing be wished to create, and then by uttering its name caused his thought to take concrete form. This process of thinking out the existence of things is expressed in Egyptian by words which mean laying the foundation in the heart. In arranging his thoughts in their visible forms Kepra was assisted by the goddess Mat, who is usually regarded as the goddess of law, order, and truth, and in late times was held to be the female counterpart of Thoth. The heart of the god Are. In this legend, however, she seems to play the part of wisdom, as described in the book of Proverbs, FN number 3, for it was by Mat that he laid the foundation. FN number 3. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths I was brought forth, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens I was there, when he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep when he gave to the sea his decree. When he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him, as one brought up with him. Proverbs 8. 22 ff. Having described the coming into being of Kepra and the place on which he stood, the legend goes on to tell of the means by which the first Egyptian triad, or trinity, came into existence. Kepra had, in some form, union with his own shadow, and so begot offspring who proceeded from his body under the forms of the gods Shu and Tefnut. According to a tradition preserved in the pyramid texts, FN number 4, this event took place at An, Heliopolis, and the old form of the legend ascribes the production of Shu and Tefnut to an act of masturbation. 
Originally these gods were the personifications of air and dryness, and liquids respectively. Thus with their creation the materials for the construction of the atmosphere and sky came into being. Shu and Tefnut were united, and their offspring were Keb, the earth god, and Nut, the sky goddess. We have now five gods in existence, Kepra, the creative principle, Shu, the atmosphere, Tefnut, the waters above the heavens, Nut, the sky goddess, and Keb, the earth god. Presumably about this time the sun first rose out of the watery abyss of Nu, and shone upon the world and produced day. In early times the sun, or his light, was regarded as a form of Shu. The gods Keb and Nut were united in an embrace, and the effect of the coming of light was to separate them. As long as the sun shone, i.e., as long as it was day, Nut, the sky goddess, remained in her place above the earth, being supported by Shu. But as soon as the sun set she left the sky and gradually descended until she rested on the body of the earth god, Keb. FN number 4, Pepii. L. 466. The embraces of Keb caused Nut to bring forth five gods at a birth, namely, Osiris, Horus, Set, Isis, and Nephthys. Osiris and Isis married before their birth, and Isis brought forth a son called Horus. Set and Nephthys also married before their birth, and Nephthys brought forth a son named Anpu, Anubis, though he is not mentioned in the legend. Of these gods Osiris is singled out for special mention in the legend, in which Kepera, speaking as Nebuchadnezzar, says that his name is Ozars, who is the essence of the primeval matter of which he himself is formed. Thus Osiris was of the same substance as the great god who created the world according to the Egyptians, and was a reincarnation of his great-grandfather. This portion of the legend helps to explain the views held about Osiris as the great ancestral spirit, who when on earth was a benefactor of mankind, and who when in heaven was the savior of souls. The legend speaks of the sun as the eye of Kepera, or Nebuchadnezzar, and refers to some calamity which befell it, and extinguished its light. This calamity may have been simply the coming of night, or eclipses, or storms. But in any case the god made a second eye, i.e. the moon, to which he gave some of the splendor of the other eye, i.e. the sun, and he gave it a place in his face, and henceforth it ruled throughout the earth, and had special powers in respect of the production of trees, plants, vegetables, herbs, etc. Thus from the earliest times the moon was associated with the fertility of the earth, especially in connection with the production of abundant crops and successful harvests. According to the legend, men and women sprang not from the earth, but directly from the body of the god Kepera, or Nebuchadnezzar, who placed his members together, and then wept tears upon them, and men and women, came into being from the tears which had fallen from his eyes. No special mention is made of the creation of beasts in the legend, but the god says that he created creeping things of all kinds, and among these are probably included the larger quadrupeds. The men and women and all the other living creatures which were made at that time, reproduced their species, each in his own way, and so the earth became filled with their descendants which we see at the present time. Such is the legend of creation as it is found in the papyrus of Nes Menu. The text of both versions is full of difficult passages, and some readings are corrupt. Unfortunately variant versions by which they might be corrected are lacking. The general meaning of the legend in both versions is quite clear and it throws considerable light on the Egyptian religion. The Egyptians believed in the existence of God, the creator and maintainer of all things, 
but they thought that the concerns of this world were committed by him to the superintendence of a series of subordinate spirits, or beings called gods, over whom they believed magical spells and ceremonies to have the greatest influence. The deity was a being so remote, and of such an exalted nature, that it was idle to expect him to interfere in the affairs of mortals, or to change any decree or command which he had once uttered. The spirits, or gods, on the other hand, possessing natures not far removed from those of men, were thought to be amenable to supplications and flattery, and to wheedling and cajoli, especially when accompanied by gifts. It is of great interest to find a legend in which the power of God as the creator of the world and the sun and moon is so clearly set forth, embedded in a book of magical spells devoted to the destruction of the mythological monster who existed solely to prevent the sun from rising and shining. 2. The Legend of the Destruction of Mankind The text containing the legend of the destruction of mankind is written in hieroglyphs, and is found on the four walls of a small chamber which is entered from the Hall of Columns in the tomb of Sedii, which is situated on the west bank of the Nile at Thebes. On the wall facing the door of this chamber is painted in red the figure of the large cow of heaven. The lower part of her belly is decorated with a series of thirteen stars and immediately beneath it are the two boats of Are, called Semketet and Manchet, or Sektet and Matet. Each of her four legs is held in position by two gods, and the god Shu, with outstretched uplifted arms, supports her body. The cow was published by Champollion, FN No. 5, without the text. This most important mythological text was first published and translated by Professor E. Neville in 1874, FN No. 6, it was republished by Bergman, FN number no. 7, and Brugsch, FN number no. 8, who gave a transcription of the text, with a German translation. Other German versions by Loth, FN number no. 9, Brugsch, FN number no. 10, and Weidmann, FN number no. 11, have appeared, and a part of the text was translated into French by Lefebure, FN number no. 12, the latest edition of the text was published by Lefebure, FN number no. 13, and text of a second copy, very much mutilated, was published by Professor Neville. With a French translation in 1885, FN number 14, the text printed in this volume is that of M. Lefebure. FN number 5, Monuments, Tom. 3, page 245. FN number 6, Trans. Associ Bibl Arch, volume 4, page 1 FF. FN number 7, Hieroglyphish in Schriften, BL 85 FL. FN number 8, Die Nui Welter nun nach Vernichtung des Sundigen Menschengesklex, Berlin, 1881. FN number 9, AUS Egyptens Vorzit, page 71. FN number 10, Religion der Alten Egypter, page 436. FN number 11, Die Religion, page 32. FN number 12, A, Z, 1883, page 32. FN number 13, Tambo de Sedii. Part 4. Plates 15 to 18. FN number 14. Trans. Associ Bibl Arch, Volume 8, page 412 feet. The legend takes us back to the time when the gods of Egypt went about in the country, and mingled with men and were thoroughly acquainted with their desires and needs. The king who reigned over Egypt was Are, the sun god, who was not, however, the first of the dynasty of gods who ruled the land. His predecessor on the throne was Hephaestos, who, according to May though, reigned 9,000 years, 
Whilst Are reigned only 992 years, Panadores makes his reign to have lasted less than 100 years. Be this as it may, it seems that the self-created and self-begotten God Are had been ruling over mankind for a very long time, for his subjects were murmuring against him, and they were complaining that he was old, that his bones were like silver, his body like gold, and his hair like lapis lazuli. When Are heard these murmurings he ordered his bodyguard to summon all the gods who had been with him in the primeval world ocean, and to bid them privately to assemble in the great house, which can be no other than the famous temple of Heliopolis. This statement is interesting, for it proves that the legend is of Heliopolitan origin, like the cult of Are itself, and that it does not belong, at least in so far as it applies to Are, to the pre-dynastic period. When Are entered the great temple, the gods made obeisance to him, and took up their positions on each side of him, and informed him that they awaited his words. Addressing Nu, the personification of the world ocean, Are bade them to take notice of the fact that the men and women whom his eye had created were murmuring against him. He then asked them to consider the matter and to devise a plan of action for him, for he was unwilling to slay the rebels without hearing what his gods had to say. In reply the gods advised Are to send forth his eye to destroy the blasphemers, for there was no eye on earth that could resist it, especially when it took the form of the goddess Hathor. Are accepted their advice and sent forth his eye in the form of Hathor to destroy them, and though the rebels had fled to the mountains in fear, the eye pursued them and overtook them and destroyed them. Hathor rejoiced in her work of destruction, and on her return was praised by Are for what she had done. The slaughter of men began at Sudanhenin, Heracleopolis, and during the night Hathor waited about in the blood of men. Are asserted his intention of being master of the rebels, and this is probably referred to in the Book of the Dead, chapter 17, in which it is said that Are rose as king for the first time in Sudanhenin. Osiris also was crowned at Sudanhenin, and in this city lived the great Benu bird, or phoenix, and the crusher of bones, mentioned in the negative confession. The legend now goes on to describe an act of Are, the significance of which it is difficult to explain. The god ordered messengers to be brought to him, and when they arrived, he commanded them to run like the wind to Abu, or the city of Elephantine, and to bring him large quantities of the fruit called Tadat. What kind of fruit this was is not clear, but Brudge thought they were. Mandrix, the so-called love apples, and this translation of Tadat may be used provisionally. The mandrakes were given to Sekti, a goddess of Heliopolis, to crush and grind up, and when this was done they were mixed with human blood, and put in a large brewing of beer which the women's slaves had made from wheat. In all they made seven thousand vessels of beer. When Are saw the beer he approved of it, and ordered it to be carried up the river to where the goddess Hathor was still, it seems, engaged in slaughtering men. During the night he caused this beer to be poured out into the meadows of the four heavens and when Hathor came she saw the beer with human blood and mandrakes in it, and drank of it, and became drunk, and paid no further attention to men and women. In welcoming the goddess, Are called her, Amit, I, beautiful one. And from this time onward, beautiful women were found in the city of Amit, which was situated in the western delta, near Lake Mariotis. FN number 15, Are also ordered that in future at every one of his festivals vessels of Sleep-producing beer should be made, 
and that their number should be the same as the number of the handmaidens of Are those who took part in these festivals of Hathor, and Are drank beer in very large quantities. And under the influence of the beautiful women, i.e. the priestesses, who were supposed to resemble Hathor in their physical attractions, the festal celebrations degenerated into drunken and licentious orgies. FN number 15. It was also called the City of Apis. Brugsdicht. Geography, page 491, and is the Apis city of classical writers. It is, perhaps, represented by the modern Kalm Alhazen. Soon after this Ari complained that he was smitten with pain, and that he was weary of the children of men. He thought them a worthless remnant, and wished that more of them had been slain. The gods about him begged him to endure, and reminded him that his power was in proportion to his will. Are was, however, unconsoled, and he complained that his limbs were weak for the first time in his life. Thereupon the god Nu told Shu to help Are, and he ordered Nut to take the great god Are on her back. Nut changed herself into a cow, and with the help of Shu Are got on her back. As soon as men saw that Are was on the back of the cow of heaven, and was about to leave them, they became filled with fear and repentance and cried out to Are to remain with them and to slay all those who had blasphemed against him. But the cow moved on her way, and carried Are to Hedahet, a town of the gnome of Mariotis, where in later days the right leg of Osiris was said to be preserved. Meanwhile darkness covered the land. When day broke the men who had repented of their blasphemies appeared with their bows, and slew the enemies of Are at this result Are was pleased and he forgave those who had repented because of their righteous slaughter of his enemies. From this time onwards human sacrifices were offered up at the festivals of Are celebrated in this place, and at Heliopolis, and in other parts of Egypt. After these things Are declared to Nut that he intended to leave this world, and to ascend into heaven, and that all those who would see his face must follow him thither. Then he went up into heaven and prepared a place to which all might come. Then he said, he tepsekade, i.e., let a great field be produced, and straightway, sekadhetep, or the field of peace, came into being. He next said, let there be reeds aru in it, and straightway, sekadaru, or the field of reeds, came into being. Sekadhetep was the Elysian fields of the Egyptians, and the field of reeds was a well-known section of it. Another command of the god Are resulted in the creation of the stars, which the legend compares to flowers. Then the goddess Nut trembled in all her body, and Are, fearing that she might fall, caused to come into being the four pillars on which the heavens are supported. Turning to Shu, Are entreated him to protect these supports, and to place himself under Nut, and to hold her up in position with his hands. Thus Shu became the new sun god in the place of Are and the heavens in which Are lived were supported and placed beyond the risk of falling, and mankind would live and rejoice in the light of the new sun. At this place in the legend a text is inserted called the Chapter of the Cow. It describes how the cow of heaven and the two boats of the sun shall be painted, and gives the positions of the gods who stand by the legs of the cow, and a number of short magical names, or formulae, which are inexplicable. The general meaning of the picture of the cow is quite clear. The cow represents the sky in which the boats of Are sail, and her four legs are the four cardinal points which cannot be changed. The region above her back is the heaven in which Are reigns over the beings who pass thereto from this earth when they die, 
and here was situated the home of the gods and the celestial spirits who govern this world. When Ari had made a heaven for himself, and had arranged for a continuance of life on the earth, and the welfare of human beings, he remembered that at one time when reigning on earth he had been bitten by a serpent, and had nearly lost his life through the bite. Fearing that the same calamity might befall his successor, he determined to take steps to destroy the power of all noxious reptiles that dwelt on the earth. With this object in view he told Thoth to summon Keb, the earth god, to his presence, and this god having arrived, Ari told him that war must be made against the serpents that dwelt in his dominions. He further commanded him to go to the god Nu, and to tell him to set a watch over all the reptiles that were in the earth and in water, and to draw up a writing for every place in which serpents are known to be, containing strict orders that they are to bite, no one. Though these serpents knew that Ari was retiring from the earth, they were never to forget that his rays would fall upon them. In his place their father Keb was to keep watch over them, and he was their father forever. As a further protection against them Are promised to impart to magicians and snake charmers the particular word of power, Hekau, with which he guarded himself against the attacks of serpents, and also to transmit it to his son Osiris. Thus those who are ready to listen to the formulae of the snake charmers shall always be immune from the bites of serpents, and their children also. From this we may gather that the profession of the snake charmer is very ancient and that this class of magicians were supposed to owe the foundation of their craft to a decree of Are himself. Are next sent for the god Thoth, and when he came into the presence of Are, he invited him to go with him to a distance, to a place called Tut, i.e. hell, or the other world, in which region he had determined to make his light to shine. When they arrived there he told Thoth, the scribe of truth, to write down on his tablets the names of all who were therein and to punish those among them who had sinned against him, and he deputed to Thoth the power to deal absolutely as he pleased with all the beings in the Tut. Are loathed the wicked, and wished them to be kept at a distance from him. Thoth was to be his vicar, to fill his place, and place of Are was to be his name. He gave him power to send out a messenger, Hab, so the Ibis, Habi, came into being. All that Thoth would do would be good, Ken, Therefore the Techni bird of Thoth came into being. He gave Thoth power to embrace, on, the heavens, therefore the moon god, ah, came into being. He gave Thoth power to turn back, Anan, the northern peoples, therefore the dog-headed ape of Thoth came into being. Finally Ari told Thoth that he would take his place in the sight of all those who were wont to worship Are, and that all should praise him as God. Thus the abdication of Are was complete. In the fragmentary texts which follow we are told how a man may benefit by the recital of this legend. He must proclaim that the soul which animated Are was the soul of the aged one, and that of Shu, Knima, He, and Si, and then he must proclaim that he is Are himself, and his word of power Hika. If he recites the chapter correctly he shall have life in the other world, and he will be held in greater fear there than here. A rubric adds that he must be dressed in new linen garments, and be well washed with Nile water, he must wear white sandals, and his body must be anointed with holy oil. He must burn incense in a censer, and a figure of Mat truth, must be painted on his tongue with green paint. These regulations applied to the lady as well as to the clergy. 3. The Legend of Are and Isis The original text of this very interesting legend is written in the Hieratratic character on a papyrus preserved at Turin 
and was published by Plate and Rossi in their Corpus of Turin Papyri. FN number 16, French and German translations of it were published by Lefebure, FN number 17, and Weidmann, FN number 18, respectively, and summaries of its contents were given by Ehrman, FN number 19, and Maspero, FN number 20, a transcript of the hieratratic text into hieroglyphics, with transliteration and translation, was published by Mian. 1895. FN number 21. FN number 16. Papyrus de Turin PLL. 31, 77, 131 to 138. FN number 17. A. Z. 1883, page 27 FF. FN number 18. Die Religion page 29. FN number 19, Egyptian, page 359 FF. FN number 20, Les Origins, V, 162-4. FN number 21, First Steps in Egyptian, page 241 FF. It has already been seen that the god Are, when retiring from the government of this world, took steps through Thoth to supply mankind with words of power and spells with which to protect themselves against the bites of serpents, and other noxious reptiles. The legend of the destruction of mankind affords no explanation of this remarkable fact, but when we read the following legend of Are and Isis we understand why Are, though king of the gods, was afraid of the reptiles which lived in the kingdom of Keb. The legend, or chapter of the divine god, begins by enumerating the mighty attributes of Are as the creator of the universe, and describes the god of many names as unknowable even by the gods. At this time Isis lived in the form of a woman who possessed the knowledge of spells and incantations, that is to say, she was regarded much in the same way as modern African peoples regard their medicine women, or witch women. She had used her spells on men, and was tired of exercising her powers on them, and she craved the opportunity of making herself mistress of gods and spirits as well as of men. She meditated how she could make herself mistress both of heaven and earth, and finally she decided that she could only obtain the power she wanted if she possessed the knowledge of the secret name of Are, in which his very existence was bound up. Are guarded this name most jealously, for he knew that if he revealed it to any being he would henceforth be at that being's mercy. Isis saw that it was impossible to make Are declare his name to her by ordinary methods, and she therefore thought out the following plan. It was well known in Egypt and the Sudan at a very early period that if a magician obtained some portion of a person's body, example, a hair, a paring of a nail, a fragment of skin, or a portion of some efflux from the body, spells could be used upon them which would have the effect of causing grievous harm to that person. Isis noted that Are had become old and feeble, and that as he went about he dribbled at the mouth, and that his saliva fell upon the ground. Watching her opportunity she caught some of the saliva of the and mixing it with dust, she molded it into the form of a large serpent, with poison fangs, and having uttered her spells over it, she left the serpent lying on the path, by which Ari traveled day by day as he went about inspecting Egypt, so that it might strike at him as he passed along. We may note in passing that the Banyoro and the Sudan employ serpents in killing buffaloes at the present day. They catch a puff adder in a noose and then nail it alive by the tip of its tail to the round in the middle of a buffalo track, so that when an animal passes the reptile may strike at it. Presently a buffalo comes along, does what it is expected to do, and then the puff adder strikes at it, injects its poison, 
and the animal dies soon after. As many as ten buffaloes have been killed in a day by one puff adder. The body of the first buffalo is not eaten, for it is regarded as poison meat, but all the others are used as food. FN number 22. FN number 22, Johnston, Uganda, volume 2, page 584. The authority for this statement is Mr. George Wilson, formerly collector in Anyoro. Soon after Isis had placed the serpent on the path, Are passed by, and the reptile bit him, thus injecting poison into his body. Its effect was terrible, and Are cried out in agony. His jaws chattered, his lips trembled, and he became speechless for a time. Never before had he suffered such pain. The gods hearing his cry rushed to him, and when he could speak he told them that he had been bitten by a deadly serpent. In spite of all the words of power which were known to him, and his secret name which had been hidden in his body at his birth, a serpent had bitten him, and he was being consumed with a fiery pain. He then commanded that all the gods who had any knowledge of magical spells should come to him, and when they came, Isis, the great lady of spells, the destroyer of diseases, and the revivifier of the dead, came with them. Turning to Ari, she said, What hath happened, O divine father? And in answer the god told her that a serpent had bitten him, that he was hotter than fire and colder than water, that his limbs quaked, and that he was losing the power of sight. Then Isis said to him with guile, Divine Father, tell me thy name, for he who uttereth his own name shall live. Thereupon Ari proceeded to enumerate the various things that he had done, and to describe his creative acts, and ended his speech to Isis by saying, that he was Kepra in the morning, Are at noon, and Temu in the evening. Apparently he thought that the naming of these three great names would satisfy Isis, and that she would immediately pronounce a word of power and stop the pain in his body, which, during his speech, had become more acute. Isis, however, was not deceived, and she knew well that Are had not declared to her his hidden name. This she told him, and she begged him once again to tell her his name. For a time the god refused to utter the name, but as the pain in his body became more violent, and the poison passed through his veins like fire, he said, Isis shall search in me, and my name shall pass from my body into hers. At that moment Are removed himself from the sight of the gods in his boat, and the throne in the boat of millions of years had no occupant. The great name of Are was, it seems, hidden in his heart, and Isis, having some doubt as to whether Are would keep his word or not, agreed with Horus that Are must be made to take an oath to part with his two eyes, that is, the sun and the moon. At length Are allowed his heart to be taken from his body, and his great and secret name, whereby he lived, passed into the possession of Isis. Are thus became to all intents and purposes a dead god. Then Isis, strong in the power of her spells, said, Flow, poison, come out of Are eye of Horus, come out of Are, and shine outside his mouth. It is Ah, Isis, who work, and I have made the poison to fall on the ground. Verily the name of the great god is taken from him. Are shall live and the poison shall die. If the poison live Are shall die. This was the infallible spell which was to be used in cases of poisoning, for it rendered the bite or sting of every venomous reptile harmless. It drove the poison out of Are, and since it was composed by Isis after she obtained the knowledge of his secret name it was irresistible. If the words were written on papyrus or linen over a figure of Temu or Haruhikanu, or Isis, or Horus, 
they became a mighty charm. If the papyrus or linen were steeped in water and the water drunk, the words were equally efficacious as a charm against snake bites. To this day water in which the written words of a text from the Quran have been dissolved, or water drunk from a bowl on the inside of which religious texts have been written, is still regarded as a never-failing charm in Egypt and the Sudan. Thus we see that the modern custom of drinking magical water was derived from the ancient Egyptians, who believed that it conveyed into their bodies the actual power of their gods. 4. The Legend of Harubahudit and the Winged Disc The text of this legend is cut in hieroglyphics on the walls of the Temple of Edfu in Upper Egypt, and certain portions of it are illustrated by large bar-reliefs. Both text and reliefs were published by Professor Neville in his volume entitled Mythe de Horus, Folios, Plates 12 to 19, Geneva, 1870. A German translation by Brugsch appeared in the Ahandlung in der Göttinger Academy, Band 14, pages 173 to 236, and another by Weidmann in his Die Religion, page 38 ff. See the English translation, page 69 ff. The legend in the form in which it is here given, dates from the Ptolemaic period, but the matter which it contains is far older, and it is probable that the facts recorded in it are fragments of actual history, which the Egyptians of the late period tried to piece together in chronological order. We shall see as we read that the writer of the legend as we have it was not well acquainted with Egyptian history, and that in his account of the conquest of Egypt he has confounded one god with another and mixed up historical facts with mythological legends to such a degree that his meaning is frequently uncertain. The great fact which he wished to describe is the conquest of Egypt by an early king, who, having subdued the peoples in the south, advanced northwards, and made all the people whom he conquered submit to his yoke. Now the king of Egypt was always called Horus, and the priests of Edfu wishing to magnify their local god, Horus of Behudit, or Horus of Edfu, attributed to him the conquests of this human, and probably pre-dynastic, king. We must remember that the legend assumes that Are was still reigning on earth, though he was old and feeble, and had probably deputed his power to his successor, whom the legend regards as his son. Plate I. Horus holding the hippopotamus fiend with chain and spear. Behind stand Isis and Harukentikadi. Plate II. Horus driving his spear into the hippopotamus fiend. Behind him stands one of his blacksmiths. Plate 3. Horus driving his spear into the belly of the hippopotamus fiend as he lies on his back. Behind stands one of his blacksmiths. Plate 4. Horus and Isis capturing the hippopotamus fiend. In the 363rd year of his reign R.A. Hermakis, FN number 23, was in Nubia with his army with the intention of destroying those who had conspired against him. Because of their conspiracy, AUU, Nubia is called UUA, to this day. From Nubia Are Harmaki sailed down the river to Edfu, where Harubahudit entered his boat, and told him that his foes were conspiring against him. Are Harmaki's in answer addressed Harubahudit as his son, and commanded him to set out without delay and slay the wicked rebels. Then Harubahudit took the form of a great winged disc, and at once flew up into the sky, where he took the place of Are the old sun god. Looking down from the height of heaven he was able to discover the whereabouts of the rebels, and he pursued them in the form of a winged disc. Then he attacked them with such violence that they became dazed, and could neither see where they were going, nor hear, the result of this being that they slew each other, 
and in a very short time they were all dead. Thoth, seeing this, told Arya that because Horus had appeared as a great winged disc he must be called. Harubahutit. And by this name Horus was known ever after at Edfu. Arya embraced Horus, and referred with pleasure to the blood which he had shed, and Horus invited his father to come and look upon the slain. Arya set out with the goddess Ashtertet, Ashtoreth, to do this, and they saw the enemies lying fettered on the ground. The legend here introduces a number of curious derivations of the names of Edfu, and C, which are valueless, and which remind us of the derivations of place names propounded by ancient Semitic scribes. FN number 23, i.e., R.A. on the horizon. Plate V. Horus standing on the back of the hippopotamus fiend, and spearing him in the presence of Isis. Plate 6. The. Butcher priest. Slicing open the hippopotamus fiend. In gladness of heart Are proposed the sail on the Nile. But as soon as his enemies heard that he was coming, they changed themselves into crocodiles and hippopotami, so that they might be able to wreck his boat and devour him. As the boat of the god approached them they opened their jaws to crush it, but Horus and his followers came quickly on the scene and defeated their purpose. The followers of Horus here mentioned are called in the text. Mesniu, i.e. blacksmiths, or workers in metal, and they represent the primitive conquerors of the Egyptians, who were armed with metal weapons, and so were able to overcome with tolerable ease the indigenous Egyptians, whose weapons were made of flint and wood. Horus and his blacksmiths were provided with iron lances and chains, and Bang cast the chains over the monsters in the river, they drove their lances into their snouts, and slew six hundred and fifty-one of them. Because Horus gained his victory by means of metal weapons, Ari decreed that a metal statue of Horus should be placed at Edfu, and remain there forever, and a name was given to the town to commemorate the great battle that had taken place there. Ari applauded Horus for the mighty deeds which B had been able to perform by means of the spells contained in the Book of Slaying the Hippopotamus. Horus then associated with himself the goddesses Yuchit and Nekabet, who were in the form of serpents and taking his place as the winged disc on the front of the boat of Are, destroyed all the enemies of Are wheresoever he found them. When the remnant of the enemies of Are saw that they were likely to be slain, they doubled back to the south, but Horus pursued them, and drove them down the river before him as far as Thebes. One battle took place at Chetnet, and another at Dendera, and Horus was always victorious. The enemies were caught by chains thrown over them, and the deadly spears of the blacksmiths drank their blood. After this the enemy fled to the north, and took refuge in the swamps of the delta, and in the shallows of the Mediterranean Sea, and Horus pursued them thither. After searching for them for four days and four nights he found them, and they were speedily slain. One hundred and forty-two of them and a male hippopotamus were dragged on to the boat of Are, and there Horus dug out their entrails, and hacked their carcasses in pieces which he gave to his blacksmiths and the gods who formed the crew of the boat of Are before dispatching the hippopotamus, Horus leaped onto the back of the monster as a mark of his triumph, and to commemorate this event the priest of Habin. The town wherein these things happened, was called, He who standeth on the back ever. After. The end of the great fight, however, was not yet. Another army of enemies appeared by the north lake, and they were marching towards the sea. But terror of Horus smote their hearts, and they fled and took refuge in Mertetainment, where they allied themselves with the followers of Set, 
The archfiend and great enemy of Are the De Horus and his well-armed blacksmiths pursued them, and came up with them at the town called Perirehu, which derived its name from the two combatants, or two men, Horus and Set. A great fight took place, the enemies of Are were defeated with great slaughter, and Horus dragged three hundred and eighty-one prisoners on to the boat of Are, where he slew them, and gave their bodies to his followers. Plate 7 Horus of Behutit and Are Harmakis in a Shrine Plate 8 Horus of Behutit and Harmakis in a Shrine Plate 9 Ashtertet Ashtereth, driving her chariot over the prostrate foe Plate X Left, Horus of Behutit spearing a Typhonic animal and holding his prisoners with rope Right, Horus of Behutit, accompanied by Are Harmakis and Menu, spearing the Hippopotamus Fiend then Set rose up and cursed Horus because he had slain his allies, and he used such foul language that Thoth called him, Mihahar, i.e., stinking face, and this name clung to him ever after. After this Horus and Set engaged in a fight which lasted a very long time, but at length Horus drove his spear into the neck of Set with such violence that the fiend fell headlong to the ground. Then Horus smote with his club the mouth which had uttered such blasphemies and fettered him with his chain. In this state Horus dragged Set into the presence of Are, who ascribed great praise to Horus, and special names were given to the palace of Horus and the high priest of the temple in commemoration of the event. When the question of the disposal of Set was being discussed by the gods, Are ordered that he and his fiends should be given over to Isis and her son Horus, who were to do what they pleased with them. Horus promptly cut off the heads of Set, and his fiends in the presence of Are and Isis, and be dragged set by his feet through the country with his spear sticking in his head and neck. After this Isis appointed Horus of Behutit to be the protecting deity of her son Horus. The fight between the sun god and Set was a very favorite subject with Egyptian writers, and there are many forms of it. Thus there is the fight between Heruar and Set, the fight between Are and Set, the fight between Herubahutit and Set, the fight between Osiris and Set, and the fight between Horus, son of Isis, and Set. In the oldest times the combat was merely the natural opposition of light to darkness, but later the sun god became the symbol of right and truth as well as of light, and set the symbol of sin and wickedness as well as of darkness, and ultimately the nature myth was forgotten, and the fight between the two gods became the type of the everlasting war which good men wage against sin. In Coptic literature we have the well-known legend of the slaughter of the dragon by S.T. George, and this is nothing but a Christian adaptation of the legend of Horus and Set. After these things Horus, son of Are, and Horus, son of Isis, each took the form of a mighty man, with the face and body of a hawk, and each wore the red and white crowns, and each carried a spear and chain. In these forms the two gods slew the remnant of the enemies. Now by some means or other Set came to life again, and he took the form of a mighty hissing or, roaring, serpent, and hid himself in the ground, in a place which was ever after called the place of the roar. In front of his hiding place Horus, son of Isis, stationed himself in the form of a hawk-headed staff to prevent him from coming out. In spite of this, however, Set managed to escape, and he gathered about him the Smai and Saba fiends at the Lake of Meh and waged war once more against Horus. The enemies of Are were again defeated, and Horus slew them in the presence of his father. Plate 11 
Horus of Behudit and Thoth spearing human victims with the assistance of Isis. Plate 12. Horus of Behutit and Thoth's spearing set in the form of a crocodile. Horus, it seems, now ceased to fight for some time, and devoted himself to keeping guard over the great god, who was in Enredef, a district in or near Heracleopolis. This great god was no other than Osiris, and the duty of Horus was to prevent the Smai fiends from coming by night to the place. In spite of the power of Horus, it was found necessary to summon the aid of Isis to keep away the fiends, and it was only by her words of power that the fiend B.A. was kept out of the sanctuary. As a reward for what he had already done, Thoth decreed that Horus should be called the Master Fighter. Passing over the derivations of place names which occur here in the text, we find that Horus and his blacksmiths were again obliged to fight bodies of the enemy who had managed to escape, and that on one occasion they killed one hundred and six foes. In every fight the blacksmiths performed mighty deeds of valor, and in reward for their services a special district was allotted to them to dwell in. The last great fight in the north took place at Tanis, in the eastern part of the delta. When the position of the enemy had been located, Horus took the form of a lion with the face of a man, and he put on his head the triple crown. His claws were like flints, and with them he dragged away one hundred and forty-two of the enemy, and tore them in pieces and dug out their tongues, which he carried off as symbols of his victory. Meanwhile rebellion had again broken out in Nubia, where about one-third of the enemy had taken refuge in the river in the forms of crocodiles and hippopotami. Are counseled Horus to sail up the Nile with his blacksmiths, and when Thoth had recited the chapters of protecting the boat of Are over the boats, the expedition set sail for the south. The object of reciting these spells was to prevent the monsters which were in the river from making the waves to rise and from stirring up storms which might engulf the boats of Are and Horus and the blacksmiths. When the rebels and fiends who had been uttering treason against Horus saw the boat of Are, with the winged disc of Horus accompanied by the goddesses Uchit and Nechabed in the form of serpents, they were smitten with fear, and their hearts quaked, and all power of resistance left them, and they died of fright straightway. When Horus returned in triumph to Edfu, Are ordered that an image of the winged disc should be placed in each of his sanctuaries, and that in every place wherein a winged disc was set, that sanctuary should be a sanctuary of Horus of Behudit. The winged discs which are seen above the doorways of the temple still standing in Egypt show that the command of Are was faithfully carried out by the priests. Plate 13. Horus of Behudit in the form of a lion slaying his foes. V. Legend of the Birth of Horus, Son of Isis and Osiris Plate 14 The Procreation of Horus, Son of Isis The text which contains this legend is found cut in hieroglyphics upon a steel which is now preserved in Paris. Attention was first called to it by Chabas, who in 1857 gave a translation of it in the Revue Archaeologique, page 65 ff, and pointed out the importance of its contents with his characteristic ability. The hieroglyphic text was first published by Ledrain in his work on the monuments of the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris, FN number 24, and I gave a transcript of the text, with transliteration and translation, in 1895, FN number 25. FN number 24, Les Monuments Egyptiens, Cabinet de Medailles et Antiques, in the Bibliothèque de l'École de Hautes Etudes, Paris, 1879-1882, Plate 22. FF. 
FN number 25, First Steps in Egyptian, pages 179 to 188. The greater part of the text consists of a hymn to Osiris, which was probably composed under the 80th dynasty, when an extraordinary development of the cult of that god took place, and when he was placed by Egyptian theologians at the head of all the gods. Though unseen in the temples, his presence filled all Egypt, and his body formed the very substance of the country. He was the god of all gods and the governor of the two companies of the gods, he formed the soul and body of Are, he was the beneficent spirit of all spirits, he was himself the celestial food on which the doubles in the other world lived. He was the greatest of the gods Anon, Heliopolis, Memphis, Heracleopolis, Hermopolis, Abydus, and the region of the first cataract, and so. He embodied in his own person the might of Aretem, Apis and Ta, the Horus gods, Thoth and Knemu, and his rule over Busiris and Abydus continued to be supreme, as it had been for many, many hundreds of years. He was the source of the Nile, the north wind sprang from him, his seats were the stars of heaven which never set, and the imperishable stars were his ministers. All heaven was his dominion, and the doors of the sky opened before him of their own accord when he appeared. He inherited the earth from his father Keb, and the sovereignty of heaven from his mother Nut. In his person he united endless time in the past and endless time in the future. Like Are he had fought Seba, or Set, the monster of evil, and had defeated him, and his victory assured to him lasting authority over the gods and the dead. He exercised his creative power in making land and water, trees and herbs, cattle and other four-footed beasts, birds of all kinds, and fish and creeping things, even the waste spaces of the desert owed allegiance to him as the creator. And he rolled out the sky, and set the light above the darkness. The last paragraph of the text contains an allusion to Isis, the sister and wife of Osiris, and mentions the legend of the birth of Horus, which even under the 80th dynasty was very ancient. Isis, we are told, was the constant protectress of her brother. She drove away the fiends that wanted to attack him, and kept them out of his shrine and tomb, and she guarded him from all accidents. All these things she did by means of spells and incantations, large numbers of which were known to her, and by her power as the witch goddess. Her mouth was trained to perfection, and she made no mistake in pronouncing her spells, and her tongue was skilled and halted not. At length came the unlucky day when Set succeeded in killing Osiris during the war which the good god was waging against him and his fiends. Details of the engagement are wanting but the pyramid texts state that the body of Osiris was hurled to the ground by set at a place called Netat, which seems to have been near Abydus. FN number 26, the news of the death of Osiris was brought to Isis, and she at once set out to find his body. All legends agree in saying that she took the form of a bird, and that she flew about unceasingly, going hither and thither, and uttering wailing cries of grief. At length she found the body and with a piercing cry she alighted on the ground. The pyramid texts say that Nephthys was with her that Isis came, Nephthys came, the one on the right side, the other on the left side, one in the form of a hat bird, the other in the form of a chert bird, and they found Osiris thrown on the ground in Netat by his brother Set. The late form of the legend goes on to say that Isis fanned the body with her feathers, and produced air, and that at length she caused the inert members of Osiris to move and drew from him his essence, wherefrom she produced her child Horus. 
FN number 26, Pepe I. Line 475, Pepe 2. Line 1263. This bare statement of the dogma of the conception of Horus does not represent all that is known about it, and it may well be supplemented by a passage from the pyramid texts, FN number 27, which reads, Adoration to thee, O Osiris. FN number 28, Rise thou up on thy left side, place thyself on thy right side. This water which I give unto thee is the water of youth, or rejuvenation. Adoration to thee, O Osiris. Rise thou up on thy left side, place thyself on thy right side. This bread which I have made for thee is warmth. Adoration to thee, O Osiris. The doors of heaven are open to thee, the doors of the streams are thrown wide open to thee. The gods in the city of Pecum, to thee, Osiris, at the sound, or voice, of the supplication of Isis and Nephthys. Thy elder sister took thy body in her arms, she chafed thy hands, she clasped thee to her breast, when, she found thee, lying, on thy side on the plain of Netat. And in another place we read frowny face fn number 29. Thy two sisters, Isis and Nephthys, came to thee, Camert, in thy name of Camuar, Yuchiturt, in thy name of Yuchuar. Isis and Nephthys weave magical protection for thee in the city of Sot, for thee their lord, in thy name of lord of Sot, for their god, in thy name of god, they praise thee, go not thou far from them in thy name of Tua, they present offerings to thee, be not wroth in thy name of Chentru, thy sister Isis cometh to thee rejoicing in her love for thee, FN number 30, thou hast union with her, thy seed entereth her, she conceiveth in the form of the star Septet, Sothis. Horus Sept issueth from thee in the form of Horus, dweller in the star Septet. Thou makest a spirit to be in him in his name spirit dwelling in the god Chentru. He avengeth thee in his name of Horus, the son who avenged his father. Hail, Osiris, Keb hath brought to thee Horus, he hath avenged thee, he hath brought to thee the hearts of the gods, Horus hath given thee his eye, thou hast taken possession of the Urit crown thereby at the head of the gods. Horus hath presented to thee thy members, he hath collected them completely, there is no disorder in thee. Thoth hath seized thy enemy, and hath slain him and those who were with him. The above words are addressed to dead kings in the pyramid texts, and what the gods were supposed to do for them was believed by the Egyptians to have been actually done for Osiris. These extracts are peculiarly valuable, for they prove that the legend of Osiris which was current under the 80th dynasty was based upon traditions which were universally accepted in Egypt under the VTH and Vith dynasties. FN number 27, Marinare, line 336, Pepe 2, line 862. FN number 28, I omit the king's names. FN number 29, Teta, line 274, Pepe I, line 27. Marinare, line 37, and Pepe 2, line 67. FN number 30, Pyramid Text, Teta, L, 276. Plate 15. Plate 16. The Steel Recording the Casting Out of a Devil from the Princess of Becton. The hymn concludes with a reference to the accession of Horus, son of Isis, the flesh and bone of Osiris, to the throne of his grandfather Keb and to the welcome which he received from the Chacha, or administrators of heaven, and the company of the gods, and the lords of truth, who assembled in the great house of Heliopolis to acknowledge his sovereignty. His succession also received the approval of Nebuchadnezzar, who, as we saw from the first legend in this book, 
was the creator of the universe. 6. A Legend of Kensen Neferhitep, FN number 31, and the Princess of Becton. FN number 31, in the headlines of this section, page 106 FF, for Ta Neferhitep read Kensen Neferhitep. The text of this legend is cut in hieroglyphics upon a sandstone steel, with a rounded top, which was found in the Temple of Kensu at Thebes, and is now preserved in the Bibliothèque Nationale at Paris. It was discovered by Champollion, and removed to Paris by Pris de in 1846. The text was first published by Pris de Evans, FN No. 32, and it was first translated by Birch, FN No. 33, in 1853. The text was republished and translated into French by E. de Rouge in 1858, FN number 34, and several other renderings have been given in German and in English since that date, FN number 35, when the text was first published, and for some years afterwards. It was generally thought that the legend referred to events which were said to have taken place under a king who was identified as Ramesses XIII, but this misconception was corrected by Ehrman, who showed FN number 36, that the king was in reality Ramesses II. By a careful examination of the construction of the text he proved that the narrative on the steel was drawn up several hundreds of years after the events described in it took place, and that its author was but imperfectly acquainted with the form of the Egyptian language in use in the reign of Ramesses II. In fact, the legend was written in the interests of the priests of the Temple of Kensu who wished to magnify their god and his power to cast out devils and to exorcise evil spirits. It was probably composed between B.C. 650 and B.C. 250. FN number 37. FN number 32, Choy de Monuments Egyptians, Paris, 1847, Plate 24. FN number 33, Transactions of the Royal Society of Literature, New Series, Volume 4, page 217 FF. FN number 34, Journal Asiatique, Etude sur un style Egyptian, August, 1856, August, 1857, and August Sept, 1858, Paris, 8 VO, with plate. FN number 35, Brugge, Gestic Egyptens, 1877, page 627 FF, Birch, Records of the Past, Old Series, Volume 4, page 53 FF, Budge, Egyptian Reading Book, Text and Transliteration, page 40 FF. Translation, page 28. FF. FN number 36, AEG. Site. 1883, pages 54 to 60. FN number 37, Maspero, Les Contes Populaires, 3rd edit. Page 166. The legend, after enumerating the great names of Ramesses II, goes on to state that the king was in the country of the two rivers by which we are to understand some portion of Mesopotamia, the rivers being the Tigris and Euphrates, and that the local chiefs were bringing to him tribute consisting of gold, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and logs of wood from the land of the god. It is difficult to understand how gold and logs of wood from southern Arabia and East Africa came to be produced as tribute by chiefs who lived so far to the north. Among those who sent gifts was the Prince of Becton, and at the head of all his tribute he sent his eldest daughter bearing his message of homage and duty. Now the maiden was beautiful, and the king of Egypt thought her so lovely that betook her to wife, and bestowed upon her the name, Are Neferu, which means something like the beauties of Are. He took her back with him to Egypt, where she was installed as queen.
during the summer of the fifteenth year of his reign, whilst Ramesses II was celebrating a festival of Amenare in the temple of Luxor, one came to him and reported that an envoy had arrived from the prince of Becton, bearing with him many gifts for the royal wife Areneferu. When the envoy had been brought into the presence, he addressed words of homage to the king, and having presented the gifts from his lord, he said that he had come to beg his majesty to send a learned man, i.e. a magician, to Becton to attend Bententhresh, his majesty's sister-in-law, who was stricken with some disease. Thereupon the king summoned the learned men of the house of life, i.e., the members of the great college of magic at Thebes, and the Kendatu officials, and when they had entered his presence, he commanded them to select a man of wise heart and deft fingers to go to Becton. The choice fell upon one Tehudiamheb, and his majesty sent him to Becton with the envo. When they arrived in Becton, Tehudiamheb found that the princess Bententhresh was possessed by an evil spirit which refused to be exorcised by him, and he was unable to cast out the devil. The prince of Becton, seeing that the healing of his daughter was beyond the power of the Egyptian, sent a second envoy to Ramesses II, and besought him to send a god to drive out the devil. This envoy arrived in Egypt in the summer of the twenty-sixth year of the reign of Ramesses II, and found the king celebrating a festival in Thebes. When he heard the petition of the envoy, he went to the temple of Kensin Neferhitep. A second time, FN number 38, and presented himself before the god and besought his help on behalf of his sister-in-law. FN number 38, thus the king must have invoked the help of Kensa on the occasion of the visit of the first envoy. Then the priest of Kensa Neferhitep carried the statue of this god to the place where was the statue of Kensa surnamed Pari Seker, i.e. the worker of destinies, who was able to repel the attacks of evil spirits and to drive them out. When the statues of the two gods were facing each other, Ramesses II entreated Kensa Neferhitep to turn his face towards, i.e., to look favorably upon Kensu, Pari Seker, and to let him go to Becton to drive the devil out of the princess of Becton. The text affords no explanation of the fact that Kensu Neferhitep was regarded as a greater god than Kensu Pari Seker, or why his permission had to be obtained before the latter could leave the country. It is probable that the demands made upon Kensu Neferhitep by the Egyptians who lived in Thebes and its neighborhood were so numerous that it was impossible to let his statue go into outlying districts or foreign lands, and that a deputy god was appointed to perform miracles outside Thebes. This arrangement would benefit the people, and would, moreover, bring much money to the priests. The appointment of a deputy god is not so strange as it may seem, and modern African peoples are familiar with the expedient. About one hundred years ago the priests of the god Babawisi of Winneba, in the Chui region of West Africa, found their business so large that it was absolutely necessary for them to appoint a deputy. The priests therefore selected Brafo, i.e., deputy, and gave out that Babawisi had deputed all minor matters to him, and that his utterances were to be regarded as those of Babawisi. Delegates were ordered to be sent to Winneba in Ashanti, where they would be shown the deputy, God by the priests, and afterwards he would be taken to Mankasim, where he would reside, and do for the people all that Babawisi had done hitherto. FN number 39. FN number 39, Ellis, Tree Speaking Peoples, page 55. When Ramesses II had made his petition to Kensin Neferhitep, the statue of the god bowed its head twice, in token of assent.
Here it is clear that we have an example of the use of statues with movable limbs, which were worked, when occasion required, by the priests. The king then made a second petition to the god to transfer his essay, or magical power, to Kensapari Seker so that when he had arrived in Becton he would be able to heal the princess. Again the statue of Kensa Neferhitep bowed its head twice, and the petition of the king was granted. The text goes on to say that the magical power of the greater god was transferred to the lesser god four times, or in a fourfold measure, but we are not told how this was effected. We know from many passages in the text that every god was believed to possess this magical power, which is called the Essay of Life, or the Essay of the God. Dot, FN number 40. This essay could be transferred by a god or goddess to a human being, either by an embrace or through some offering which was eaten. Thus Temu transferred the magical power of his life to Shu and Tefnut by embracing them. FN number 41. And in the ritual of the divine cult, FN number 42, the priest says, The two vessels of milk of Temu are the Essay of my limbs. The man who possessed this essay could transfer it to his friend by embracing him, and then making passes, with his hands along his back. The essay could be received by a man from a god and then transmitted by him to a statue by taking it in his arms, and this ceremony was actually performed by the king in the ritual of the divine cult. FN number 43. The primary source of this essay was Are, who bestowed it without measure on the blessed dead, FN number 44, and caused them to live forever thereby. These facts make it tolerably certain that the magical power of Kensa Neferhitep was transferred to Kensapari Seker in one of two ways, either the statue of the latter was brought near to that of the former, and it received the essay by contact, or the high priest first received the essay from the greater god and then transmitted it to the lesser god by embraces and passes, with his hands. Be this as it may, Kensapari Seker received the magical power, and having been placed in his boat, he set out for Becton, accompanied by five smaller boats, and chariots and horses which marched on each side of him. FN number 40, Text of Unas, line 562. FN number 41, Pyramid Texts Pepii, L. 466. FN number 42, Edition Moret, page 21. FN number 43, Ibid, page 99. FN number 44, Pepii. Line 666. When after a journey of seventeen months Kensapari Seker arrived in Becton, he was cordially welcomed by the prince, and having gone to the place where the princess who was possessed of a devil lived, he exercised his power to such purpose that she was healed immediately. Moreover, the devil which had been cast out admitted that Kensapari Seker was his master, and promised that he would depart to the place whence he came provided that the Prince of Becton would celebrate a festival in his honor before his departure. Meanwhile the prince and his soldiers stood by listening to the conversation between the god and the devil, and they were very much afraid. Following the instructions of Kensapari Seker the prince made a great feast in honor of the supernatural visitors, and then the devil departed to the place which he loved, and there was general rejoicing in the land. The prince of Becton was so pleased with the Egyptian god that he determined not to allow him to return to Egypt. When the statue of Kensapari Seker had been in Becton for three years and nine months, the prince in a vision saw the god, in the form of a golden hawk, come forth from his shrine, and fly up into the air and direct his course to Egypt. Realizing that the statue of the god was useless without its indwelling spirit, 
the prince of Becton permitted the priests of Kensapari Seker to depart with it to Egypt, and dismissed them with gifts of all kinds. In due course they arrived in Egypt, and the priests took their statue to the temple of Kensa Neferhetep, and handed over to that god all the gifts which the prince of Becton had given them, keeping back nothing for their own god. After this Kensapari Seker returned to his temple in peace, in the thirty-third year of the reign of Ramesses II, having been absent from it about eight years. 7. A Legend of Knema and of a Seven Years' Famine The text of this most interesting legend is found in hieroglyphics on one side of a large rounded block of granite some eight or nine feet high, which stands on the southeast portion of Sahal, a little island lying in the first cataract, two or three miles to the south of Elephantine Island and the modern town of Aswan. The inscription is not cut into the rock in the ordinary way, but was stunned on it with a blunted chisel, and is, in some lights, quite invisible to anyone standing near the rock, unless he is aware of its existence. It is in full view of the river path which leads from Mahala to Philae, and yet it escaped the notice of scores of travelers who have searched the rocks and islands in the cataract for graffiti and inscriptions. The inscription, which covers a space six feet by five feet, was discovered accidentally on February 6, 1889, by the late Mr. C. E. Wilbur, a distinguished American gentleman who spent many years in research in Egypt. He first copied the text, discovering in the course of his work the remarkable nature of its contents, and then his friend Mr. Maudslay photographed it. The following year he sent prints from Mr. Maudslay's negatives to Dr. Brugsch, who in the course of 1891 published a transcript of the text with a German translation and notes in a work entitled Die Biblischen Sieben Jahr der Hungersnacht, Leipzig, 8 Vio. The legend contained in this remarkable text describes a terrible famine which took place in the reign of Caesar, a king of the Yurd dynasty, and lasted for seven years. Insufficient Nile floods were, of course, the physical cause of the famine, but the legend shows that the low Niles, were brought about by the neglect of the Egyptians in respect of the worship of the god of the first cataract, the great god Knema. When, according to the legend, King Caesar had been made to believe that the famine took place because men had ceased to worship Knema in a manner appropriate to his greatness, and when he had taken steps to remove the ground of complaint, the Nile rose to its accustomed height, the crops became abundant once more, and all misery caused by scarcity of provisions ceased. In other words, when Caesar restored the offerings of Knemu, and re-endowed his sanctuary and his priesthood, the god allowed Happy to pour forth his streams from the caverns in the cataract, and to flood the land with abundance. The general character of the legend, as we have it here, makes it quite certain that it belongs to a late period, and the forms of the hieroglyphics and the spellings of the words indicate that the text was stunned on the rock in the reign of one of the Ptolemies probably at a time when it was to the interest of some men to restore the worship of Knemu, god of the first cataract. These interested people could only have been the priests of Knemu, and the probability that this was so becomes almost a certainty when we read in the latter part of the text the list of the tolls and taxes which they were empowered to levy on the merchants, farmers, miners, etc., whose goods passed down the cataract into Egypt. Why, if this be the case, they should have chosen to connect the famine with the reign of Caesar is not clear. They may have wished to prove the great antiquity of the worship of Knemu, but it would have been quite easy to select the name of some king of the East dynasty, and had they done this, 
they would have made the authority of Knimu over the Nile coeval with dynastic civilization. It is impossible to assume that no great famine took place in Egypt between the reign of Caesar and the period when the inscription was made, and when we consider this fact the choice by the editor of the legend of a famine which took place under the Yurd dynasty to illustrate the power of Knimus seems inexplicable. Of the famines which must have taken place in the dynastic period the inscriptions tell us nothing but the story of the seven years famine mentioned in the book of Genesis shows that there is nothing improbable in a famine lasting so long in Egypt. Arab historians also mention several famines which lasted for seven years. That which took place in the years 1066 to 1072 nearly ruined the whole country. A cake of bread was sold for 15 dinar, the dinar equals tens. A horse was sold for 20, a dog for 5, a cat for 3, and an egg for one dinar. When all the animals were eaten men began to eat each other, and human flesh was sold in public. Passengers were caught in the streets by hooks let down from the windows, drawn up, killed, and cooked. FN number 45. During the famine which began in 1201 people ate human flesh habitually. Parents killed and cooked their own children, and a wife was found eating her husband raw. Baby fricassee and haggis of children's heads were ordinary articles of diet. The graves even were ransacked for food. An ox sold for 70 dinar. FN number 46. FN number 45, Lane Pool, Middle Ages, page 146. FN number 46, Ibid, page 216. The legend begins with the statement that in the 18th year of the reign of King Cheezer, when Mutar, the Urpa Prince Sinha was the governor of the temple properties of the south and north, and was also the director of the Kenti men at Elephantine, Aswan. A royal dispatch was delivered to him, in which the king said, I am in misery on my throne. My heart is very sore because of the calamity which hath happened, for the Nile hath not come forth, FN number 47, for seven years. There is no grain, there are no vegetables, there is no food, and every man is robbing his neighbor. Men wish to walk, but they are unable to move. The young man drags along his limbs. The hearts of the aged are crushed with despair. Their legs fail them. They sink to the ground, and they clutch their bodies with their hands in pain. The counselors are dumb, and nothing but wind comes out of the granaries when they are opened. Everything is in a state of ruin. A more graphic picture of the misery caused by the famine could hardly be imagined. The king then goes on to ask Matar where the Nile is born. What god or goddess presides over it? And what is his or her form? He says he would like to go to the temple of Thoth to inquire of that god, to go to the college of the magicians, and search through the sacred books in order to find out these things. FN number 47, i.e., there have been insufficient Nile floods. When Matar had read the dispatch, he set out to go to the king, and explained to him the things which he wished to know. He told him that, the Nile rose near the city of Elephantine, that it flowed out of two caverns, which were the breasts of the Nile god, that it rose to a height of twenty-eight cubits at Elephantine, and to the height of seven cubits at Esamabahudit, or Diospolis Parva in the delta. He who controlled the Nile was Knimu, and when this god drew the bolt of the doors which shut in the stream, and smote the earth with his sandals, the river rushed forth. Matar also described to the king the form of Knimu, which was that of Shu, and the work which he did, and the wooden house in which he lived, and its exact position, which was near the famous granite quarries. 
The gods who dwelt with Knema were the goddess Sept, Sothis, or the dog star, the goddess Ankit, Hap, or Hep, the Nile god, Shu, Keb, Nut, Osiris, Isis, Nephthys, and Horus. Thus we see that the priests of Knema made him to be the head of a company of gods. Finally Muttar gave the king a list of all the stones, precious and otherwise, which were found in and about Elephantine. When the king, who had, it seems, come to Elephantine, heard these things he rejoiced greatly, and he went into the temple of Knema. The priests drew back the curtains and sprinkled him with holy water, and then he passed into the shrine and offered up a great sacrifice of bread cakes, beer, geese, oxen, and all kinds of good things, to the gods and goddesses who dwelt at Elephantine, in the place called Couch of the Heart in Life and Power. Suddenly he found himself standing face to face with the god Knemu, whom he placated with a peace offering and with prayer. Then the god opened his eyes, and bent his body towards the king, and spake to him mighty words, saying, I am Knemu, who made thee. My hands knitted together thy body and made it sound, and I gave thee thy heart. Knema then went on to complain that, although the ground under the king's feet was filled with stones and metal, men were too inert to work them and to employ them in repairing or rebuilding of the shrines of the gods, or in doing what they ought to do for him, their lord and creator. These words were, of course, meant as a rebuke for the king, who evidently, though it is not so stated in the text, was intended by Knema to undertake the rebuilding of his shrine without delay. The god then went on to proclaim his majesty and power, and declared himself to be Nu, the celestial ocean, and the Nile god, who came into being at the beginning, and riseth at his will to give health to him that labyrinth for Knema. He described himself as the father of the gods, the governor of the earth and of men, and then he promised the king to make the Nile rise yearly, regularly, and unceasingly, to give abundant harvests, to give all people their heart's desire, to make misery to pass away, to fill the granaries, and to make the whole land of Egypt yellow with waving fields of full ripe grain. When the king, who had been in a dream, heard the god mention crops, he woke up, and his courage returned to him, and having cast away despair from his heart he issued a decree by which he made ample provision for the maintenance of the worship of the god in a fitting state. In this decree, the first copy of which was cut upon wood, the king endowed Knema with twenty skoino of land on each side of the river, with gardens, etc. It was further enacted that every man who drew water from the Nile for his land should contribute a portion of his crops to the god. Fishermen, fowlers, and hunters were to pay an octra duty of one-tenth of the value of their catches when they brought them into the city, and a tithe of the cattle was to be set apart for the daily sacrifice. The masters of caravans coming from the Sudan were to pay a tithe also but they were not liable to any further tax in the country northwards. Every metalworker, or crusher, miner, mason, and handicraftsman of every kind was to pay to the temple of the god one-tenth of the value of the material produced or worked by his labor. The decree provided also for the appointment of an inspector whose duty it would be to weigh the gold, silver, and copper which came into the town of Elephantine, and to assess the value both of these metals and of the precious stones, etc., which were to be devoted to the service of Knema. All materials employed in making the images of the gods, and all handicraftsmen employed in the work were exempted from tithing. In short, the worship of the god and his company was to be maintained according to ancient use and wont, and the people were to supply the temple with everything necessary in a generous spirit, 
and with a liberal hand. He who failed in any way to comply with the enactments was to be beaten with the rope, and the name of Caesar was to be perpetuated in the temple. 8. The Legend of the Death and Resurrection of Horus, and Other Magical Texts The magical and religious texts of the Egyptians of all periods contained spells intended to be used against serpents, scorpions, and noxious reptiles of all kinds, and their number, and the importance which was attached to them, suggest that Egypt must always have produced these pests in abundance, and that the Egyptians were always horribly afraid of them. The text of Unas, which was written towards the close of the VTH dynasty, contains many such spells, and in the Theban and Sate books of the dead several chapters consist of nothing but spells and incantations, many of which are based on archaic texts, against crocodiles, serpents, and other deadly reptiles, and insects of all kinds. All such creatures were regarded as incarnations of evil spirits, which attacked the dead as well as the living, and therefore it was necessary for the well-being of the former that copies of spells against them should be written upon the walls of tombs, coffins, funerary amulets, etc. The gods were just as open to the attacks of venomous reptiles as man, and R.A., himself, the king of the gods, nearly died from the poison of a snake bite. Now the gods were, as a rule, able to defend themselves against the attacks of Set and his fiends, and the poisonous snakes and insects which were their emissaries, by virtue of the fluid of life, which was the peculiar attribute of divinity, and the efforts of Egyptians were directed to the acquisition of a portion of this magical power, which would protect their souls and bodies and their houses and cattle, and other property, each day and each night throughout the year. When a man cared for the protection of himself only he wore an amulet of some kind, in which the fluid of life was localized. When he wished to protect his house against invasion by venomous reptiles he placed statues containing the fluid of life in niches in the walls of various chambers, or in some place outside but near the house, or buried them in the earth with their faces turned in the direction from which he expected the attack to come. Plate 17. The Metternich Steel, Obverse. Plate 18. The Metternich Steel, Reverse. Towards the close of the Exvith dynasty, when superstition in its most exaggerated form was general in Egypt, it became the custom to make house talismans in the form of small stone stele, with rounded tops, which rested on bases having convex fronts. On the front of such a talisman was sculptured in relief a figure of Horus the child, Harpocrates, standing on two crocodiles, holding in his hands figures of serpents, scorpions, a lion, and a horned animal each of these being a symbol of an emissary or ally of Set, the god of evil. Above his head was the head of Bess, and on each side of him were solar symbols, i.e., the lily of Nefertim, figures of Are and Harmakis, the eyes of Are, the sun and moon, etc. The reverse of the steel and the whole of the base were covered with magical texts and spells, and when a talisman of this kind was placed in the house, it was supposed to be directly under the protection of Horus and his companion gods who had vanquished all the hosts of darkness and all the powers of physical and moral evil. Many examples of this talisman are to be seen in the great museums of Europe, and there are several fine specimens in the Third Egyptian Room in the British Museum. They are usually called Sippy of Horus. The largest and most important of all these, Sippy, is that which is commonly known as the Metternich Steel, because it was given to Prince Metternich by Muhammad Ali Pasha. It was dug up in 1828 during the building of a cistern in a Franciscan monastery in Alexandria, 
and was first published, with a translation of a large part of the text by Professor Golnyshev. FN number 48, the importance of the steel is enhanced by the fact that it mentions the name of the king in whose reign it was made, viz. Nectanibis I, who reigned from B.C. 378 to B.C. 360. FN number 48, C. Metternich Steel, Leipzig, 1877. The steel was made for Anxenthek, son of the Lady Tenhetnub, prophet of Nebin, overseer of Tempt and scribe of Het, see line 87. The obverse, reverse, and two sides of the Metternich steel have cut upon them nearly three hundred figures of gods and celestial beings. These include figures of the great gods of heaven, earth, and the other world, figures of the gods of the planets and the decans, figures of the gods of the days of the week, of the weeks, and months, and seasons of the year, and of the year. Besides these there are a number of figures of local forms of the gods which it is difficult to identify. On the rounded portion of the obverse the place of honor is held by the solar disk, in which is seen a figure of Knema with four ram's heads, which rests between a pair of arms, and is supported on a lake of celestial water. On each side of it are four of the spirits of the dawn, and on the right stands the symbol of the rising sun, Nefertemu, and on the left stands Thoth. Below this are five rows of small figures of gods. Below these is Harpocrates in relief, in the attitude already described. He stands on two crocodiles under a kind of canopy, the sides of which are supported by Thoth and Isis, and holds typhonic animals and reptiles. Above the canopy are the two eyes of R.A., each having a pair of human arms and hands. On the right of Harpocrates are Seeker and Horus, and on his left the symbol of Nefertemu. On the left and right are the goddesses Nekabet and Uchit, who guard the south of Egypt and the north respectively. On the reverse and sides are numerous small figures of gods. This steel represented the power to protect man possessed by all the divine beings in the universe, and however it was placed, it formed an impassable barrier to every spirit of evil and to every venomous reptile. The spells, which are cut in hieroglyphics on all the parts of the steel not occupied by figures of gods, were of the most potent character, for they contained the actual words by which the gods vanquished the powers of darkness and evil. These spells form the texts which are printed on page 142 ff, and may be thus summarized. The first spell is an incantation directed against reptiles and noxious creatures in general. The chief of these was Apep, the great enemy of Are, who took the form of a huge serpent that resembled the intestines, and the spell doomed him to decapitation, and burning and backing in pieces. These things would be affected by Circuit, the scorpion goddess. The second part of the spell was directed against the poison of a pep, and was to be recited over anyone who was bitten by a snake. When uttered by Horus it made a pep to vomit, and when used by a magician properly qualified would make the bitten person to vomit, and so free his body from the poison. The next spell is directed to be said to the cat, i.e., a symbol of the daughter of Are, or Isis, who had the head of Are, the eyes of the Ureus, the nose of Thoth, the ears of Nebuchadnezzar, the mouth of Tem, the neck of Nehebka, the breast of Thoth, the heart of Are, the hands of the gods, the belly of Osiris, the thighs of Menthu, the legs of Kensu, the feet of Amen Horus, the haunches of Horus, the soles of the feet of Are, and the bowels of Meurit. Every member of the cat contained a god or goddess, and she was able to destroy the poison of any serpent, or scorpion, or reptile, which might be injected into her body.
The spell opens with an address to Ari, who is entreated to come to his daughter, who has been stung by a scorpion on a lonely road, and to cause the poison to leave her body. Thus it seems as if Isis, the great magician, was at some time stung by a scorpion. The next section is very difficult to understand. Areharmakis is called upon to come to his daughter, and Shu to his wife, and Isis to her sister, who has been poisoned. Then the aged one, Aiyare, is asked to let Thoth turn back Nehaher, or Set. Osiris is in the water, but Horus is with him, and the great beetle overshadows him. And every evil spirit which dwells in the water is adjured to allow Horus to proceed to Osiris. Are Seket, Thoth, and Hika, this last name being the spell personified, are the four great gods who protect Osiris, and who will blind and choke his enemies, and cut out their tongues. The cry of the cat is again referred to, and Are is asked if he does not remember the cry which came from the bank of Nedit. The allusion here is to the cries which Isis uttered when she arrived at Nedit near Abydus, and found lying there the dead body of her husband. At this point on the steel the spells are interrupted by a long narrative put into the mouth of Isis, which supplies us with some account of the troubles that she suffered, and describes the death of Horus through the sting of a scorpion. Isis, it seems, was shut up in some dwelling by Set after he murdered Osiris, probably with the intention of forcing her to marry him, and so assist him to legalize his seizure of the kingdom. Isis, as we have already seen, had been made pregnant by her husband after his death, and Thoth now appeared to her, and advised her to hide herself with her unborn child, and to bring him forth in secret, and he promised her that her son should succeed in due course to his father's throne. With the help of Thoth she escaped from her captivity, and went forth accompanied by the seven scorpion goddesses, who brought her to the town of Persuay, on the edge of the reed swamps. She applied to a woman for a night's shelter, but the woman shut her door in her face. To punish her one of the scorpion goddesses forced her way into the woman's house, and stung her child to death. The grief of the woman was so bitter and sympathy compelling that Isis laid her hands on the child and having uttered one of her most potent spells over him, the poison of the scorpion ran out of his body, and the child came to life again. The words of the spell are cut on the steel, and they were treasured by the Egyptians as an infallible remedy for scorpion stings. When the woman saw that her son had been brought back to life by Isis, she was filled with joy and gratitude, and, as a mark of her repentance, she brought large quantities of things from her house as gifts for Isis and they were so many that they filled the house of the kind, but poor, woman who had given Isis shelter. Now soon after Isis had restored to life the son of the woman who had shown churlishness to her, a terrible calamity fell upon her, for her beloved son Horus was stung by a scorpion and died. The news of this event was conveyed to her by the gods, who cried out to her to come to see her son Horus, whom the terrible scorpion Yehud had killed. Isis, stabbed with pain at the news, as if a knife had been driven into her body, ran out distraught with grief. It seems that she had gone to perform a religious ceremony in honor of Osiris in a temple near Hetephemt, leaving her child carefully concealed in Seketan. During her absence the scorpion Yehut, which had been sent by Set, forced its way into the biding place of Horus, and there stung him to death. When Isis came and found the dead body, she burst forth in lamentations, the sound of which brought all the people from the neighboring districts to her side. 
as she related to them the history of her sufferings they endeavored to console her, and when they found this to be impossible they lifted up their voices and wept with her. Then Isis placed her nose in the mouth of Horus so that she might discover if he still breathed, but there was no breath in his throat, and when she examined the wound in his body made by the fiend Anub she saw in it traces of poison. No doubt about his death then remained in her mind, and clasping him in her arms she lifted him up, and in her transports of grief leaped about like fish when they are laid on red-hot coals. Then she uttered a series of heartbreaking laments, each of which begins with the words, Horus is bitten, the heir of heaven, the son of Unnefer, the child of the gods, he who is wholly fair, is bitten. He for whose wants I provided, he who was to avenge his father, is bitten. He for whom I cared and suffered when he was being fashioned in my womb, is bitten. He whom I tended so that I might gaze upon him, is bitten. He whose life I prayed for is bitten. Calamity hath overtaken the child, and he hath perished. Whilst Isis was saying these and many similar words, her sister Nephthys, who had been weeping bitterly for her nephew Horus as she wandered about among the swamps, came, in company with the scorpion goddess Circuit, and advised Isis to pray to heaven for help. Pray that the sailors in the boat of Ari may cease from rowing, for the boat cannot travel onwards whilst Horus lies dead. Then Isis cried out to heaven, and her voice reached the boat of millions of years, and the disc ceased to move onward, and came to a standstill. From the boat Thoth descended, being equipped with words of power and spells of all kinds, and bearing with him the great command of Makeru, i.e. the word, whose commands were performed, instantly and completely, by every god, spirit, fiend, human being and by everything, animate and inanimate, in heaven, earth, and the other world. Then he came to Isis and told her that no harm could possibly have happened to Horus, for he was under the protection of the boat of Are. But his words failed to comfort Isis, and though she acknowledged the greatness of his designs, she complained that they savored of delay. What is the good? she asks. Of all thy spells, and incantations, and magical formulae, and the great command of Makeru, if Horus is to perish by the poison of a scorpion, and to lie here in the arms of death? Evil, evil is his destiny, for it hath entailed the deepest misery for him and death. In answer to these words Thoth, turning to Isis and Nephthys, bade them to fear not, and to have no anxiety about Horus. For, said he, I have come from heaven to heal the child for his mother. He then pointed out that Horus was under protection as the dweller in his disc, Aten, the great dwarf, the mighty ram, the great hawk, the holy beetle, the hidden body, the divine Benu, etc., and proceeded to utter the great spell which restored Horus to life. By his words of power Thoth transferred the fluid of life of Are, and as soon as this came upon the child's body the poison of the scorpion flowed out of him, and he once more breathed and lived. When this was done Thoth returned to the boat of Are, the gods who formed its crew resumed their rowing, and the disc passed on its way to make its daily journey across the sky. The gods in heaven, who were amazed and uttered cries of terror when they heard of the death of Horus, were made happy once more and sang songs of joy over his recovery. The happiness of Isis in her child's restoration to life was very great, for she could again hope that he would avenge his father's murder, and occupy his throne. The final words of Thoth comforted her greatly, for he told her that he would take charge of the case of Horus in the judgment hall of Anu, 
wherein Osiris had been judged, and that as his advocate he would make any accusations which might be brought against Horus to recall on him that brought them. Furthermore, he would give Horus power to repulse any attacks which might be made upon him by beings in the heights above, or fiends in the depths below, and would ensure his succession to the throne of the two lands, i.e. Egypt. Thoth also promised Isis that Are himself should act as the advocate of Horus, even as he had done for his father Osiris. He was also careful to allude to the share which Isis had taken in the restoration of Horus to life, saying, It is the words of power of his mother which have lifted up his face, and they shall enable him to journey wheresoever he pleaseth, and to put fear into the powers above. I myself hasten to obey them. Thus everything turned on the power of the spells of Isis, who made the sun to stand still, and caused the dead to be raised. Such are the contents of the texts on the famous Metternich steel. There appears to be some confusion in their arrangement, and some of them clearly are misplaced, and in places, the text is manifestly corrupt. It is impossible to explain several passages, for we do not understand all the details of the system of magic which they represent. Still, the general meaning of the text on the steel is quite clear, and they record a legend of Isis and Horus which is not found so fully described on any other monument. 9. The History of Isis and Osiris The history of Isis and Osiris given on pages 248 is taken from the famous treatise of Plutarch entitled De Isid et Osiride, and forms a fitting conclusion to this volume of Legends of the Gods. It contains all the essential facts given in Plutarch's work, and the only things omitted are his derivations and mythological speculations, which are really unimportant for the Egyptologist. Egyptian literature is full of allusions to events which took place in the life of Osiris, and to his persecution, murder, and resurrection, and numerous texts of all periods describe the love and devotion of his sister and wife Isis, and the filial piety of Horus. Nowhere. However, have we in Egyptian a connected account of the causes which led to the murder by Set of Osiris, or of the subsequent events which resulted in his becoming the king of heaven and judge of the dead? However carefully we piece together the fragments of information which we can extract from native Egyptian literature, there still remains a series of gaps which can only be filled by guesswork. Plutarch as a learned man and a student of comparative religion and mythology was most anxious to understand the history of Isis and Osiris, which Greek and Roman scholars talked about freely, and which none of them comprehended, and he made inquiries of priests and others, and examined critically such information as he could obtain, believing and hoping that he would penetrate the mystery in which these gods were wrapped. As a result of his labors he collected a number of facts about the form of the legend of Isis and Osiris as it was known to the learned men of his day, but there is no evidence that he had the slightest knowledge of the details of the original African legend of these gods as it was known to the Egyptians, say, under the Vith dynasty. Moreover, he never realized that the characteristics and attributes of both Isis and Osiris changed several times during the long history of Egypt and that a thousand years before he lived the Egyptians themselves had forgotten what the original form of the legend was. They preserved a number of ceremonies, and performed very carefully all the details of an ancient ritual at the annual commemoration festival of Osiris which was held in November and December, but the evidence of the texts makes it quite clear that the meaning and symbolism of nearly all the details were unknown alike to priests and people. 
An important modification of the cult of Isis and Osiris took place in the 3rd century before Christ, when the Ptolemies began to consolidate their rule in Egypt. A form of religion which would be acceptable both to Egyptians and Greeks had to be provided, and this was produced by modifying the characteristics of Osiris and calling him Sarepis, and identifying him with the Greek Pluto. To Isis were added many of the attributes of the great Greek goddesses, and into her worship were introduced mysteries, derived from non-Egyptian cults, which made it acceptable to the people everywhere. Had a high priest of Osiris who lived at Abydus under the 80th dynasty witnessed the celebration of the great festival of Isis and Osiris in any large town in the first century before Christ, it is tolerably certain that he would have regarded it as a lengthy act of worship of strange gods, in which there appeared, here and there, ceremonies and phrases which reminded him of the ancient Abydus ritual. When the form of the cult of Isis and Osiris introduced by the Ptolemies into Egypt extended to the great cities of Greece and Italy, still further modifications took place in it, and the characters of Isis and Osiris were still further changed. By degrees Osiris came to be regarded as the god of death pure and simple, or as the personification of death, and he ceased to be regarded as the great protecting ancestral spirit, and the all-powerful protecting father of his people. As the importance of Osiris declined that of Isis grew, and men came to regard her as the great mother goddess of the world. The priests described from tradition the great facts of her life according to the Egyptian legends, how she had been a loving and devoted wife, how she had gone forth after her husband's murder by set to seek for his body, how she had found it and brought it home, how she revivified it by her spells and had union with Osiris and conceived by him and how in due course she brought forth her son, in pain and sorrow and loneliness in the swamps of the Delta, and how she reared him and watched over him until he was old enough to fight and vanquish his father's murderer, and how at length she seated him in triumph on his father's throne. These things endeared Isis to the people everywhere, and as she herself had not suffered death like Osiris, she came to be regarded as the eternal mother of life and of all living things. She was the creatress of crops, she produced fruit, vegetables, plants of all kinds and trees, she made cattle prolific, she brought men and women together and gave them offspring, she was the authoress of all love, virtue, goodness and happiness. She made the light to shine, she was the spirit of the dog star which heralded the now flood, she was the source of the power and the beneficent light of the moon, and finally she took the dead to her bosom and gave them peace and introduced them to a life of immortality and happiness similar to that which she had bestowed upon Osiris. The message of the cult of Isis as preached by her priests was one of hope and happiness, and coming to the Greeks and Romans, as it did, at a time when men were weary of their national cults, and when the speculations of the philosophers carried no weight with the general public, the people everywhere welcomed it with the greatest enthusiasm. From Egypt it was carried to the islands of Greece and to the mainland, to Italy, Germany, France, Spain and Portugal, and then crossing the western end of the Mediterranean it entered North Africa, and with Carthage as a center spread east and west along the coast. Wherever the cult of Isis came men accepted it as something which supplied what they thought to be lacking in their native cults. Rich and poor, gentle and simple, all welcomed it and the philosopher as well as the ignorant man rejoiced in the hope of a future life which it gave to them. Its Egyptian origin caused it to be regarded with the profoundest interest, 
and its priests were most careful to make the temples of Isis quite different from those of the national gods, and to decorate them with obelisks, sphinxes, shrines, altars, etc., which were either imported from temples in Egypt, or were copied from Egyptian originals. In the temples of Isis services were held at daybreak and in the early afternoon daily, and everywhere these were attended by crowds of people. The holy water used in the libations and for sprinkling the people was Nile water, specially imported from Egypt, and to the votaries of the goddess it symbolized the seed of the god Osiris, which germinated and brought forth fruit through the spells of the goddess Isis. The festivals and processions of Isis were everywhere most popular, and were enjoyed by learned and unlearned alike. In fact, the Isis play which was acted annually in November, and the festival of the blessing of the ship, which took place in the spring, were the most important festivals of the year. Curiously enough, all the oldest gods and goddesses of Egypt passed into absolute oblivion, with the exception of Osiris, Sarapis, Isis, Anubis the physician, and Harpocrates, the child of Osiris and Isis, and these, from being the ancestral spirits of a comparatively obscure African tribe in early dynastic times, became for several hundreds of years the principal objects of worship of some of the most cultured and intellectual nations. The treatise of Plutarch de Isaide helps to explain how this came about, and for those who study the Egyptian legend of Isis and Osiris the work has considerable importance. The History of Creation, A. The Book of Knowing the Evolutions, FN number 49 of R.A., and of overthrowing the pep. FN number 49, Keperu. The verb keeper means to make, to form, to produce, to become, and to roll. Keperu here means the things which come into being through the rollings of the ball of the god keeper, the roller, i.e. the sun. These are the words which the god Nebuchadnezzar spake after he had come into being. I am he who came into being in the form of the god Keperu. And I am the creator of that which came into being, that is to say, I am the creator of everything which came into being, now the things which I created, and which came forth out of my month after that I had come into being myself were exceedingly many. The sky, or heaven, had not come into being, the earth did not exist, and the children of the earth, FN number 50, and the creeping, things, had not been made at that time. I myself raised them up from out of new, FN number 51 from a state of helpless inertness. I found no place whereon I could stand I worked a charm, FN number 52, upon my own heart, or will, I laid the foundation, of things, by Mott, FN number 53, and I made everything which had form. I was, then, one by myself, for I had not emitted from myself the god Shu, and I had not spit out from myself the goddess Tefnut, and there existed no other who could work with me. I laid the foundations of things in my own heart, and there came into being multitudes of created things, which came into being from the created things which were born from the created things which arose from what they brought forth. I had union with my closed hand, and I embraced my shadow as a wife, and I poured seed into my own mouth, and I sent forth from myself issue in the form of the gods Shu and Tefnut. Seth my father knew, my eye was covered up behind them, i.e. Shu and Tefnut, but after two hen periods had passed from the time when they departed from me, from being one god I became three gods, and I came into being in the earth. Then Shu and Tefnut rejoiced from out of the inert watery mass wherein they I were, and they brought to me my eye, i.e. the sun. Now after these things I gathered together my members, and I wept over them, 
and men and women sprang into being from the tears which came forth from my eye. And when my eye came to me, and found that I had made another eye in place where it was, i.e. the moon, it was wroth with, or raged at, me, whereupon I endowed it, i.e. the second eye, with some of the splendor which I had made for the first eye, and I made it to occupy its place in my face, and henceforth it ruled throughout all this earth. FN number 50, i.e. serpents and snakes, or perhaps plants. FN number 51, the primeval watery mass which was the source and origin of all beings and things. FN number 52, i.e., he uttered a magical formula. FN number 53, i.e., by exact and definite rules. When there fell on them their moment, FN number 54, through plant-like clouds, I restored what had been taken away from them, and I appeared from out of the plant-like clouds. I created creeping things of every kind, and everything which came into being from them. Shu and Tefna brought forth Seba and Nut, and Seba and Nut brought forth Osiris, and Harukentan Mahdi, FN number 55, and Set, and Isis, and Nephthys, FN number 56, at one birth, one after the other, and they produced their multitudinous offspring in this earth. FN number 54, i.e., the period of calamity wherein their light was veiled through plant-like clouds. FN number 55, i.e., the blind Horus. FN number 56, i.e., these five gods were all born at one time. The history of creation, b. The book of knowing the evolutions of R.A. and of overthrowing a pep. These are the words of the god Nebuchadnezzar, who said, I am the creator of what hath come into being, and I myself came into being under the form of the god Kepera, and I came into being in primeval time. I came into being in the form of Kepera, and I am the creator of what did come into being, that is to say, I formed myself out of the primeval matter, and I made and formed myself out of the substance which existed in primeval time. My name is Ozars, i.e. Osiris, who is the primeval matter of primeval matter. I have done my will in everything in this earth. I have spread myself abroad therein, and I have made strong my hand. I was one by myself, for they, i.e. the gods, had not been brought forth and I had emitted from myself neither Shu nor Tefnut. I brought my own name, FN number 57, into my mouth as a word of power, and I forthwith came into being under the form of things which are and under the form of Kepera. I came into being from out of primeval matter, and from the beginning I appeared under the form of the multitudinous things which exist. Nothing whatsoever existed at that time in this earth, and it was I who made whatsoever was made. I was one by myself and there was no other being who worked with me in that place. I made all the things under the forms of which I appeared then by means of the soul God which I raised into firmness at that time from out of new, from a state of inactivity. I found no place whatsoever there whereon I could stand. I worked by the power of a spell by means of my heart. I laid a foundation for things before me, and whatsoever was made, I made. I was one by myself, and I laid the foundation of things by means of my heart, and I made the other things which came into being, and the things of Kepra which were made were manifold, and their offspring came into existence from the things to which they gave birth. I it was who emitted Shu, and I it was who emitted Tefnut, and from being the one God, or the only God I became three gods, the two other gods who came into being on this earth sprang from me, and Shu and Tefnut rejoiced, or were raised up from out of new in which they were. Now behold, they brought my eye to me after two hen periods since the time when they went forth from me. 
I gathered together my members which had appeared in my own body, and afterwards I had union with my hand, and my heart, or will, came unto me from out of my hand, and the seed fell into my mouth, and I emitted from myself the god Shu and Tefnut, and so from being the one god, or the only god, I became three gods. Thus the two other gods who came into being on this earth sprang from me, and Shu and Tefnut rejoiced, or were raised up from out of new in which they were. My father knew Seth, they covered up or concealed Maya with the plant-like clouds which were behind them, i.e. Shu and Tefnut, for very many hen periods. Plants and creeping things sprang up from the god Rem, through the tears which I let fall. I cried out to my eye, and men and women came into existence. Then I bestowed upon my eye the ureus of fire, and it was wroth with me when another eye, i.e. the moon, came and grew up in its place. Its vigorous power fell on the plants, on the plants which I had placed there, and it set order among them, and it took up its place in my face, and it doth rule the whole earth. Then Shu and Tefnut brought forth Osiris, and Harukentian Ma, and Set, and Isis, and Nephthys, and behold, they have produced offspring, and have created multitudinous children in this earth, by means of the beings which came into existence from the creatures which they produced. They invoke my name, and they overthrow their enemies, and they make words of power for the overthrowing of a pep, over whose hands and arms acre keepeth ward. His hands and arms shall not exist, his feet and leaves shall not exist, and he is chained in one place while Sare inflicts upon him the blows which are decreed for him. He is thrown upon his accursed back, his face is slit open by reason of the evil which he hath done, and he shall remain upon his accursed back. FN number 57 I, I uttered my own name from my own mouth as a word of power. The Legend of the Destruction of Mankind Chapter 1 Here is the story of Are, the God who was self-begotten and self-created, after he had assumed the sovereignty over men and women, and gods, and things, the one God. Now men and women were speaking words of complaint, saying, Behold, his majesty, life, strength, and health to him, hath grown old, and his bones have become like silver, and his members have turned into gold, and his hair is like unto real lapis lazuli. His majesty heard the words of complaint which men and women were uttering, and his majesty, life, strength, and health to him, said unto those who were in his train, Cry out, and bring to me my eye, and Shu, and Tefnut, and Seb, and Nut, and the father gods, and the mother gods who were with me, even when I was anew side by side with my God new. Let there be brought along with my eye his ministers, and let them be led to me hither secretly, so that men and women may not perceive them, coming, hither, and may not therefore take to flight with their hearts. Come thou, FN number 58, with them to the great house, and let them declare their plans, or arrangements fully, for I will go from new into the place wherein I brought about my own existence, and let those gods be brought unto me there. Now the gods were drawn up on each side of Are, and they bowed down before his majesty until their heads touched the ground, and the maker of men and women, the king of those who have knowledge, spake his words in the presence of the father of the firstborn gods. And the gods spake in the presence of his majesty, saying, Speak unto us, for we are listening to them, i.e. thy words. Then Are spake unto Nu, saying, O thou firstborn god from whom I came into being, O ye gods of ancient time, my ancestors, take ye heed to what men and women are doing. For behold, those who were created by my eye are uttering words of complaint against me. 
tell me what you would do in the matter, and consider this thing for me, and seek out a plan for me, for I will not slay them until I have heard what ye shall say to me concerning it. FN number 58 The God here addressed appears to have been new. Then the majesty of new, to Sunare spake, saying, Thou art the God who art greater than he who made thee, thou art the sovereign of those who were created with thee, thy throne is set, and the fear of thee is great, let thine eye go against those who have uttered blasphemies against thee. And the majesty of Are said, Behold, they have Baedekin themselves to flight into the mountain lands, for their hearts are afraid because of the words which they have uttered. Then the gods spake in the presence of his majesty, saying, let thine eye go forth and let it destroy for thee those who revile thee with words of evil, for there is no eye whatsoever that can go before it and resist thee and it when it journeyeth in the form of Hathor. Thereupon this goddess went forth and slew the men and the women who were on the mountain, or desert land. And the majesty of this god said, Come, come in peace, O Hathor, for the work is accomplished. Then this goddess said, Thou hast made me to live, for when I gained the mastery over men and women it was sweet to my heart. And the majesty of Are said, I myself will be master over them as their king, and I will destroy them. And it came to pass that second of the offerings waited about in the night season in their blood, beginning at Sutanhenan. FN number 59 Then the majesty of Are spake, saying, Cry out, and let there come to me swift and speedy messengers who shall be able to run like the wind and straightway messengers of this kind were brought unto him. And the majesty of this god spake, saying, Let these messengers go to Abu, FN number 60, and bring unto me mandrakes in great numbers. And when these mandrakes were brought unto him, the majesty of this god gave them to Seket, the goddess who dwelleth in Anu, Heliopolis, to crush. And behold, when the maidservants were bruising the grain for making beer, these mandrakes were placed in the vessels which were to hold the beer, and some of the blood of the men and women, who had been slain. Now they made seven thousand vessels of beer. Now when the majesty of Re, the king of the south and north, had come with the gods to look at the vessels of beer, and behold, the daylight had appeared after the slaughter of men and women by the goddess in their season as she sailed up the river, the majesty of Are said, It is good, it is good, nevertheless I must protect men and women against her. And Are said, Let them take up the vases and carry them to the place where the men and women were slaughtered by her. Then the majesty of the king of the south and north and the threefold beauty of the night caused to be poured out these vases of beer which make men to lie down or sleep, and the meadows of the four heavens, FN number 61, were filled with beer or water by reason of the souls of the majesty of this god. And it came to pass that when this goddess arrived at the dawn of day, she found these heavens flooded with beer, and she was pleased thereat, and she drank of the beer and blood, and her heart rejoiced, and she became drunk, and she gave no further attention to men and women. Then said the majesty of Are to this goddess, Come in peace, come in peace, so Amit. FN number 62, and thereupon beautiful women came into being in the city of Amit, or Ammon. And the majesty of Are spake, concerning this goddess, saying, Let there be made for her vessels of the beer which Pradesas sleep at every holy time and season of the year, and they shall be in number according to the number of my handmaidens. And from that early time until now men have been wont to make on the occasions of the festival of Hathor vessels of the beer which make them to sleep in number according to the number of the handmaidens of Are, 
and the majesty of Are spake unto this. Goddess sing. I am smitten with the pain of the fire of sickness. Whence cometh to me this pain? And the majesty of Are said, I live, but my heart hath become exceedingly weary. FN number 63, with existence with them, i.e., with men. I have slain some of them, but there is a remnant of worthless ones, for the destruction which I wrought among them was not as great as my power. Then the gods who were in his following said unto him, Be not overcome by thy inactivity, for thy might is in proportion to thy will. And the majesty of this god said unto the majesty of Nu, My members are weak for, or as at the first time, I will not permit this to come upon me a second time. And the majesty of the god Nu said, O son Shu, be thou the eye for thy father, an avenue? Him, and thou goddess nut, place him. And the goddess nut said, How can this be then, O my father Nu? Hail, said nut, to the god Nu, and the goddess straightway became a cow, and she set the majesty of Are upon her back. And when these things had been done, men and women saw the god Are upon the back of the cow. Then these men and women said, Remain with us and we will overthrow thine enemies who speak words of blasphemy against thee, and destroy them. Then his majesty, Are, set out for the great house, and the gods who were in the train of Are remained with them, i.e. the men. During that time the earth was in darkness. And when the earth became light, again, and the morning had dawned, the men came forth with their bows and their weapons, and they set their arms in motion to shoot the enemies of Are. Then said the majesty of this god, your transgressions of violence are placed behind you, for the slaughtering of the enemies is above the slaughter of sacrifice. Thus came into being the slaughter of sacrifice. And the majesty of this God said unto Nut, I have placed myself upon my back in order to stretch myself out. What then is the meaning of this? It meaneth that he united himself with Nut. Thus came into being, then said the majesty of this God, I am departing from them, i.e. from men, and he must come after me who would see me. Thus came into being. Then the majesty of this God looked forth from its interior, saying, Gather together men for me, and make ready for me an abode for multitudes. Thus came into being. And his majesty, life, health, and strength be to him, said, Let a great field, Seket, be produced, Hetep. Thereupon Seket Hetep came into being. And the God said, I will gather herbs arid therein. Thereupon Seketaru came into being. And the god said, I will make it to contain as dwellers things, kaith, like stars of all sorts. Thereupon the stars, Akeka, came into being. Then the goddess Nut trembled because of the height. FN number 59, or Henensu, HBW Zans, i.e., Heracleopolis, Magna. FN number 60, i.e., Elephantine, or Syene a place better known by the Arabic name Aswan. FN number 61, i.e. the south, north, west, and east of the sky. FN number 62, i.e. the fair and gracious goddess. FN number 63, literally. My heart has stopped greatly. And the majesty of Are said, I decree that supports be to bear the goddess up. Thereupon the props of heaven, He, came into being. And the majesty of Are said, O my son Shu, I pray thee to set thyself under my daughter Nut, and guard thou for me the supports, he, of the millions, he, which are there, and which live in darkness. Take thou the goddess upon thy head, 
and act thou as nurse for her. Thereupon came into being the custom of a son nursing a daughter, and the custom of a father carrying a son upon his head. The Legend of the Destruction of Mankind Chapter 2 2. This chapter shall be said over, a figure of the cow dot, the supporters called, Hanty shall be by her shoulder. The supporters called, Hanty shall be at her side, and one cubit and four spans of her shall be in colors, and nine stars shall be on her belly, and set shall be by her two thighs and shall keep watch before her two legs, and before her two legs shall be shoe, under her belly, and he shall be made, i.e., painted, in green kennet color. His two arms shall be under the stars, and his name shall be made, i.e., written, in the middle of them, namely, Shu himself. A boat with a rudder and a double shrine shall be therein, and Aten, i.e., the disc, shall be above it, and Ari shall be in it, in front of Shu, near his hand, or, as another reading hath, behind him, near his hand. And the udders of the cow shall be made to be between her legs, towards the left side. And on the two flanks, towards the middle of the legs, shall be done in writing the words, The exterior heaven, and I am what is in me, and I will not permit them to make her to turn. That which is written, under the boat which is in front shall read, Thou shalt not be motionless, my son. And the words which are written in an opposite direction shall read, Thy support is like life, and the word is as the word there, and thy son is with me, and life, strength, and health be too thy nostrils, and that which is behind shoe near his shoulder shall read, they keep ward, and that which is behind him, written close to his feet in an opposite direction, shall read, mat, and they come in, and I protect daily, and that which is under the shoulder of the divine figure which is under the left leg, and is behind it shall read, he who sealeth all things, that which is over his head, under the thighs of the cow, and that which is by her legs shall read, guardian of his exit, that which is behind the two figures which are by her two legs, that is to say, over their heads shall read, the aged one who is adored as he goeth forth, and the aged one to whom praise is given when he goeth in, that which is over the head of the two figures, and is between the two thighs of the cow shall read, listener, hearer, scepter of the upper heaven, and star, the legend of the destruction of mankind chapter 3. 3. Then the majesty of this god spake unto Thoth, saying, Let a call go forth for me to the majesty of the god Seb, saying, Come, with the utmost speed, at once. And when the majesty of Seb had come, the majesty of this god said unto him, Let war be made against thy worms, or serpents, which are in thee. Verily, they shall have fear of me as long as I have being, but thou knowest their magical powers. Do thou go to the place where my father knew is, and say thou unto him, Keep ward over the worms, or serpents, which are in the earth and water. And moreover, thou shalt make a writing for each of the nests of thy serpents which are there, saying, Keep ye guard, lest ye cause injury to anything. They shall know that I am removing myself from them, but indeed I shall shine upon them. Since, however, they indeed wish for a father, thou shalt be a father unto them in this land forever. Moreover, let good he be taken to the men who have my words of power and to those whose mouths have knowledge of such things. Verily my own words of power are there. Verily it shall not happen that any shall participate with me in my protection, by reason of the majesty which hath come into being before me. I will decree them to thy son Osiris, and their children shall be watched over, the hearts of their princes shall be obedient, or ready, 
by reason of the magical powers of those who act according to their desire in all the earth through their words of power which are in their bodies. The Legend of the Destruction of Mankind Chapter 4 4. And the majesty of this God said, Call to me the God Thoth. And one brought the God to him forthwith. And the majesty of this God said unto Thoth, Let us depart to a distance from heaven, from my place, because I would make light and the God of light, Ku, in the Tuat and in the land of caves. Thou shalt write down the things which are in it, and thou shalt punish those who are in it, that is to say, the workers who have worked iniquity, or a rebellion. Through thee I will keep away from the servants whom this heart of mine loatheth. Thou shalt be in my place, A.S.T. Asti, and thou shalt therefore be called, O Thoth, the Asti of Ari. Moreover, I give thee power to send, Hab, forth. Thereupon shall come into being the Ibis, Habi, bird of Thoth. I moreover give thee, power, to lift up thine hand before the two companies of the gods who are greater than thou, and what thou doest shall be fairer than, the work of, the god Ken. Therefore shall the divine bird Techni of Thoth come into being. Moreover, I give thee, power, to embrace, on, the two heavens with thy beauties, and with thy rays of light. Therefore shall come into being the moon god, Ah of Thoth. Moreover, I give thee, power, to drive back, Anan, the Ha Nebu wink with a frown Fn number 64, therefore shall come into being the dog-headed ape, Anan, of Thoth, and he shall act as governor for me. Moreover, thou art now in my place in the sight of all those who see thee and who present offerings to thee, and every being shall ascribe praise unto thee, O thou who art God. Fn number 64, i.e. the North Lords. That is to say, the peoples who lived in the extreme north of the delta, and on its sea coasts, and perhaps in the islands of the Mediterranean. The Legend of the Destruction of Mankind Chapter 5 V. Whosoever shall recite the words of this composition over himself shall anoint himself with olive oil and with thick unguent, and he shall have propitiatory offerings on both his hands of incense, and behind his two ears shall be pure natron, and sweet-smelling salve shall be on his lips. He shall be arrayed in a new double tunic, and his body shall be purified with the water of the Nile flood, and he shall have upon his feet a pair of sandals made of white, leather, and a figure of the goddess Mat shall be drawn upon his tongue with green-colored ochre. Whensoever Thoth shall wish to recite this composition on behalf of Ra, he must perform a sevenfold purification for three days, and priests and ordinary men shall do likewise. Whosoever shall recite the above words shall perform the ceremonies which are to be performed when this book is being read. And he shall make his place of standing, in a circle, or, at an angle, which is beyond, him, and his two eyes shall be fixed upon himself, all his members shall be, composed, and his steps shall not carry him away, from the place. Whosoever among men shall recite these, words shall be like Ara on the day of his birth, and his possessions shall not become fewer and his house shall never fall into decay, but shall endure for a million eternities. Then the aged one himself, I.E.R.A., embraced, the god knew, and spake unto the gods who came forth in the east of the sky. Ascribe ye praise to the god, the aged one, from whom I have come into being. I am he who made the heavens, and I set in order the earth, and created the gods, and I was with them for an exceedingly long period. Then was born the year end. But my soul is older than it i.e. time. It is the soul of Shu, it is the soul of Knima, comma, fn number 65, it is the soul of He, 
It is the soul of Kek and Ker, i.e. night and darkness. It is the soul of Nu and of Are. It is the soul of Osiris, the lord of Tetu. It is the soul of the sea-back crocodile gods and of the crocodiles. It is the soul of every god, who dwelleth, in the divine snakes. It is the soul of Apep in Mount Bacau, i.e. the Mount of Sunrise. And it is the soul of Are which pervadeth the whole world. FN number 65. There are mistakes in the text here. Whosoever saith these words, worketh his own protection by means of the words of power. I am the God Hekau, i.e. the divine word of power, and I am pure in my mouth, and in my belly, I am Are from whom the gods proceeded. I am Are, the light god Ku. When thou sayest this, stop forth in the evening and in the morning on thine own behalf if thou wouldst make to fall the enemies of Are, I am his soul, and I am Hika. Hail, thou Lord of eternity, thou creator of everlastingness, who bringest to not the gods who came forth from Are, thou Lord of thy God. Thou prince who didst make what made thee, who art beloved by the fathers of the gods, on whose head are the pure words of power, who didst create the woman, Erpid, that standeth on the south side of thee, who didst create the goddess who hath her face on her breast, and the serpent which standeth on his tail, with her eye on his belly, and with his tail on. The earth, to whom Thoth giveth praises, and upon whom the heavens rest, and to whom Shu stretcheth out his two hands, deliver thou me from those two great gods who sit in the east of the sky, who act as wardens of heaven and as wardens of earth, and who make firm the secret places, and who are called Aiyusu and Perefermanu. Moreover, there shall be a purifying on the day of the month, even according to the performance of the ceremonies in the oldest time. Whosoever shall recite this chapter shall have life in Nedekar, i.e., underworld, and the fear of him shall be much greater than it was formerly, upon earth, and they shall say, Thy names are eternity and everlastingness. They are called, they are called, Openfnam Tegadapu, and Rekwa-Tut and Nedarpui-Dash, Nnraafhershifu. I am he who has strengthened the boat with the company of the gods, and his Shiit, and his gods by means of words of power. The Legend of Are and Isis The chapter of the divine, or mighty, God, who created himself, who made the heavens and the earth, and the breath of life, and fire, and the gods, and men, and beasts, and cattle, and reptiles, and the fowl of the air, and the fish, who is the king of men and gods, who existeth, in one form, to whom, periods of one hundred and twenty years acts as single years, whose names by reason of their multitude are unknowable. For, even, the gods know them not. Behold, the goddess Isis lived in the form of a woman, who had the knowledge of words of power. Her heart turned away in disgust from the millions of men, and she chose for herself the millions of the gods, but esteemed more highly the millions of the spirits. Was it not possible to become even as was Are in heaven and upon earth, and to make herself mistress of the earth, and a mighty goddess, Thus she meditated in her heart by the knowledge of the name of the holy God. Behold, Are entered heaven each day at the head of his mariners, establishing himself upon the double throne of the two horizons. Now the divine one had become old, he dribbled at the mouth, and he let his emissions go forth from him upon the earth, and his spittle fell upon the ground. This Isis needed in her hand, FN number 66, with some dust, and she fashioned it in the form of a sacred serpent, and made it to have the form of a dart, 
so that none might be able to escape alive from it, and she left it lying upon the road whereon the great God traveled, according to his desire, about the two lands. Then the holy God rose up in the tabernacle of the gods in the great double house, life, strength, health, among those who were in his train, and, as, he journeyed on his way according to his daily wont, the holy serpent shot its fang into him, and the living fire was departing from the God's own body, and the reptile destroyed the dweller among the cedars. And the mighty God opened his mouth, and the cry of his majesty, life, strength, health, reached unto the heavens, and the company of the gods said, What is it? And his gods said, What is the matter? And the God found, no words, wherewith to answer concerning himself. His jaws shook, his lips trembled, and the poison took possession of all his flesh just as happy, i.e., the Nile, taketh possession of the land through which he floweth. Then the great God made firm his heart, i.e., took courage, and he cried out to those who were in his following, Come ye unto me, O ye who have come into being from my members, FN number 67, ye gods who have proceeded from me for I would make you to know what hath happened. I have been smitten by some deadly thing, of which my heart hath no knowledge, and which I have neither seen with my eyes nor made with my hand, and I have no knowledge at all who hath done this to me. I have never before felt any pain like unto it, and no pain can be worse than this, is. I am a prince, the son of a prince, and the divine emanation which was produced from a god. I am a great one, the son of a great one and my Father hath determined for me my name. I have multitudes of names, and I have multitudes of forms, and my being existeth in every God. I have been invoked, or proclaimed, by Temu and Haruhikenu. My father and my mother uttered my name, and they, hid it in my body at my birth so that none of those who would use against me words of power might succeed in making their enchantments have dominion over me. FN number 68 I had come forth from my tabernacle to look upon that which I had made, and was making my way through the two lands which I had made, when a blow was aimed at me, but I know not of what kind. Behold, is it fire? Behold, is it water? My heart is full of burning fire, my limbs are shivering, and my members have darting pains in them. Let there be brought unto me my children the gods, who possess words of magic, whose mouths are cunning, in uttering them and whose powers reach up to heaven. Then his children came unto him, and every god was there with his cry of lamentation, and Isis, FN number 69, came with her words of magic, and the place of her mouth was filled with the breath of life, for the words which she putteth together destroy diseases, and her words make to live those whose throats are choked, i.e. the dead. And she said, What is this, O Divine Father? What is it? Hath a serpent shot his venom into thee? Hath a thing which thou hast fashioned lifted up its head against thee? Verily it shall be overthrown by beneficent words of power, and I will make it to retreat in the sight of thy rays. The holy God opened his mouth, saying, I was going along the road and passing through the two lands of my country, for my heart wished to look upon what I had made, when I was bitten by a serpent which I did not see. Behold, is it fire? Behold, is it water? I am colder than water, I am hotter than fire, all my members sweat, I myself quake, mine eye is unsteady. I cannot look at the heavens, and water forceth itself on my face as in the time of the inundation. FN number 70, and Isis said unto R.A. O my divine father, 
Tell me thy name, for he who is able to pronounce his name liveth. And Ari said, I am the maker of the heavens and the earth, I have knit together the mountains, and I have created everything which existeth upon them. I am the maker of the waters, and I have made Meguar to come into being, I have made the bull of his mother, and I have made the joys of love to exist. I am the maker of heaven, and I have made to be hidden the two gods of the horizon, and I have placed the souls of the gods within them. I am the being who openeth his eyes and the light cometh. I am the being who shutteth his eyes and there is darkness. I am the being who giveth the command, and the waters of happy, the Nile, burst forth. I am the being whose name the gods know not. I am the maker of the hours and the creator of the days. I am the opener, i.e. inaugurator, of the festivals, and the maker of the floods of water. I am the creator of the fire of life whereby the works of the houses are caused to come into being. I am Kepra in the morning, and Are, at the time of his culmination, i.e. noon, and Temu in the evening. FN number 71, Nevertheless the poison was not driven from its course, and the great god felt no better. Then Isis said unto Are, Among the things which thou hast said unto me thy name hath not been mentioned. O declare thou it unto me, and the poison shall come forth, for the person who hath declared his name shall live. Meanwhile the poison burned with blazing fire, and the heat thereof was stronger than that of a blazing flame. Then the majesty of Are said, I will allow myself to be searched through by Isis, and my name shall come forth from my body and go into hers. Then the Divine One hid himself from the gods, and the throne in the boat of millions of years, FN number 72, was empty. And it came to pass that when it was the time for the heart to come forth, from the god, she said unto her son Horus, The great god shall bind himself by an oath to give his two eyes. FN number 73, Thus was the great god made to yield up his name, and Isis, the great lady of enchantments, said, Flow on, poison, and come forth from Are. Let the eye of Horus come forth from the god and shine? Outside his mouth. I have worked, and I make the poison to fall on the ground, for the venom hath been mastered. Verily the name hath been taken away from the great god. Let Are live, and let the poison die, and if the poison live then Are shall die. And similarly a certain man, the son of a certain man, shall live and the poison shall die. These were the words which spake Isis, the great lady, the mistress of the gods, and she had knowledge of Are in his own name. The above words shall be said over an image of Temu and an image of Haruhikenu, FN number 74, and over an image of Isis and an image of Horus. FN number 66, here we have another instance of the important part which the spittle played in magical ceremonies that were intended to produce evil effects. The act of spitting, however, was intended sometimes to carry a curse with it, and sometimes a blessing, for a man spat in the face of his enemy in order to lay the curse of impurity upon him, and at the present time, men spit upon money to keep the devils away from it. FN number 67, the gods were, according to one belief, nothing more than the various names of Are, who had taken the forms of the various members of his body. FN number 68, thus the god's own name became his most important talisman. FN number 69, the position of Isis as the great enchantress, is well defined, and several instances of her magical powers are recorded. By the utterance of her words of power she succeeded in raising her dead husband Osiris to life, and she enabled him by their means to beget Horus of her. 
nothing could withstand them, because they were of divine origin, and she had learned them from Thoth, the intelligence of the greatest of the gods. FN number 70 or The Period of the Summer The season Shemu began soon after the beginning of April and lasted until nearly the end of July. FN number 71, Kepera Ardi, and Temu were the three principal forms of the sun god according to the theological system of the priests of Heliopolis. FN number 72, the name by which the boat of Are is generally known in Egyptian texts. It was this boat which was stopped in its course when Thoth descended from the sky to impart to Isis the words of power that were to raise her dead child Horus to life. FN number 73, i.e., the fluid of life of the sun, and the fluid of life of the moon. The sun and the moon were the visible, material symbols of the sun god. FN number 74, the attributes of this god are not well defined. He was a god of the eastern delta, and was associated with the cities where Temu was worshipped. The legend of Horus of Behudit and the winged disc. 12. In the 363rd year of Areherakudi, who liveth forever and forever, his majesty was in Takens, FN number 75, and his soldiers were with him. The enemy did not conspire, AUU, against their lord, and the land is called Uatet unto this day. And Are set out on an expedition in his boat, and his followers were with him, and he arrived at Yuzuru, FN number 76, which lay to the west of this gnome, and to the east of the canal Pekenu, which is called, to this day. And Harubahudit was in the boat of Are, and he said unto his father Areherukudi, i.e. Areharmachis, I see that the enemies are conspiring against their lord. Let thy fiery serpent gain the mastery, over them. FN number 75, i.e. in Nubia, probably the portion of it which lies round about the modern Kalabsha. In ancient days Takens appears to have included a portion of the Nile Valley to the north of Aswan. 13. Then the majesty of Areharmachi said unto thy divine Ka, O Harubahudit, O son of Are, thou exalted one, who didst proceed from me, overthrow thou the enemies who are before thee straightway. And Harubahudit flew up into the horizon in the form of the great winged disc, for which reason he is called, Great God, Lord of Heaven, unto this day. And when he saw the enemies in the heights of heaven he set out to follow after them in the form of the great winged disc and he attacked with such terrific force those who opposed him, that they could neither see with their eyes nor hear with their ears, and each of them slew his fellow. In a moment of time there was not a single creature left alive. Then Harubahudit, shining with very many colors, came in the form of the great winged disc to the boat of Areharmachis, and Thoth said unto Are, O Lord of the gods, Bahudit hath returned in the form of the great winged disc, shining with many colors. Children, for this reason he is called Harubahudit unto this day. And Thoth said, The city Teb shall be called the city of Harubahudit. And thus is it called unto this day. And Are embraced the, of Are, and said unto Harubahudit, Thou didst put grapes, FN number 77, into the water which cometh forth from it, FN number 78, and thy heart rejoiced thereat. And for this reason the water, or, canal, of Harubahudit is called. Grape water, unto this day, and the, unto this day. And Harubahudit said, Advance, O Are, and look thou upon nine enemies who are lying under thee on this land. Thereupon the majesty of Are set out on the way, and the goddess Astertet, Ashtoreth, was with him, 
and he saw the enemies overthrown on the ground, each one of them being fettered. Then said Are to Harubahutit, There is sweet life in this place. And for this reason the abode of the palace of Harubahutit is called Sweet Life, unto this day. And Are said unto Thoth, Here was the slaughter of mine enemies. And the place is called Teb, FN number 79, unto this day. And Thoth said unto Harubahutit, Thou art a great protector, Maka. And the boat of Harubahutit is called Maka, FN number 80, unto this day. Then said Are unto the gods who were in his following, Behold now, let us sail in our boat upon the water, for our hearts are glad because our enemies have been overthrown on the earth. And the water where the great gods sailed is called Pekenuar, FN number 81, unto this day. And behold the enemies, of Are, rushed into the water, and they took the forms of, crocodiles and hippopotami. But nevertheless Areharukudi sailed over the waters in his boat, and when the crocodiles and the hippopotami had come nigh unto him, they opened wide their jaws in order to destroy Areharukudi. And when Harubahutit arrived and his followers who were behind him in the forms of workers in metal, each having in his hands an iron spear and a chain, according to his name, they smote the crocodiles and the hippopotami. And there were brought in their straightway six hundred and fifty-one crocodiles, which had been slain before the city of Edfu. Then spake Areharmachis unto Harubahutit, My image shall be here in the land of the south, which is a house of victory or strength. And the house of Harubahutit is called Nekthet unto this day. FN number 76, i.e. Apollonopolis, the modern Edfu. FN number 77, i.e. Drops of Blood. FN number 78, i.e. From the City. FN number 79, i.e. Edfu. FN number 80, i.e. Great Protector. FN number 81, i.e. Great Canal. 14. Then the god Thoth spake, after he had looked upon the enemies lying upon the ground, saying, Let your hearts rejoice, O ye gods of heaven! Let your hearts rejoice, O ye gods who are in the earth! Horus, the youthful one, cometh in peace, and he hath made manifest on his journey deeds of very great might, which he hath performed according to the book of slaying the hippopotamus. And from that day figures of Harubahudit in metal have existed. Then Harubahudit took upon himself the form of the winged disc, and he placed himself upon the front of the boat of Ea, and he placed by his side the goddess Nekabet, FN number 82, and the goddess Uchit, FN number 83, in the form of two serpents, that they might make the enemies to quake in, all their limbs when they were in the forms of crocodiles and hippopotami in every place wherein became in the land of the south and in the land of the north. Then those enemies rose up to make their escape from before him, and their face was towards the land of the south, and their hearts were stricken down through fear of him. And Harubahuta was at the back, or side, of them in the boat of Are, and there were in his hands a metal lance and a metal chain. And the metal workers who were with their lord were equipped for fighting with lances and chains. And Harubahudit saw them, FN number 84, to the southeast of the city of Yus, Thebes, some distance away. Then Ari said to Thoth, Those enemies shall be smitten with blows that kill. And Thoth said to Ari, That place is called the city Chetmet unto this day. And Harubahudit made a great overthrow among them, and Ari said, Stand still, O Harubahudit. And that place is called Hetare. To this day, and the god who dwelleth therein is Harubahudatareamsu, or Min. 
Then those enemies rose up to make their escape from before him. And the face of the God was towards the land of the north, and their hearts were stricken through fear of him. And Herubahudit was at the back, or side, of them in the boat of Are, and those who were following him had spears of metal and chains of metal in their hands, and the God himself was equipped for battle with the weapons of the metal workers which they had with them. And he passed the whole day before he saw them to the northeast of the gnome of Tantyra, Dendera. Then Ari said unto Thoth, The enemies are resting, their lord. And the majesty of Areharmachi said to Herubahutit, Thou art my exalted son who didst proceed from Nut. The courage of the enemies hath failed in a moment. And Herubahutit made great slaughter among them. And Thoth said, The winged disc shall be called, in the name of this Aeti. And is called Herubahutit, its mistress. His name is to the south in the name of this god and the acacia and the sycamore shall be the trees of the sanctuary. Then the enemies turned aside to flee from before him, and their faces were towards the north, and they went to the swamps of Uchiar, i.e., the Mediterranean, and their courage failed through fear of him. And Herubahudit was at the back, or side, of them in the boat of Are, and the metal spear was in his hands, and those who were in his following were equipped with the weapons for battle of the metal workers. And the gods spent four days and four nights in the water in pursuit of them, but he did not see one of the enemies, who fled from before him in the water in the forms of crocodiles and hippopotami. At length he found them and saw them. And Are said unto Horus of Haban, O winged disc, thou great god and lord of heaven, seize thou them. And he hurled his lance after them, and he slew them, and worked a great overthrow of them. And he brought one hundred and forty-two enemies to the forepart of the boat, of Are, and with them was a male hippopotamus which had been among those enemies. And he hacked them in pieces with his knife, and he gave their entrails to those who were in his following, and he gave their carcasses to the gods and goddesses who were in the boat of Are on the river bank of the city of Haban. Then Are said unto Thoth, See what mighty things Herubahudit hath performed in his deeds against the enemies, verily he hath smitten them. And of the male hippopotamus he hath opened the mouth, and he hath speared it, and he hath mounted upon its back. Then said Thothtare, Horus shall be called Winged Disc, Great God, Smiter of the enemies in the town of Huban from this day forward, and he shall be called he who standeth on the back and prophet of this God, from this day forward. These are the things which happened in the lands of the city of Huban, in a region which measured three hundred and forty-two measures on the south, and on the north, on the west, and on the east. FN number 82, the goddess Nekabet was incarnate in a special kind of serpent, and the center of her worship was in the city of Nekeb, which the Greeks called Ilethiospolis, and the Arabs Alcab. FN number 83, the center of the worship of Uchit, or Wachit, was at Puyuchit, a city in the delta. FN number 84, i.e. the enemies. 15. Then the enemies rose up before him by the lake of the north and their faces were set towards Uchuar, FN number 85, which they desired to reach by sailing. But the gods smote their hearts, and they turned and fled in the water, and they directed their course to the water of the gnome of Mertetainet, and they gathered themselves together in the water of Mertet in order to join themselves with the enemies, who serve, set, and who are in this region. And Herubahudit followed them, being equipped with all his weapons of war to fight against them. And Herubahutit made a journey in the boat of Are, together with the great god who was in his boat with those who were his followers. 
and he pursued them on the lake of the north twice, and passed one day and one night sailing down the river in pursuit of them before he perceived and overtook them, for he knew not the place where they were. Then he arrived at the city of Porahu. And the majesty of Are said unto Harubahutit, What hath happened to the enemies? They have gathered together themselves in the water to the west of the gnome of Mertet in order to unite themselves with the enemies who serve Set and who are in this region at the place where are our staff and scepter. And Thoth said unto Are, Yustin the gnome of Mertet is called Yuseb because of this unto this day, and the lake which is in it is called Tempt. Then Harubahudit spake in the presence of his father Are, saying, I beseech thee to set thy boat against them, so that I may be able to perform against them that which Ari willeth. And this was done. Then he made an attack upon them on the lake which was at the west of this district, and he perceived them on the bank of the city, which belongeth to the lake of Mertet. Then Harubahudit made an expedition against them, and his followers were with him, and they were provided with weapons of all kinds for battle, and he wrought a great overthrow among them and he brought in three hundred and eighty-one enemies, and he slaughtered them in the forepart of the boat of Are, and he gave one of them to each of those who were in his train. Then Set rose up and came forth, and raged loudly with words of cursing and abuse because of the things which Rubahudit had done in respect of the slaughter of the enemies. And Are said unto Thoth, This fiend Nihahara uttereth words at the top of his voice because of the things which Rubahudit hath done unto him. And Thoth said unto Are, Cries of this kind shall be called Nihahara unto this day. And Harubahudit did battle with the enemy for a period of time, and he hurled his iron lance at him, and he throw him down on the ground in this region, which is called Pariretu unto this day. Then Harubahudit came and brought the enemy with him, and his spear was in his neck, and his chain was round his hands and arms, and the weapon of Horus had fallen on his mouth and had closed it, and he went with him before his father Are, who said, O Horus, thou winged disc, twice great, Yuri Tenten, is the deed of valor which thou hast done, and thou hast cleansed the district. And Are said unto Thoth, The palace of Harubahudit shall be called, Lord of the district which is cleansed because of this. And thus is it called unto this day. And the name of the priest thereof is called Yuar Tenten unto this day. And Are said unto Thoth, Let the enemies and set be given over to Isis and her son Horus and let them work all their heart's desire upon them. And she and her son Horus set themselves in position with their spears in him at the time when there was storm, or disaster, in the district, and the lake of the god was called Shianaha from that day to this. Then Horus the son of Isis cut off the head of the enemy, Set, and the heads of his fiends in the presence of Father Are and of the great company of the gods. And he dragged him by his feet through his district with his spear driven through his head and back. And Ari said unto Thoth, Let the son of Osiris drag the being of disaster through his territory. And Thoth said, It shall be called a Tay. And this hath been the name of the region from that day to this. And Isis, the divine lady, spake before Ari, saying, Let the exalted winged disc become the amulet of my son Horus, who hath cut off the head of the enemy and the heads of his fiends. FN number 85, i.e., the Mediterranean. 16. Thus Rubahudit and Horus, the son of Isis, slaughtered that evil enemy, and his fiends, and the inert foes, and came forth with them to the water on the west side of this district. And Harubahudit was in the form of a man of mighty strength, 
and he had the face of a hawk, and his head was crowned with the white crown and the red crown, and with two plumes and two urii, and he had the back of a hawk, and his spear and his chain were in his hands. And Horus, the son of Isis, transformed himself into a similar shape, even as Harubahudit had done before him. And they slew the enemies all together on the west of Perihu, on the edge of the stream, and this god hath sailed over the water wherein the enemies had banded themselves tether against him from that day to this. Now these things took place on the seventh day of the first mouth of the season pert. And Thoth said, This region shall be called Aetishatet. And this hath been the name of the region from that day unto this. And the lake which is close by it hath been called Tempt from that day to this. And the seventh day of the first month of the season pert hath been called the festival of sailing from that day to this. Then Set took upon himself the form of a hissing serpent, and he entered into the earth in this district without being seen. And Ari said, Set hath taken upon himself the form of a hissing serpent. Let Horus, the son of Isis, in the form of a hawk-headed staff, set himself over the place where he is, so that the serpent may never more appear. And Thoth said, Let this district be called Hemhemet, FN number 86, by name. And thus hath it been called from that day to this. And Horus, the son of Isis, in the form of a hawk-headed staff, took up his abode there with his mother Isis. In this manner did these things happen. FN number 86, this name means, The place of the roarer, Hemhemti, being a well-known name of the evil one. Some texts seem to indicate that peals of thunder were caused by the fiend set. Then the boat of Ari arrived at the town of Hetaha. Its forepart was made of palm wood, and the hind part was made of acacia wood. Thus the palm tree and the acacia tree have been sacred trees from that day to this. Then Harubahudid embarked in the boat of Are, after he had made an end of fighting, and sailed. And Are said unto Thoth, Let this boat be called. And thus hath it been called from that day to this. And these things have been done in commemoration in this place from that day to this. And Are said unto Harubahudid, Behold the fighting of the smate fiend and his twofold strength, and the smy fiend set, are upon the water of the north, and they will sail downstream upon. And Harubahudit said, Whatsoever thou commandest shall take place, O Ra, Lord of the gods. Grant thou, however, that this thy boat may pursue them into every place whithersoever they shall go, and I will do to them whatsoever please saith Ra. And everything was done according to what he had said. Then this boat of Ra was brought by the winged sun disk upon the waters of the lake of Meh, FN number 87. And Harubahuta took in his hands his weapons, his darts, and his harpoon, and all the chains, which he required for the fight. FN number 87, it is probable that the Lake of Meh, i.e., the Lake of the North, was situated in the northeast of the Delta, not far from Lake Manzala. And Harubahuta looked and saw one, only, of these Sebal, FN number 88, fiends there on the spot, and he was by himself. And he threw one metal dart, and brought, or dragged, them along straightway, and he slaughtered them in the presence of Are, and he made an end of them, and there were no more of the fiends of set in this place at that moment. FN number 88, Sibiu, is a common name for the associates of Seti, and this fiend is himself called Seba, a word which means something like rebel. 17, and Thoth said, This place shall be called Astiabharu. FN number 89, because Harubahudit wrought his desire upon them, i.e., the enemy, 
and he passed six days and six nights coming into port on the waters thereof and did not see one of them. And he saw them fall down in the watery depths, and he made ready the place of Aestiabharu there. It was situated on the bank of the water, and the face, i.e. direction, thereof was full front towards the south. And all the rites and ceremonies of Harubahudit were performed on the first day of the first month, FN number 90, of the season Ake, and on the first day of the first month, FN number 91, of the season Pert, and on the twenty-first and twenty-fourth days of the second month, FN number 92, of the season Pert. These are the festivals in the town of Aestiab, by the side of the south, and in Rudef. FN number 93, and he came into port and went against them, keeping watch as for a king over the great god and in Rudef, in this place in order to drive away the enemy and his smeafiends at his coming by night from the region of Mertet, to the west of this place. FN number 89, i.e., place of the desire of Horus. FN number 90, the month Thoth. FN number 91, the month Tybi. FN number 92, the month Mekir. FN number 93, a mythological locality originally placed near Heracleopolis. The name means, the place where nothing grows. Several forms of the name occur in the older literature, e.g. in the Theban recension of the Book of the Dead. And Herubahudit was in the form of a man who possessed great strength, with the face of a hawk, and he was crowned with the white crown, FN number 94, and the red crown, FN number 95, and the two plumes, and the uric crown, and there were two urii upon his head. His hand grasped firmly his harpoon to slay the hippopotamus, which was, as hard, as the Kenim, FN number 96, stone in its mountain bed. FN number 94, the crown of the south. FN number 95, the crown of the north. FN number 96, a kind of jasper? And Ari said unto Thoth, Indeed, Huru Dash, Behudit is like a master fighter in the slaughter of his enemies. And Thoth said unto Ari, He shall be called Nebahal, i.e. master fighter and for this reason he hath been thus called by the priest of this god unto this day. And Isis made incantations of every kind in order to drive away the Fienare from Enredef, and from the great god in this place. And Thoth said unto Are, The priestess of this god shall be called by the name of Nethika for this reason. And Thoth said unto Are, Beautiful, beautiful is this place wherein thou hast taken up thy seat, keeping watch, as for a king, over the great god who is in Enredef, FN number 97, in peace. FN number 97, i.e. Osiris. And Thoth said, This great house in this place shall therefore be called Aestinefert, FN number 98, from this day. It is situated to the southwest of the city of Nart, and covereth a space of four skoina. And Arehurubahudit said unto Thoth, Hast thou not searched through this water for the enemy? And Thoth said, the water of the godhouse in this place shall be called by the name of He, i.e., sought out. And Ari said, Thy ship, O Horubahudit, is great? Upon Anmer? And Thoth said, The name of thy ship shall be called Juar, and this stream shall be called Anmer. Dot. As concerning, or now, the place of Bat? Is situated on the shore of the water. Aestinefert. Is the name of the great house. Nebaha. Is the name of the priest is the name of the priestess. He. Is the name of the lake. Is the name of the water. Amhernet. Is the name of the holy, acacia tree. Nederhet. 
is the name of the domain of the god. You are you. Is the name of the sacred boat, the gods therein are Harubahutit, the smiter of the lands, Horus, the son of Isis, and Osiris. His blacksmiths, FN number 99, are to him, and those who are in his following are to him in his territory, with his metal lance, with his mace, with his dagger, and with all his chains or fetters, which are in the city of Harubahutit. FN number 98 i.e. Beautiful place. FN number 99, or perhaps fighting men who were armed with metal weapons. And when he had reached the land of the north with his followers, he found the enemy. Now as for the blacksmiths who were over the middle regions, they made a great slaughter of the enemy, and there were brought back one hundred and six of them. Now as for the blacksmiths of the west, they brought back one hundred and six of the enemy. Now as for the blacksmiths of the east, among whom was Herubahudit, he slew them, i.e. the enemy, in the presence of Are in the middle domains. FN number 100. FN number 100. In the sculptures, Neville, Mive, PL 17, Herubahudit is seen standing in a boat spearing a crocodile, and immediately behind him in the boat is Are Harmachis in his shrine. The Mesenshu of the West are represented by an armed warrior in a boat, who is spearing a crocodile, and leads the way for Herubahutit. In a boat behind the great god is a representative of the Mesenshu of the East spearing a crocodile. And R.A. said unto Thoth, My heart is satisfied with the works of these blacksmiths of Herubahutit who are in his bodyguard. They shall dwell in sanctuaries, and libations and purifications and offerings shall be made to their images, and there shall be appointed for them priests who shall minister by the month and priests who shall minister by the hour, in all their godhouses whatsoever, as their reward because they have slain the enemies of the god. And Thoth said, The middle domain shall be called after the names of these blacksmiths from this day onwards, and the god who dwelleth among them, Harubahutit, shall be called the lord of Mezen from this day onwards, and the domain shall be called Mezen of the West from this day onwards. As concerning Mezen of the West, the face, or front, Thereof shall be towards the east, towards the place where Are riseth, and this mezzan shall be called Mezzan of the East, from this day onwards. As concerning the double town of Mezant, the work of these blacksmiths of the east, the face, or front, thereof shall be towards the south, towards the city of Behudit, the hiding place of Herubahudit. And there shall be performed therein all the rites and ceremonies of Herubahudit on the second day of the first month, FN number 101 of the season of Ake, and on the twenty-fourth day of the fourth month, FN number 102, of the season of Ake, and on the seventh day of the first month, FN number 103, of the season Pert, and on the twenty-first day of the second month, FN number 104, of the season Pert, from this day onwards. Their stream shall be called Asti. The name of their great house shall be called Abet. The priest shall be called Kenaha and their domain shall be called Kaumesant, from this day onwards. FN number 101, the month Thoth. FN number 102, the month Choyak. FN number 103, the month Tybi. FN number 104, the mouth Machir. 18. And Are said unto Herubahutit, These enemies have sailed up the river, to the country of Setet, to the end of the pillar house of Hat, and they have sailed up the river to the east, to the country or chalt, or chart, comma, FN number 105, which is their region of swamps. And Harubahudit said, 
Everything which thou hast commanded hath come to pass, R.A., Lord of the gods. Thou art the Lord of commands. And they untied the boat of R.A., and they sailed up the river to the east. Then he looked upon those enemies whereof some of them had fallen into the sea, or river, and the others had fallen headlong on the mountains. FN number 105, Zolantanus. And Herubahuta transformed himself into a lion which had the face of a man, and which was crowned with the triple crown. FN number 106, his paw was like unto a flint knife, and he went round and round by the side of them, and brought back 142 of the enemy, and berent them in pieces with his claws. He tore out their tongues, and their blood flowed on the ridges of the land in this place, and he made them the property of those who were in his following, whilst he was upon the mountains. FN number 106, in the sculpture, Neville, Mythe, PL 18, we see a representation of this lion, which is standing over the bodies of slain enemies upon a rectangular pedestal, or block. And Ari said unto Thoth, Behold, Herubahudit is like unto a lion in his lair, when he is on the back of the enemy who have given unto him their tongues. And Thoth said, This domain shall be called Kenebiti, and it shall also be called Chalt, or Chart, from this day onwards. And the bringing of the tongues from the remote places of Chalt, or chart, shall be commemorated from this day onwards. And this god shall be called Herubahutit, lord of Mesent, from this day onwards. And Ari said unto Herubahutit, Let us sail to the south up the river, and let us smite the enemies, who are in the forms of crocodiles and hippopotami in the face of Egypt. And Herubahutit said, Thy divine Ka O R A, lord of the gods, let us sail up the river against the remainder, one-third, of the enemies who are in the water or river. Then Thoth recited the chapters of protecting the boat, of Are, and the boats of the blacksmiths, which he used, for making tranquil the sea at the moment when a storm was raging on it. And Are said unto Thoth, Have we not journeyed throughout the whole land? Shall we not journey cover the whole sea in like manner? And Thoth said, This water shall be called the Sea of Journeying, from this day onward. And they sailed about over the water during the night and they did not see any of those enemies at all. Then they made a journey forth and arrived in the country of Tasti, FN number 107, at the town of Shasertet, and he perceived the most able of their enemies in the country of Uua, FN number 108, and they were uttering treason against Horus their lord. FN number 107, Northern Nubia, the name means, Land of the Baal. FN number 108, a portion of Northern Nubia. And Harubihut changed his form into that of the winged disc, and took his place, above the bow of the boat of Are, and he made the goddess Nekabit, FN number 109, and the goddess Watchet, FN number 110, to be with him in the form of serpents, so that they might make the sea ball fiends to quake in, all, their limbs, or bodies. Their boldness, i.e., that of the fiends, subsided through the fear of him, they made no resistance whatsoever, and they died straightway. FN number 109, the goddess of the south. FN number 110, the goddess of the north. Then the gods who were in the following of the boat of Harukudi said, Great, great is that which he hath done among them by means of the two serpent goddesses, FN number 111, for he hath overthrown the enemy by means of their fear of him. FN number 111, i.e., Nekabit and watch it. And Are Harukudi said, the great one of the two serpent goddesses of Harubahudit shall be called Yar Yuachti, FN number 112, from this day onwards. 
FN number 112. Great one of the two Uriai goddesses. These goddesses had their places above the brow of the god, or at the right and left of the solar disk. 19. And Harukudi traveled on in his boat, and landed at the city of Thessaru, Apollonopolis Magna. And Thoth said, The being of light who hath come forth from the horizon hath smitten the enemy in the form which he hath made, and he shall be called being of light who hath come forth from the horizon from this day onwards. FN number 113. FN number 113. In the sculpture, Neville, Mythe, PL 19, we see the god, who is hawk-headed, and wears the crowns of the south and north, seated in a shrine set upon a pedestal. In the right hand he holds the scepter, and in the left the ankh. And Are Harakuti Are Harmachis said to Thoth, Thou shalt make this winged disc to be in every place wherein I seat myself, or dwell, and in all the seats of the gods in the south, and in all the seats of the gods in the land of the north, in the country of Horus, that it may drive away the evil ones from their domains. Then Thoth made the image of the winged disc to be in every sanctuary and in every temple, where they now are, wherein are all the gods and all the goddesses from this day onwards. Now through the winged disc which is on the temple buildings of all the gods and all the goddesses of the land of the lily, FN number 114, and the land of the papyrus, FN number 115, these buildings, become shrines of Harubahutit. FN number 114, i.e. the north, especially the delta. FN number 115, i.e. the south. As concerning Harubahutit, the great god, the lord of heaven, the president of the Atar of the south, FN number 116, he it is who is made to be on the right hand. This is Harubahutit on whom the goddess Nekabit is placed in the form of a serpent, or Ureus. As concerning Harubahutit, the great god, the lord of heaven, the lord of Mesent, the president of the Atar of the north, FN number 117, he it is who is made to be on the left hand. This Harubahutit on whom the goddess Watchet is placed is in the form of a serpent. FN number 116, i.e., the southern half of heaven. FN number 117, i.e., the northern half of heaven. As concerning Harubahutit, the great god, the lord of heaven, the lord of Mesent, the president of the two Aturdi of the south and north, Arehurukudi said it, i.e., the winged disc, in his every place, to overthrow the enemies in every place wherein they are. And he shall be called president of the two Aturdi of the south and north because of this from this day onwards. FN number 118. FN number 118. In the sculpture which illustrates this portion of the text at Edfu, two winged discs are represented. The first has hashtag 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 on each side of it. The disc has an ureus on each side. The second winged symbol of the god consists of a beetle with outstretched wings, which holds between his forelegs the solar disc, and between his hind legs the symbol of the orbit of the sun. A hymn to Osiris and a legend of the origin of Horus. Homage to thee, Osiris, Lord of Eternity, King of the Gods, whose names are manifold, whose transformations are sublime, whose form is hidden in the temples whose Ka is holy, the governor of Tetet, FN number 119, the mighty one of possessions, in the shrine, FN number 120, the Lord of Praises, FN number 121, in the gnome of Anetch, FN number 122. President of the Chief of Food in Anu, FN number 123, Lord who art commemorated in, the town of, Mani, FN number 124, the mysterious, or hidden, soul, the Lord of Carrot, 
FN number 125, The Sublime. One in White Wall, FN number 126, The Soul of Are, and His Very Body, Who Hast Thy Dwelling in Hinensu, FN number 127, The Beneficent One, Who Art Praised in Nart, FN number 128, Who Makest to Rise Up Thy Soul, Lord of the Great House in the City, FN number 129, Of the Eight Gods, FN number 130, Who Inspirest, Great Terror in Shashitep. FN number 131, Lord of Eternity, Governor of Abtu Abidus. FN number 119, More Fully Pasar Nebtetit, The Basiris of the Greeks. Basiris equals Pasar. House of Osiris, Par Excellence. The variant Tatot also occurs. FN number 120, An allusion, perhaps, to the town Sikkim, the capital of the second gnome, Litopolites, of Lower Egypt. FN number 121, i.e., Lord whose praises are sung. FN number 122, Litopolites. FN number 123, Heliopolis. FN number 124, i.e., a famous sanctuary in the Litopolite gnome where Ta was worshipped. FN number 125, the region of the first cataract, where the Nile was believed to rise. FN number 126, Memphis. FN number 127, Heracleopolis, the HBW Zans of Isaiah. FN number 128, a name of Heracleopolis. FN number 129, Kemenu or Hermopolis, the city of Thoth. FN number 130, these gods were Nu and Nut, Hahu and Hihut, Kukwe and Kikit, Kur and Kerhet. FN number 131, the capital of Set, the eleventh gnome of Upper Egypt, the chief local deity was Knima. Thy seat, or domain, reacheth far into Tachezert, FN number 132, and thy name is firmly established in the mouth, S of men. Thou art the twofold substance of the two lands, FN number 133, everywhere, and the divine food, Chef, of the cow, FN number 134, the governor of the companies, FN number 135, of the gods, and the beneficent, or perfect, spirit soul, FN number 136, among spirit souls. The god new draweth his waters from thee, FN number 137, and thou bringest forth the north wind at eventide, and wind from thy nostrils to the satisfaction of thy heart. Thy heart flourisheth, and thou bringest forth the splendor of chef food. FN number 132, a name of the other world. FN number 133, i.e. the two Egypts, upper and lower. FN number 134, the doubles of the beatified who are fed by Osiris in the other world. FN number 135, three companies are distinguished, the gods of heaven, the gods of earth, and the gods of the other world. FN number 136, the indestructible, immortal spirit soul as opposed to the BA soul, or animal soul. FN number 137, here and in other places I have changed the pronoun of the third person into that of the second to avoid the abrupt changes of the original. The height of heaven and the stars thereof are obedient unto thee, and thou makest to be opened the great gates of the sky. Thou art the Lord to whom praises are sung in the southern heaven, thou art he to whom thanks are given in the northern heaven. The stars which never diminish are under the place of thy face, FN number 138, and thy seats are the stars which never rest. FN number 139, offerings appear before thee by the command of Keb. The companies of the gods ascribe praise unto thee, the star gods of the Tuat smell the earth before thee, 
FN number 140, the domains, make, bowings, before thee, and the ends of the earth make supplication to thee, when they see thee. FN number 138, i.e., they are under thy inspection and care. FN number 139, i.e., the stars which never set. The allusion is probably to certain circumpolar stars. FN number 140, i.e., do homage. Those who are among the holy ones are in terror of him, and the two lands, all of them, make acclamations to him when they meet his majesty. Thou art a shining noble at the head of the nobles, permanent in thy high rank, established in thy sovereignty, the beneficent power of the company of the gods. Well-pleasing is thy face, and thou art beloved by him that seeth thee. Thou settest the fear of thee in all lands, and because of their love for thee, men, hold thy name to be preeminent. Every man mocketh offerings unto thee, and thou art the Lord who is commemorated in heaven and upon earth. Manifold are the cries of acclamation to thee in the whack, FN number 141, Festival, and the two lands shout joyously to thee with one accord. Thou art the eldest, the first of thy brethren, the prince of the company of the gods, and establisher of truth throughout the two lands. Thou settest thy son upon the great throne of his father Keb. Thou art the beloved one of thy mother Nut, whose valor is most mighty, when thou overthrowest the Saba fiend. Thou hast slaughtered thy enemy, and hast put the fear of thee into thy adversary. FN number 141, one of the chief festivals of Osiris, during which the god made a periplus. Thou art the bringer in of the remotest boundaries, and art stable of heart, and thy two feet are lifted up. Thou art the heir of Keb and of the sovereignty of the two lands, and he, i.e., Keb, hath seen thy splendid qualities, and hath commanded thee to guide the lands, i.e., the world, by thy hand so long as times, and seasons, endure. Thou hast made this earth with thy hand, the waters thereof, the winds thereof, the trees and herbs thereof, the cattle thereof of every kind, the birds thereof of every kind, the fish thereof of every kind, the creeping things thereof, and the four-footed beasts thereof. The land of the desert, FN number 142, belongeth by right to the son of Nut, and the two lands have contentment in making him to rise, FN number 143, upon the throne of his father Lycare. FN number 142, this may also represent the mountainous districts of Egypt, or even foreign countries in general. FN number 143, to make him rise like the sun, or to enthrone him. Thou rollest up into the horizon, thou settest the light above the darkness, thou illuminest the two lands with the light from thy two plumes, thou floodest the two lands like the disk at the beginning of the dawn. Thy white crown pierceth the height of heaven saluting the stars, FN number 144, thou art the guide of every god. Thou art perfect, FN number 145, in command and word. Thou art the favored one of the great company of the gods, and thou art the beloved one of the little company of the gods. FN number 144 or Becoming a brother to the stars or the star gods. FN number 145 or Beneficent. Thy sister, Isis, acted as a protectress to thee. She drove thy enemies away, she averted seasons of calamity from thee, she recited the word or formula with the magical power of her mouth, being skilled of tongue and never halting for a word, being perfect in command and word. Isis the magician avenged her brother. She went about seeking for him untiringly. She flew round and round over this earth uttering wailing cries of grief, 
and she did not alight on the ground until she had found him. She made light to come forth from her feathers, she made air to come into being by means of her two wings, and she cried out the death cries for her brother. She made to rise up the helpless members of him whose heart was at rest, she drew from him his essence, and she made there from an air. She suckled the child in solitariness, and none knew where his place was, and he grew in strength. His hand is mighty, or victorious, within the house of Keb, and the company of the gods rejoice greatly at the coming of Horus, the son of Osiris, whose heart is firmly established, the triumphant one, the son of Isis, the flesh and bone of Osiris. The Chacha, Ethan number 146, of Truth, and the company of the gods, and Nebuchadnezzar, Ethan number 147, himself, and the lords of truth, gather together to him, and assemble therein. Ethan number 148, verily those who defeat iniquity rejoice. Ethan number 149, in the house of Keb to bestow the divine rank and dignity upon him to whom it belongeth, and the sovereignty upon him whose it is by right. Ethan number 146, literally, the heads, i.e., the divine sovereign chiefs at the court of Osiris who acted as administrators of the god, and even as taskmasters. FN number 147. He who is the lord to the end, or limit of the world. A name of Osiris. FN number 148, i.e., in the house of Keb. FN number 149, or perhaps, take their seats in the house of Keb. A legend of Ta-Neferhetep, and the princess of Becton. The Horus. Mighty bull, the form? Of Risings, FN number 150, established in sovereignty like Tem, the Golden Horus. Mighty One of Strength, FN number 151, Destroyer of the Nine Nations of the Bow. FN number 152, King of the South and North. The Lord of the Two Lands, User Madare Setapinare Son of Are, of His Body, Are Mises Mary Amen, of Amen Are Wink with the Frown, FN number 153, The Lord of the Thrones of the Two Lands, and of the company of the gods, the lords of Thebes, the beloved one. The beneficent God, the son of Amen, born of Mut, begotten of Harukudi, the glorious offspring of Nebchert, FN number 154, begetting, as the bull of his mother, FN number 155, king of Egypt, governor of the deserts, the sovereign who hath taken possession of the nine nations of the Bow, who, on coming forth from the womb ordained mighty things, who gave commands whilst he was in the egg, the bull, stable of heart, who hath sent forth his seed, the king who is a bull, and a god who cometh forth on. The day of battle like Menthu, FN number 156, the mighty one of strength like the son of Nut. FN number 157. FN number 150, i.e., the image who rises like the sun day by day, or the image of many crowns. FN number 151, or mighty one of the thigh, i.e., he of the mighty thigh. FN number 152, the nations of Nubia who fought with bows and arrows. FN number 153, in this version of the protocol of Ramesses II. The second, strong name, of the king is omitted. FN number 154, i.e. FN number 155, Kamadef, the Greek Kemkaret Fic, of the Greeks. FN number 156, the war god of Thebes. FN number 157, i.e. Osiris. Behold, his majesty was in the country of Nehru, FN number 158, according to his custom every year, 
and the chiefs of every land, even as far as the swamps, came, to pay, homage, bearing offerings to the souls of his majesty, and they brought their gifts, gold, lapis lazuli, turquoise, bars of wood of every kind of the land of the god, FN number 159, on their backs. And each one surpassed his neighbor. FN number 158, the country of the rivers, the HBW Aram Naharaim of Gen 24. 10. The hashtag 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 of Syrian writers. FN number 159. A name including Western Asia and a portion of the east coast of Africa. And the prince of Becton, also, caused his gifts to be brought, and he set his eldest daughter at the head of them all, and he addressed words of praise to his majesty, and prayed to him for his life. And the maiden was beautiful, and his majesty considered her to be the most lovely woman in the world, and he wrote down as her title, Great Royal Wife, Areneferu. And when his majesty arrived in Egypt, he did for her whatsoever was done for the royal wife. On the twenty-second day of the second month of the season of Shemu, FN number 160, in the fifteenth year of his reign, behold, his majesty was in Thebes, the mighty city, the mistress of cities, performing the praises of Father Amen, the lord of the thrones of the two lands, in his beautiful festival of the southern apt, FN number 161, which was the seat of his heart, i.e., the chosen spot. From primeval time, when, one came to say to his majesty, An ambassador of the prince of Becton hath arrived, bearing many gifts for the royal wife. FN number 160, The Summer. The cops called the second month of this season peony. FN number 161, The Modern Temple of Luxor. And having been brought into the presence of his majesty with his gifts, he spake words of adoration to his majesty, saying, Praise be unto thee, O thou son, Are, of the nine nations of the bow, permit us to live before thee. And when he had spoken, and had smelt the earth before his majesty, he continued his speech before his majesty, saying, I have come unto thee, my king and lord, on behalf of Bendresht, the younger sister of the royal wife Areneferu. Some disease hath penetrated into her members, and I beseech thy majesty to send a man of learning to see her. And his majesty said, Bring to me the magicians, or scribes, of the house of life, and the nobles of the palace. And having been brought into his presence straightway, his majesty said unto them, Behold, I have caused you to be summoned hither, in order that ye may hear this matter. Now bring to me, one, of your company whose heart is wise, FN number 162, and whose fingers are deft. And the royal scribe Tehudiamheb came into the presence of his majesty, and his majesty commanded him to depart to Becton with that ambassador. FN number 162, or, a skilled craftsman. And when the man of learning had arrived in Becton, he found bent rest in the condition of a woman who is possessed by a spirit and he found twelve this spirit to be an evil one, and to be hostile in his disposition towards him. And the prince of Becton sent a messenger a second time into the presence of his majesty, saying, O king, my lord, I pray his, i.e. thy, majesty to command that a god be brought hither to contend against the spirit. Now when the messenger came to his majesty in the first month, FN number 163, of the season of Shemu, in the twenty-sixth year, of his reign, on the day which coincided with that of the festival of Amen, his majesty was in the palace, or temple, of Thebes. And his majesty spake a second time, FN number 164, 
in the presence of Kensu in Thebes, called Neferhetep, saying, O my fair lord, I present myself before thee a second time on behalf of the daughter of the prince of Becton. Then Kensu in Thebes, called Neferhetep, was carried to Kensu, called Paari Seker, the great god who driveth away the spirits which attack. And his majesty spake before Kensu in Thebes, called Neferhetep, saying, O my fair lord, if thou wilt give, i.e. turn, thy face to Kensu, called Paari Seker, the great god who driveth away the spirits which attack, permit thou that he may depart to Becton. And the god inclined his head with a deep inclination twice. And his majesty said, Let, I pray, thy protective, or magical, power go with him, so that I may make his majesty to go to Becton to deliver the daughter of the prince of Becton from the spirit. FN number 163, the month Pakhan of the Cops. FN number 164, the text makes no mention of the first application to Kensu. And Kensu in Thebes called Neferhetep, inclined his head with a deep inclination twice. And he made his protective power to pass into Kensu called Pari Sekaremust, in a fourfold measure. Then his majesty commanded that Kensu called Pari Sekaremust, should set out on his journey in a great boat, accompanied by five smaller boats and chariots and a large number of horses, which marched on the right side and on the left. And when this god arrived in Becton at the end of a period of one year and five months, the prince of Becton came forth with his soldiers and his chief, S. before Kensu, called Pari Seker, and he cast himself down upon his belly, saying, Thou hast come to us, and thou art welcomed by us, by the commands of the king of the south and north, User Matare Setapenare. And when this god had passed over to the place where Bentresht was, he worked upon the daughter of the prince of Becton with his magical power, and she became better, i.e., was healed, straightway. And this spirit which had been with her said, in the presence of Kensu called, Pari Sekremius, come in peace, i.e., welcome, O great god, who dost drive away the spirits which attack. Becton is thy city, the people thereof, both men and women, are thy servants and I myself am thy servant. I will, now, depart unto the place whence I came, so that I may cause thy heart to be content about the matter concerning which thou hast come. I pray that thy majesty will command that a happy day, i.e., a festival, or day of rejoicing, be made with me, and with the prince of Becton. And this god inclined his head, in approval, to his priests, saying, Let the prince of Becton make a great offering in the presence of this spirit. Now whilst Kensu called, Pari Sekaremust, was arranging these things with the spirit, the prince of Becton and his soldiers were standing there, and they feared with an exceedingly great fear. And the prince of Becton made a great offering in the presence of Kensu called, Pari Sekaremust, and the spirit of the prince of Becton, and he made a happy day, i.e. festival, on their behalf, and then, the spirit departed in peace unto the place which he loved, by the command of Kensu, called, Pari Sekaremust, and the prince of Becton, and every person who was in the country of Becton, rejoiced very greatly, and he took counsel with his heart, saying, It hath happened that this god hath been given as a gift to Becton, and I will not permit him to depart to Egypt. And when this god had tarried for three years and nine months in Becton, the prince of Becton, who was lying down asleep on his bed, saw this god come forth outside his shrine, 
Now he was in the form of a golden hawk, and he flew up into the heavens and departed to Egypt. And when the prince woke up he was trembling. And he said unto the prophet of Kensu called, Pari Sekerem Yust, this God who tarried with us hath departed to Egypt. Let his chariot also depart to Egypt. And the prince of Becton permitted the image of the God to set out for Egypt. And he gave him many great gifts of beautiful things of all kinds, and a large number of soldiers and horses went with him. And when they had arrived in peace in Thebes, Kensu called, Pari Sekeremus, went into the temple of Kensu in Thebes called, Neferhetep, and he placed the offerings which the prince of Becton had given unto him, beautiful things of all kinds, before Kensu in Thebes called, Neferhetep, and he gave nothing thereof whatsoever to his, own temple. Thus Kensu called Pari Sekeremust, arrived in his temple in peace, on the nineteenth day of the second month, FN number 165, of the season pert, in the thirty-third year of the reign of the king of the south and north, user Matenare Setapenare, the giver of life, like Are, forever. FN number 165, the month Mecca of the Copts, the season pert is the Egyptian spring. A legend of the god Knema and of a seven years famine. In the eighteenth year of the Horus, Nedekot, of the king of the south and north, Nedekot, of the lord of the shrines of Wachet and Nekabit, Nedekot, of the golden Horus Cheezer, FN number 166, when Matar was Ha prince, and Erpa, and governor of the temple cities in the land of the south, and director of the Kenti, FN number 167, Folk and Abtu, FN number 168. There was brought unto him the following royal dispatch. This is to inform thee that misery hath laid hold upon me, as I sit, upon the great throne. By reason of those who dwell in the great house, FN number 169, my heart is grievously afflicted by reason of the exceedingly great evil, which hath happened, because happy, i.e. the Nile, hath not come forth, FN number 170, in my time to the proper, height for seven years. Grain is very scarce, vegetables are lacking altogether, every kind of thing which men eat for their food hath ceased, and every man now plundereth his neighbor. Men wish to walk, but are unable to move, the child waileth, the young man draggeth his limbs along, and the hearts of the aged folk are crushed with despair, their legs give way under them, and they sink down to the ground, and their hands are laid upon their bodies, in pain. The Shenu, FN number 171, nobles are destitute of counsel, and when, the storehouses which should contain supplies are opened, there cometh forth there from nothing but wind. Everything is in a state of ruin. My mind hath remembered, going back to former time, when I had an advocate, to the time of the gods, and of the Ibis god, and of the chief Kurheb priest Iamhetep, FN number 172, the son of Ta of his southern wall. FN number 166, Cheezer was a king of the Yurd dynasty, and is famous as the builder of the steppe pyramid at Sakara. His tomb was discovered by Mr. J. Garstang at Bet Kalaf in Upper Egypt in 1901. FN number 167 i.e. the people who were in front of, that is, to the south of Egypt, or the population of the country which lies between Dhaka and Aswan. FN number 168, the ancient Egyptian name for Elephantine Island, which appears to have gained this name because it resembled an elephant in shape. FN number 169 i.e. the palace. FN number 170 i.e. risen. 
FN number 171, i.e., the high court officials and administrators. FN number 172, the famous priest and magician, who was subsequently deified and became one of the chief gods of Memphis. Where is the place of birth of Happy, the Nile? What god or what goddess presideth? Over it? What manner of form hath he? It is he who establisheth revenue for me, and a full store of grain. I would go to the chief of Hetseket, FN number 173, whose beneficence strengtheneth all men in their works. I would enter into the house of life, FN number 174, I would unfold the written rolls therein, and I would lay my hand upon them. FN number 173, Hermopolis. FN number 174, Prank, or Pike, was a name given to one of the temple colleges of priests and scribes. Then Mutar set out on his journey, and he returned to me straightway. He gave me instruction concerning the increase of happy, FN number 175, and told me all things which men had written concerning it, and he revealed to me the secret doors, whereto my ancestors had badekin themselves quickly, the like of which has never been to any king since the time of Are. And he said unto me, There is a city in the middle of the stream wherefrom happy mocketh his appearance. Abu, FN number 176, was its name in the beginning. It is the city of the beginning, and it is the gnome of the city of the beginning. It reacheth to Yuyue, FN number 177, which is the beginning of the land. There is too a flight of steps, FN number 178, which reareth itself to a great height, and is the support of Are, when he mocketh his calculation to prolong life to everyone. Nechem Chemank, FN number 179, is the name of its abode. The two Kurdi, FN number 180, is the name of the water, and they are the two breasts from which every good thing cometh forth. FN number 175, i.e., the inundation, or now flood. FN number 176, the elephant city, i.e., elephantine. FN number 177, a portion of northern Nubia. FN number 178, this is probably an allusion to the famous Nilometer on the island of Philae. FN number 179 i.e. Sweet, sweet life. FN number 180, the Kurdi were the two openings through which the Nile entered this world from the great celestial ocean. Here is the bed of happy, the Nile, wherein he reneweth his youth, in his season, wherein he causeth the flooding of the land. He cometh and hath union as he journeyeth, as a man hath union with a woman. And again he playeth the part of a husband and satisfieth his desire. He riseth to the height of twenty-eight cubits at Abu, and he droppeth at Esamabahudit, FN number 181, to seven cubits. The union? There is that of the god Knema in Abu. He smitteth the ground with his sandals, and its fullness becometh abundant. He openeth the bolt of the door with his hand, and he throweth open the double door of the opening through which the water cometh. FN number 181, Diospolis of Lower Egypt, or Thebes of the North. Moreover, he dwelleth there in the form of the god Shu, FN number 182, as one who is lord over his own territory, and his homestead, the name of which is Aa, i.e., the island. There he keepeth an account of the products of the land of the south and of the land of the north, in order to give unto every god his proper share, and he letteth to each, the metals, and the precious stones, and the four-footed beasts, and the feathered fowl, and the fish, and everything whereon they live, and the cord for the measuring of the land, 
and the tablet whereon the register is kept are there. FN number 182, the god who separated the sky goddess Nut from the embrace of her husband, the earth god Keb, and who holds her above him each day. And there is an edifice of wood there, with the portals thereof formed of reeds, wherein he dwelleth as one who is over his own territory, and he mocketh the foliage of the trees, to serve as a roof. His godhouse hath an opening towards the southeast, and R.A., or the sun, standeth immediately opposite thereto every day. The stream which floweth along the south side thereof hath danger, for him that attacketh it, and it hath as a defense a wall which entereth into the region of the men of Kens, FN number 183, on the south. Huge mountains, filled with, masses of stone are round about its domain on the east side, and shut it in. Thither come the quarrymen with things, tools, of every kind, when they seek to build a house for any god in the land of the south, or in the land of the north, or shrines, as abodes for sacred animals, or royal pyramids, and statues of all kinds. They stand up in front of the house of the god and in the sanctuary chamber, and their sweet-smelling offerings are presented before the face of the god Kinema during his circuit, even as, when they bring garden herbs and flowers of every kind. The four parts thereof are in Abu, Elephantine, and the hind parts are in the city of Sunt. FN number 184, one portion thereof is on the east side, FN number 185, of the river, and another portion is on the west side, FN number 186, of the river, and another portion is in the middle, FN number 187, of the river. The stream decketh the region with its waters during a certain season of the year and it is a place of delight for every man. And works are carried on among these quarries, which are on the edges of the river. For the stream immediately fasteth this city of Abu itself, and there existeth the granite, the substance whereof is hard, stone of Abu it is called. FN number 183, Kens extended south from Philae as far as Carrasco. FN number 184, perhaps Sunnet, equals the Syene of the Greeks, and that HBW Suena of the Hebrews. FN number 185, i.e. Syene. FN number 186, i.e. Contra Syene. FN number 187, i.e. The Island of Elephantine. Here is, a list of the names of the gods who dwell in the divine house of Kneme. The goddess of the star sept, Sothis, the goddess Ankit, Hap, the Nile god, Shu, Keb, Nut, Osiris, Horus, Isis, and Nephthys. Here are, the names of the stones which lie in the heart of the mountains, some on the east side, some on the west side, and some in the midst of the stream of Abu. They exist in the heart of Abu, they exist in the country on the east bank, and in the country on the west bank, and in the midst of the stream, namely. Bikinstone, Mary, or Meli stone, Apicab? Stone, Rake stone, and White Uchi stone, these are found on the east bank. Prachani stone is found on the west bank and the Teshi stone in the river. Here are the names of the hard or hidden precious stones, which are found in the upper side, among them being the stone, the name, FN number 188, of which hath spread abroad through a space of, for a trim measures, gold, silver, copper, iron, lapis lazuli, emerald, the hen, crystal, kenum, ruby, kai, menu, betka, temi, na. The following come forth from the four part, FN number 189, of the land Mehi stone, He Maki stone, Abhidi stone, iron ore, alabaster for statues, mother of emerald, 
antimony seeds, or gum of the sahai plant seeds, or gum of the amum plant and seeds, or gum of the incense plant. These are found in the four parts of its double city. These were the things which I learned therefrom, i.e., from Matar. FN number 188, i.e., the stone was very famous. FN number 189, the for part or front of the land means the country lying to the south of Nubia, and probably some part of the modern Egyptian Sudan. Now my heart was very happy when I heard these things, and I entered into the temple of Knema. The overseers unrolled the documents which were fastened up, the water of purification was sprinkled upon me, a progress was made through the secret places, and a great offering, consisting of bread cakes, beer, geese, oxen, or bulls, and beautiful things of all kinds were offered to the gods and goddesses who dwell in Abu, whose names are proclaimed at the place, which is called Couch of the Heart in Life and Power. And I found the god standing in front of me, and I made him to be at peace with me by means of the thank-offering which I offered unto him, and I made prayer and supplication before him. Then he opened his eyes, and his heart was inclined to hear me, and his words were strong, when he said, I am Knema, FN number 190, who fashioned thee. My two hands were about thee and knitted together thy body, and made healthy thy members, and it is I who gave thee thy heart. Yet the minerals, or precious stones, lie under each other, and they have done so from olden time, and no man hath worked them in order to build the houses of the God, or to restore those which have fallen into ruin, or to hew out shrines for the gods of the south and of the north, or to do what he ought to do for his Lord, notwithstanding that I am the Lord and the Creator. FN number 190, he was the builder of men, maker of the gods, the father who was from the beginning, the maker of things which are, the creator of things which shall be, the source of things which exist, father of fathers, mother of mothers, father of the fathers of the gods and goddesses, Lord of created things, maker of heaven, earth, to it, water and mountains. Landzone, Dizionario, page 957. I am, he, who created himself, knew, the great God, who came into being at the beginning, and happy, who riseth according to his will, in order to give health to him that labyrinth for me. I am the director and guide of all men at their seasons, the most great, the father of the gods, Shu, the great one, the chief of the earth. The two halves of the sky, i.e., the east and the west, are as a habitation below me. A lake of water hath been poured out for me, namely, Hap, i.e., the Nile, which embraceth the field land, and his embrace provideth the means of life for. Twenty-one every knows, i.e., every one, according to the extent of his embrace of the field land. With old age cometh the condition of weakness. I will make Hap, i.e., the Nile, rise for thee, and in... No year shall he fail, and he shall spread himself out and rest upon every land. Green plants and herbs and trees shall bow beneath the weight of their produce. The goddess Renanet, FN number 191, shall be at the head of everything, and every product shall increase by hundreds of thousands, according to the cubit of the year. The people shall be filled, verily to their heart's desire. And everyone. Misery shall pass away and the emptiness of their storehouses of grain shall come to an end. The land of Tamart, i.e. Egypt, shall come to be a region of cultivated land, the districts thereof shall be yellow with grain crops, and the grain thereof shall be goodly. And fertility shall come according to the desire of the people, 
more than there hath ever been before. FN number 191, The Goddess of the Harvest. Then I woke up at, the mention of, crops, my heart, or courage, came back, and was equal to my former despair, and I made the following decree in the temple of my father Knimu. The king giveth an offering to Knimu, FN number 192, the lord of the city of Kebet, FN number 193, the governor of Tosti, FN number 194, in return for those things which thou hast done for me. There shall be given unto thee on thy right hand, the river bank, of Manu, FN number 195, and on thy left hand the river bank of Abu, together with the land about the city, for a space of twenty measures, FN number 196, on the east side and on the west side, with the gardens, and the riverfront. Everywhere throughout the region included in these measures. From every husbandman who tilleth the ground, and mocketh to live again the slain, and placeth water upon the river banks and all the islands which are in front of the region of these measures, shall be demanded a further contribution from the growing crops and from every storehouse, as thy share. FN number 192, or perhaps, Knimare. FN number 193, Kepit is the name given to the whole region of the first cataract. FN number 194, the land of the Baal, i.e., the northern Sudan. FN number 195, the land of the setting sun, the west. FN number 196, Skoinos. Whatsoever is caught in the nets by every fisherman and by every fowler, and whatsoever is taken by the catchers of fish, and by the snarers of birds, and by every hunter of wild animals, and by every man who snareth lions in the mountains, when these things enter the city, one-tenth of them shall be demanded. And of all the calves which are cast throughout the regions which are included in these measures, one-tenth of their number, shall be set apart as animals which are sealed for all the burnt offerings which are offered up daily. And moreover, the gift of one-tenth shall be levied upon the gold, ivory, ebony, spices, carnelians, assay wood, sesh spice, dumb palm fruit, neff wood, and upon woods and products of every kind whatsoever, which the Kentiu, FN number 197, and the Kentiu of Henrisu, FN number 198, and the Egyptians, and every person whatsoever, shall bring in. FN number 197, the inhabitants of the northern Sudan, probably as far to the south as Napata. FN number 198, the people of the island of Mero, and probably those living on the Blue and White Niles. And every hand shall pass them by, and no officer of the revenue whatsoever shall utter a word beyond these places to demand, or levy on, things from them, or to take things over and above, those which are intended for, thy capital city. And I will give unto thee the land belonging to the city, which beareth stones, and good land for cultivation. Nothing thereof shall be diminished or withheld. Of all these things in order to deceive the scribes, and the revenue officers, and the inspectors of the king, on whom it shall be incumbent to certify everything. And further, I will cause the masons, and the hewers of ore, and the workers in metal, and the smelters, of gold, and the sculptors in stone, and the ore crushers, and the furnace men, and handicraftsmen of every kind whatsoever, who work in hewing, and cutting, and polishing these stones, and in gold, and silver, and copper, and lead, and every worker in wood who shall cut down any tree, or carry on a trade of any kind, or work which is connected with the wood trade, to pay tithe upon all the natural products, and also upon the hard stones which are brought from their beds above, and 
quarried stones of all kinds. And there shall be an inspector over the weighing of the gold, and silver, and copper, and real, i.e. precious stones, and the other things, which the metalworkers require for the house of gold. And the sculptors of the images of the gods need in the making and repairing of them, and these things shall be exempted from tithing, and the workmen also. And everything shall be delivered, or given, in front of the storehouse to their children, a second time, for the protection of everything. And whatsoever is before thy godhouse shall be in abundance, just as it hath ever been from the earliest time. And a copy of this decree shall be inscribed upon a steel, which shall be set up, in the holy place, according to the writing of the original, document which is cut upon wood, and figures of, this god and the overseers of the temple shall be, cut thereon. Whosoever shall spit upon that which is on it shall be admonished by the rope. And the overseers of the priests, and every overseer of the people of the house of the god, shall ensure the perpetuation of my name in the house of the god Knimare, the lord of Abu, Elephantine, forever. The legend of the death of Horus through the sting of a scorpion, and of his resurrection through Thoth, and other magical texts. I. Incantations against reptiles and noxious creatures in general. Get thee back, Apep, thou enemy of Are, thou whining serpent in the form of an intestine, without arms, and without legs. Thy body cannot stand upright so that thou mayest have therein being, long as thy, FN number 199, tail in front of thy den, thou enemy, retreat before Are thy head shall be cut off, and the slaughter of thee shall be carried out. Thou shalt not lift up thy face, for his, i.e., Ra's, flame is in thy accursed soul. The odor which is in his chamber of slaughter is in thy members, and thy form shall be overthrown by the slaughtering knife of the great god. The spell of the scorpion goddess Cirque driveth back thy might. Stand still, stand still, and retreat through her spell. FN number 199, literally. His. Be vomited, O poison, I adjure thee to come forth on the earth. Horus uttereth a spell over thee, Horus hacketh thee in pieces, he spitteth upon thee. Thou shalt not rise up towards heaven, but shalt totter downwards, O feeble one, without strength, cowardly, unable to fight, blind, without eyes, and with thine head turned upside down. Lift not up thy face. Get thee back quickly, and find not the way. Lie down in despair, rejoice not, retreat speedily, and show not thy face because of the speech of Horus, who is perfect in words of power. The poison rejoiced but the heart, s, of many were very sad thereat. Horus hath smitten it with his magical spells, and he who was in sorrow is, now, in joy. Stand still then, O thou who art in sorrow, for, Horus hath been endowed with life. He coineth charged, appearing himself to overthrow the sea fiends which bite. All men when they see are praise the son of Osiris. Get thee back, worm and draw out thy poison which is in all the members of him that is under the knife. Verily the might of the word of power of Horus is against thee. Vomit thou, O enemy, get thee back, O poison. 9. The chapter of casting a spell on the cat. Recite the following formula. Hail, Are, come to thy daughter. A scorpion hath stung her on a lonely road. Her cry hath penetrated the heights of heaven and is heard along the paths the poison hath entered into her body, and circulateth through her flesh. She hath set her mouth against it wink with a frown fn number 200, verily the poison is in her members. 
FN number 200 i.e. she hath directed her words against it. Come then with thy strength, with thy fierce attack, and with thy red powers, and force it to be hidden before thee. Behold, the poison hath entered into all the members of this cat which is under my fingers. Be not afraid, be not afraid, my daughter, my splendor, for I have set myself near, or behind thee. I have overthrown the poison which is in all the limbs of this cat. O thou cat, thy head is the head of Are, the lord of the two lands, the smiter of the rebellious peoples. Thy, FN number 201, fear is in all lands, O lord of the living, lord of eternity. O thou cat, thy two eyes are the eye of the lord of the Cuturius, who illumineth the two lands with his eye, and illumineth the face on the path of darkness. O thou cat, thy nose is the nose of Thoth, the twice great, lord of Kemenu, Hermopolis, the chief of the two lands of Are, who putteth breath into the nostrils of every person. O thou cat, thine ears are the ears of Nebuchadnezzar, who hearkeneth unto the voice of all persons when they appeal to him, and weigheth words, i.e., judgeth, in all the earth. O thou cat, thy mouth is the mouth of Tem, the Lord of life, the uniters, of creation, who hath caused the union. Of creation, he shall deliver thee from every poison. O thou cat, thy neck, Nehet, is the neck of Nehebka, president of the great house, vivifier of men and women by means of the mouth of his two arms. O thou cat, thy breast is the breast of Thoth, the Lord of truth, who hath given to thee breath to refresh thy throat, and hath given breath to that which is therein. O thou cat, thy heart is the heart of the god Ta, who healeth thy heart of the evil poison which is in all thy limbs. O thou cat, thy hands twenty-five are the hands of the great company of the gods and the little company of the gods and they shall deliver thy hand from the poison from the mouth of every serpent. O thou cat, thy belly is the belly of Osiris, lord of Busiris, the poison shall not work any of its wishes in thy belly. O thou cat, thy thighs are the thighs of the god Menthu, who shall make thy thighs to stand up, and shall bring the poison to the ground. O thou cat, thy leg bones are the leg bones of Kensu, FN number 202, who traveleth over all the two lands by day and by night and shall lead the poison to the ground. O thou cat, thy legs, or feet, are the legs of Amen the Great, Horus, Lord of Thebes, who shall establish thy feet on the earth, and shall overthrow the poison. O thou cat, thy haunches are the haunches of Horus, the avenger, or advocate, of his father Osiris, and they shall place set in the evil which he hath wrought. O thou cat, thy souls are the souls of Are, who shall make the poison to return to the earth. O thou cat, thy bowels are the bowels of the cow goddess Merit, who shall overthrow and cut in pieces the poison which is in thy belly and in all the members in thee, and in all the members of the gods in heaven, and in all the members of the gods on earth, and shall overthrow every poison in thee. There is no member in thee without the goddess who shall overthrow and cut in pieces the poison of every male serpent, and every female serpent, and every scorpion, and every reptile which may be in any member of this cat which is under the knife. Verily Isis weaveth and Nephthys spinneth against the poison. This woven garment strengtheneth this, being, i.e., Horus, who is perfect in words of power, through the speech of Areherakudi, the great god, president of the south and north. O evil poison which is in any member of this cat which is under the knife, come, issue forth upon the earth. FN number 201, literally. His. FN number 202, he was the messenger of the gods, and traveled across the sky under the form of the moon, 
he sometimes appears as a form of thoth. Another chapter. Say the following words. O-R-A-Kudi, come to thy daughter. O-Shu, come to thy wife. O-Isis, come to thy sister, and deliver her from the evil poison which is in all her members. Hail, O ye gods, come ye and overthrow ye the evil poison which is in all the members of the cat which is under the knife. Hail, O age one, who renewest thy youth in thy season, thou old man who makest thyself to be a boy, grant thou that Thoth may come to me at the sound of my voice, and behold, let him turn back from me Nitator. Osiris is on the water, the eye of Horus is with him. A great beetle spreadeth himself over him, great by reason of his grasp, produced by the gods from a child. He who is over the water appeareth in a healthy form. If he who is over the water shall be approached, or attacked, the eye of Horus, which weepeth, shall be approached. Get ye back, O ye who dwell in the water, crocodiles, fish, that enemy, male dead person and female dead person, male fiend and female fiend, of every kind whatsoever, lift not up your faces, O ye who dwell in the waters, ye crocodiles and fish. When Osiris journeyeth over you, permit ye him to go to Busiris. Let your nostrils be closed, your throats stopped up. Get ye back, Saba fiends! Lift ye not up your faces against him that is on the water. Osiris Ari, riseth up in his boat to look at the gods of Kurahat, and the lords of the Tuat stand up to slay thee when thou comest, O Nahar, against Osiris. When he is on the water the eye of Horus is over him to turn your faces upside down and to set you on your backs. Hail, ye who dwell in the water, crocodiles and fish, Are shutteth up your mouths, Seket stoppeth up your throats, Thoth cutteth out your tongues, and Kant, Hika blindeth your eyes. These are the four great gods who protect Osiris by their magical power, and they effect the protection of him that is on the water, of men and women of every kind, and of beasts and animals of every kind which are on the water by day. Protected are those who dwell in the waters, protected is the sky wherein is Are. Protected is the great God who is in the sarcophagus. Protected is he who is on the water. A voice, which, creeth loudly is in the house of Net, Neath, a loud voice is in the great house, a great outcry from the mouth of the cat. The gods and the goddesses say, What is it? What is it? It concerneth the ab to fish which is born. Make to retreat from me thy footsteps, O Seba fiend. I am Knimu, the lord of hurt. Guard thyself again from the attack which is repeated, besides this which thou hast done in the presence of the great company of the gods. Get thee back, retreat thou from me. I am the god. O, 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 Are, hast thou not heard the voice which cried out loudly until the evening on the bank of Nedit, the voice of all the gods and goddesses which cried out loudly, the outcry concerning the wickedness which thou hast done, O wicked Seba fiend? Verily the Lord Are thundered and growled thereat and he ordered thy slaughter to be carried out. Get thee back, Saba fiend! Hail! Hail! 2. The Narrative of Isis I am Isis, and I have come forth from the dwelling, or prison, wherein my brother Set placed me. Behold the god Thoth, the great god, the chief of Mot, FN number 203, both, in heaven and on the earth, said unto me, Come now, O Isis, thou goddess, moreover it is a good thing to hearken. FN number 204, for there is life to one who shall be guided by the advice of another. Hide thou thyself with thy son the child, 
and there shall come unto him these things. His members shall grow, FN number 205, and twofold strength of every kind shall spring up in him. And he shall be made to take his seat upon the throne of his father, whom he shall avenge, FN number 206, and he shall take possession of the exalted position of Hec, FN number 207, of the two lands. FN number 208. FN number 203, i.e. law or truth. FN number 204 or obey. FN number 205, i.e. flourish. FN number 206, he avenged his father Osiris by vanquishing Set. FN number 207, i.e. tribal chief. FN number 208, i.e. upper and lower Egypt. I came forth from the dwelling at the time of evening, and there came forth the seven scorpions which were to accompany me and to strike for me with their stings. Two scorpions, Tephan and Bifen, were behind me, two scorpions, Mestet and Mestetef, were by my side, and three scorpions, Petet, the Tet, and Matet, or Martet, were for preparing the road for me. I charged them very strictly, or in a loud voice, and my words penetrated into their ears. Have no knowledge of any, make no cry to the Teshra beings, and pay no attention to the son of a man, i.e. anyone, who belongeth to a man of no account. And I said, Let your faces be turned towards the ground, that ye may show me the way. So the guardian of the company brought me to the boundaries of the city of Pasway, FN number 209, the city of the goddesses of the divine sandals, which was situated in front of the papyrus swamps, FN number 210, FN number 209, the house of the crocodile, perhaps the same town as Pasibekt a district in the Vith Nome of Lower Egypt, Metalites. FN number 210, perhaps a district in the Metalite Nome. When I had arrived at the place where the people lived, FN number 211, I came to the houses wherein dwelt the wives and husbands. And a certain woman of quality spied me as I was journeying along the road, and she shut her doors on me. Now she was sick at heart by reason of those scorpions which were with me. Then the seven scorpions took counsel concerning her, and they all at one time shot out their venom on the tail of the scorpion Tefan. As for me, the woman Taha, FN number 212, opened her door, and I entered into the house of the miserable lady. FN number 211, in Egyptian Teb, which may be the Tebu in the Metalite Nome. FN number 212, Taha may be the name of a woman, or goddess, or the word may mean a dweller in the swamps, as Golnashef thinks. Then the scorpion Tefan entered in under the leaves of the door and smote, i.e. stung, the son of Yuzert, and a fire broke out in the house of Yuzert, and there was no water there to extinguish it. But the sky rained upon the house of Yuzert, though it was not the season for rain. FN number 213. FN number 213, i.e., it was not the season of the inundation. Behold, the heart of her who had not opened her door to me was grievously sad, for she knew not whether he, i.e., her son, would live, or not, and although she went round about through her town uttering cries for help, there was none who came at the sound of her voice. Now mine own heart was grievously sad for the sake of the child, and I wished to make to live, again, him that was free from fault. Thereupon, I cried out to the noble lady, Come to me! Come to me! Verily my mouth possesseth life! I am a daughter, well, known in her town, 
and I can destroy the demon of death by the spell, or utterance, which my father taught me to know. I am his daughter, the beloved offspring of his body. Then Isis placed her two hands on the child in order to make to live him whose throat was stopped, and she said, O poison of the scorpion tephant, come forth and appear on the ground. Thou shalt neither enter nor penetrate, further into the body of the child. O poison of the scorpion befent, come forth and appear on the ground. I am Isis, the goddess, the lady, or mistress, of words of power, and I am the maker of words of power, i.e. spells, and I know how to utter words with magical effect. FN number 214, hearken ye unto me, O every reptile which possesseth the power to bite, i.e. to sting, and fall headlong to the ground. O poison of the scorpion mestet, make no advance into his body. O poison of the scorpion mestetef, rise not up in his body. O poison of the scorpion's pedit and the tet, penetrate not into his body. O poison of the scorpion matet or martet, fall down on the ground. FN number 214 By uttering spells Isis restored life to her husband Osiris for a season, and so became with child by him. She made a magical figure of a reptile, and having endowed it with life, it stung Are as he passed through the sky, and the great god almost died. In Greek times it was believed that she discovered a medicine which would raise the dead, and she was reputed to be a great expert in the art of healing men's sicknesses. As a goddess she appeared to the sick and cured them. Here follows the chapter of the stinging of scorpions. And Isis, the goddess, the great mistress of spells, or words of power, she who was at the head of the gods, unto whom the god Keb gave his own magical spells for the driving away of poison at noonday, and for making poison to go back, and retreat, and withdraw, and go backward, spake, saying, Ascend not into heaven, through the command of the beloved one of Are, the egg of the smen goose which cometh forth from the sycamore. Verily my words are made to command the uttermost limit of the night. I speak unto you, O scorpions, I am alone and in sorrow because our names will suffer disgrace throughout the gnomes. Do not make love, do not cry out to the teshrafines, and cast no glances upon the noble ladies in their houses. Turn your faces towards the earth and find out the road, so that we may arrive at the hidden places in the town of Ket. FN number 215, O the child shall live and the poison die. Are liveth and the poison dieth. Verily Horus shall be in good case, or healthy, for his mother Isis. Verily he who is stricken shall be in good case likewise. FN number 215, the island of chemists of classical writers. And the fire, which was in the house of Uzert, was extinguished, and heaven was satisfied with the utterance of Isis, the goddess. Then the lady Uzert came, and she brought unto me her possessions, and she filled the house of the woman Ta, for the Kav Ta, because she had opened to me her door. Now the lady Uzert suffered pain and anguish the whole night, and her mouth tasted, i.e. felt, the sting, which her son, had suffered. And she brought her possessions as the penalty for not having opened the door to me. Oh, the child shall live and the poison die. Verily Horus shall be in good case for his mother Isis. Verily everyone who is stricken shall be in good case likewise. Lo, a bread cake made of barley meal shall drive out, or destroy the poison, and natron shall make it to withdraw, and the fire made of hetchet plant shall drive out, or destroy fever heat from the limbs. 
O Isis, O Isis, come thou to thy Horus, O thou woman of the wise mouth. Come to thy son. Thus cried the gods who dwelt in her quarter of the town. For he is as one whom a scorpion has stung, and like one whom the scorpion Yehut, which the animal Antesh drove away, hath wounded. Then Isis ran out like one who had a knife stuck in her body, and she opened her arms wide, saying, Behold me, behold me, my son Horus, have no fear, have no fear, O son my glory. No evil thing of any kind whatsoever shall happen unto thee, for there is in thee the essence, or fluid, which made the things which exist. Thou art the son from the country of Mesket, FN number 216, thou hast come forth from the celestial waters mu, and thou shalt not die by the heat of the poison. Thou wast the great Benu, FN number 217, who art born, or produced, or the top of the balsam trees, FN number 218, which are in the house of the aged one in Anu, Heliopolis. Thou art the brother of the Ab to fish, FN number 219, who orderest what is to be, and art the nursling of the cat. FN number 220, who dwelleth in the house of Neith. The goddess Reret, FN number 221, the goddess Hat, and the god best protect thy members. Thy head shall not fall to the chat fiend that attacketh thee. Thy members shall not receive the fire of that which is thy poison. Thou shalt not go backwards on the land, and thou shalt not be brought low on the water. No reptile which biteth, or stingeth, shall gain the mastery over thee and no lion shall subdue thee or have dominion over thee. Thou art the son of the sublime God 82 who proceeded from Keb. Thou art Horus, and the poison shall not gain the mastery over thy members. Thou art the son of the sublime God who proceeded from Keb, and thus likewise shall it be with those who are under the knife. And the four august goddesses shall protect thy members. FN number 216 Mesket was originally the name of the bull's skin in which the deceased was wrapped in order to secure for him the now life. Later the name was applied to the other world generally. See Book of the Dead, Chapter 17. 121. FN number 217, The Benu Who Kept the Book of Destiny. See Book of the Dead, Chapter 17. 25. FN number 218, These are the balsam trees for which Heliopolis has been always famous. They are described by Wanselbin, Listor de Laidlis, pages 88-93, to and by ABD Al-Latif, edition de Sacy, page 88. FN number 219, the Abtu and Antfishes swam before the boat of R.A. and guided it. FN number 220, this is the cat who lived by the Persea tree in Heliopolis. See Book of the Dead, chapter 17. 18. FN number 221, a hippopotamus goddess. Here the narrative is interrupted by the following texts. I am, he who rolleth up into the sky, and who goeth down, i.e. setteth, in the tuit, whose form is in the house of height, through whom when he openeth his eye the light cometh into being, and when he closeth his eye it becometh night. I am, the water god Het when he giveth commands, whose name is unknown to the gods. I illumine the two lands, night betacketh itself to flight, and I shine by day and by night. FN number 222, I am the bull of Baca, FN number 223, and the lion of Manu, FN number 224. I am he who traverseth the heavens by day and by night without being repulsed. I have come eighty-five by reason of the voice, or cry, of the son of Isis.
Verily the blind serpent now hath bitten the bull. O thou poison which floweth through every member of him that is under the knife, come forth, I charge thee, upon the ground. Behold, he that is under the knife shall not be bitten. Thou art Menu, the lord of Koptos, the child of the white shat, FN number 225, which is in Anu, Heliopolis, which was bitten by a reptile. O Menu, lord of Koptos, give thou air unto him that is under the knife, and air shall be given to thee. Hail, divine father and minister of the god Nebin, called Mertem, son of the divine father and minister of the god Nebin, scribe of the water god Het, called Anksemtek, Sik, son of the lady of the house Tenthetnub. He restored this inscription after he had found it in a ruined state in the temple of Osiris Nevis, because he wished to make to live her name, and to give air unto him that is under the knife, and to give life unto the ancestors of all the gods. And his lord Osiris Nevis shall make long his life with happiness of heart, and shall give him a beautiful burial after, attaining to an old age, because of what he hath done for the temple of Osiris Nevis. FN number 222, i.e. always. FN number 223, the land of the sunrise, the east. FN number 224, the land of the sunset, the west. FN number 225, perhaps an animal of the lynx class. 89. Horus was bitten, i.e. stung, in Seketon, to the north of Hetephemt, whilst his mother Isis was in the celestial houses making a libation for her brother Osiris. And Horus sent forth his cry into the horizon, and it was heard by those who were in. Thereupon the keepers of the doors who were in the temple of the holy acacia tree started up at the voice of Horus. And one sent forth a cry of lamentation, and heaven gave the order that Horus was to be healed. And the gods took counsel, together, concerning the life of Horus, saying, O goddess Pi, O god Aston, who dwellest in Aetikus, FN number 226 Thy. Enter in, Lord of Sleep. The child Horus. O, oh, O, oh, bring thou the things which are thine to cut off the poison which is in every member of Horus, the son of Isis, and which is in every member of him that is under the knife likewise. FN number 226. The text appears to be corrupt in this passage. 101. A hymn of praise to Horus to glorify him which is to be said one hundred and two over the waters and over the land. Thus speaketh and this God reciteth the following. Homage to thee, God, son of a God. Homage to thee, heir, son of an heir. Homage to thee, bull, son of a bull, who was brought forth by a holy goddess. Homage to thee, Horus, who comest forth from Osiris, and was brought forth by the goddess Isis. I recite thy words of power. I speak with thy magical utterance. I pronounce a spell in thine own words, which thy heart hath created, and all the spells and incantations which have come forth from thy mouth, which thy father kept commanded thee, to recite, and thy mother not gave to thee, and the majesty of the governor of Sechem taught thee to make use of for thy protection, in order to double, or repeat, thy protective formulae, to shut the mouth of every reptile which is in heaven and on the earth and in the waters, to make men and women to live, to make the gods to be at peace with thee, and to make our aid to employ his magical spells through thy chance of praise. Come to me this day, quickly, quickly, as thou workest the paddle of the boat of the god. Drive thou away from me every lion on the plain, and every crocodile in the waters, and all mouths which bite, 
or sting, in their holes. Make thou them before me like the stone of the mountain, like a broken pot lying about in a quarter of the town. Dig thou out from me the poison which riseth and is in every member of him that is under the knife. Keep thou watch over him. By means of thy words. Verily let thy name be invoked this day. Let thy power, kafal, come into being in him. Exalt thou thy magical powers. Make me to live in him whose throat is closed up. Then shall mankind give thee praise, and the righteous shall give thanks unto thy forms. And all the gods likewise shall invoke thee, and in truth thy name shall be invoked this day. I am Horus of Shet Enu. O thou who art in the cavern, FN number 227, O thou who art in the cavern. O thou who art at the mouth of the cavern. O thou who art on the way, O thou who art on the way. O thou who art at the mouth of the way. He is a Mernevis, who approacheth every man and every beast. He is like the god Sep who is in Anu, Heliopolis. He is the scorpion dash, God, who is in the great house, Hekuar. Bite him not, for he is Ari, sting him not, for he is Thoth. Shoot ye not your poison over him, for he is Nefertem. O every male serpent, O every female serpent, O every Antesh scorpion, which bite with your mouths, and sting with your tails, bite ye him not with your mouths, and sting ye him not with your tails. Get ye afar off from him, make ye not your fire to be against him, for he is the son of Osiris. Vomit ye. Say four times. I am Thoth, I have come from heaven to make protection of Horus, and to drive away the poison of the scorpion which is in every member of Horus. Thy head is to thee, Horus, it shall be stable under the Urit crown. Thine eye is to thee, Horus, for thou art Horus, the son of Keb, the lord of the two eyes, in the midst of the company of the gods. Thy nose is to thee, Horus, for thou art Horus the elder, the son of Are, and thou shalt not inhale the fiery wind. Thine arm is to thee, Horus, great is thy strength to slaughter the enemies of thy father. Thy two thighs, FN number 228, are to thee, Horus. Receive thou the rank and dignity of thy father Osiris. Ta hath balanced for thee thy mouth on the day of thy birth. Thy heart, or breast, is to thee, Horus, and the disc mocketh thy protection. Thine eye is to thee, Horus, thy right eye is like Shu, and thy left eye like Tefnut, who are the children of Are thy belly is to thee, Horus, and the children are the gods who are therein, and they shall not receive the essence, or fluid, of the scorpion. Thy strength is to thee, Horus, and the strength of Set shall not exist against thee. Thy phallus is to thee, Horus, and thou art Kamutef, the protector of his father, who mocketh an answer for his children in the course of every day. Thy thighs are to thee, Horus, and thy strength shall slaughter the enemies of thy father. Thy calves are to thee, Horus, the god Kinema hath builded them, and the goddess Isis hath covered them with flesh. The soles of thy feet are to thee, Horus, and the nations who fight with the bow, Petty, fall under thy feet. Thou rulest the south, north, west, and east, and thou sayest like R.A. say four times. And likewise him that is under the knife. FN number 227, or den or hole. FN number 228, we ought, perhaps, to translate this as. Forearms. Beautiful God, Senechmabare Satep Dash, and, Amen, Son of Are, Nekaru Hebit, thou art protected, and the gods and goddesses are protected, and conversely. 
beautiful God, Senichmabare Setep Dash, N, Are, son of Are, Nekaruhebet, thou art protected, and Harishet, Inu, the great God, is protected, and conversely. Another chapter like unto it. Fear not, fear not, O Bast, the strong of heart, at the head of the holy field, the mighty one among all the gods, nothing shall gain the mastery over thee. Come thou outside, following my speech, or, mouth, O evil poison which is in all the members of the lion, or, cat, which is under the knife. The narrative of the stinging of Horus by a scorpion is continued thus. I am Isis, who conceived a child by her husband, and she became heavy with Horus, the divine child. I gave birth to Horus, the son of Osiris, in a nest of papyrus plants. FN number 229, I rejoiced exceedingly over this, because I saw, in him one, who would make answer for his father. I hid him, and I concealed him through fear of that fiend. FN number 230, I went away to the city of Am, where, the people gave thanks for me, through their, fear of my making trouble, for them. I passed the day in seeking to provide food for the child, and on returning to take Horus into my arms I found him, Horus, the beautiful one of gold, the boy, the child, without life. He had bedewed the ground with the water of his eye, and with foam from his lips. His body was motionless, his heart was powerless to move, and the sinews, or muscles, of his members were helpless. I sent forth a cry, saying, FN number 229, or Ate, the papyrus swamp. FN number 230, i.e. set. I, even I, lack a son to make answer for me. FN number 231, my two breasts are full to overflowing, but my body is empty. My mouth wished for that which concerned him. FN number 232, a cistern of water and a stream of the inundation was I. The child was the desire of my heart, and I longed to protect him. I carried him in my womb, I gave birth to him, I endured the agony of the birth pangs, I was all alone, and the great ones were afraid of disaster, and to come out at the sound of my voice. My father is in the tuit, FN number 233, my mother is in a kurt, FN number 234, and my elder brother is in the sarcophagus. Think of the enemy and of how prolonged was the wrath of his heart against me, when I, the great lady, was in his house. FN number 231, i.e., to be my advocate. FN number 232, literally. His thing. FN number 233, Tut is a very ancient name of the other world, which was situated either parallel with Egypt or across the celestial ocean which surrounded the world. FN number 234, the perfect place, i.e., the other world. I cried then, saying, Who among the people will indeed let their hearts come round to me? I cried then to those who dwelt in the papyrus swamps, or, Ate, and they inclined to me straightway. And the people came forth to me from their houses, and they thronged about me at the sound of my voice, and they loudly bewailed with me the greatness of my affliction. There was no man there who set restraint. On his mouth, every person among them lamented with great lamentation. There was none there who knew how to make my child to live. And there came forth unto me a woman who was, well, known in her city, a lady who was mistress of her own estate. FN number 235, she came forth to me. Her mouth possessed life, and her heart was filled with the matter which was therein. And she said, Fear not, fear not, O son Horus. Be not cast down, be not cast down, O mother of the God. 
The child of the olive tree is by the mountain of his brother, the bush is hidden, and no enemy shall enter therein. The word of power of Tem, the father of the gods, who is in heaven, mocketh to live. Set shall not enter into this region, he shall not go round about it. The marsh of Horus of the olive tree is by the mountain of his brother, those who are in his following shall not at any time. It. This shall happen to him, Horus shall live for his mother, and shall salute her with his mouth. A scorpion hath smitten, i.e. stung him, and the reptile Aunab hath wounded him. FN number 235, or perhaps, a lady who was at the head of her district. Then Isis placed her nose in his mouth, FN number 236, so that she might know whether he who was in his coffin breathed, and she examined the wound, FN number 237, of the air of the god, and she found that there was poison in it. She threw her arms round him, and then quickly she leaped about with him like fish when they are laid upon the hot coals, saying, FN number 236, i.e., the mouth of Horus. FN number 237, literally, pain or disease. Horus is bitten, O.R.A. thy son is bitten, O Osiris. Horus is bitten, the flesh and blood of the air, the lord of the diadems, of the kingdoms of Shu. Horus is bitten, the boy of the marsh city of Atay, the child in the house of the prince. The beautiful child of gold is bitten, the babe hath suffered pain and is not. FN number 238, Horus is bitten, he the son of Unnefer, who was born of Auhmu. Horus is bitten, he in whom there was nothing abominable, the son, the youth among the gods. Horus is bitten, he for whose wants I prepared in abundance, for I saw that he would make answer, FN number 239, for his father. Horus is bitten, he for whom I had care, when he was, in the hidden woman, and for whom I was afraid when he was, in the womb of his mother. Horus is bitten, he whom I guarded to look upon. I have wished for the life of his heart. Calamity hath befallen the child on the water, and the child hath perished. FN number 238, he is nothing, i.e., he is dead. FN number 239, i.e., become an advocate for. Then came Nephthys shedding tears and uttering cries of lamentation, and going round about through the papyrus swamps. And Cirque came also and they said, Behold, behold, what hath happened to Horus, son of Isis, and who hath done it? Pray then to heaven, and let the mariners of Are cease their labors for a space, for the boat of Are cannot travel onwards, whilst son Horus leath dead on his place. And Isis sent forth her voice into heaven, and made supplication to the boat of millions of years, and the disc stopped, FN number 240, in its journeying, and moved not from the place whereon it rested. Then came forth Thoth, who is equipped with his spells, or, words of power, and possesseth the great word of command of Makeru, FN number 241, and said, What aileth thee, what aileth thee, O Isis, thou goddess who hast magical spells, whose mouth hath understanding? Assuredly no evil thing hath befallen thy son Horus, for the boat of Are hath him under its protection. I have come this day in the divine boat of the disc from the place where it was yesterday. Now darkness came and the light was destroyed, in order to heal Horus for his mother Isis and every person who is under the knife likewise. FN number 240, literally. Alighted. FN number 241, when a god or a man was declared to be Makeru. True of voice. Or. True of word. 
his power became illimitable. It gave him rule and authority, and every command uttered by him was immediately followed by the effect required. And Isis, the goddess, said, O Thoth, great things are in thy heart, but delay belongeth to thy plan. Hast thou come equipped with thy spells and incantations, and having the great formula of Makeru, and one spell after the other, the numbers whereof are not known? Verily Horus is in the cradle? Of the poison. Evil, evil is his case, death, and misery to the fullest extent. The cry of his mouth is towards his mother? I cannot bear to see these things in his train. My heart hath not rested because of them since the beginning? When I made haste to make answer for Horusare, placing myself on the earth, and since the day when I was taken possession of by him, I desired Nehebka. And Thoth said, Fear not, fear not, O goddess Isis, fear not, fear not, O Nephthys, and let not anxiety be to you. I have come from heaven having life to heal? The child for his mother, Horus is, Let thy heart be firm wink with a frown fn number 242, he shall not sink under the flame. Horus is protected as the dweller in his disc, fn number 243, who lighteth up the two lands by the splendor of his two eyes wink with a frown fn number 244, and he who is under the knife is likewise protected. Horus is protected as the firstborn son in heaven, fn number 245, who is ordained to be the guide of the things which exist and of the things which are not yet created, and he who under the knife is protected likewise. Horus is protected as that great dwarf, Nimu, FN number 246, who goeth round about the two lands in the darkness, and he who is under the knife is protected likewise. Horus is protected as the Lord in the night, who revolveth at the head of the land of the sunset, Manu, and he who is under the knife is protected likewise. Horus is protected as the mighty ram, FN number 247, who is hidden, and who goeth round about in front of his eyes, and he who is under the knife is protected likewise. Horus is protected as the great hawk, FN number 248, which flees through heaven, earth, and the other world to it, and he who is under the knife is protected likewise. Horus is protected as the holy beetle, the mighty, wings of which are at the head of the sky wink with a frown fn number 249, and he who is under the knife is protected likewise. Horus is protected as the hidden body, fn number 250, and as he whose mummy is in his sarcophagus, and he who is under the knife is protected likewise. Horus is protected, as the dweller in the other world, and in the two lands, who goeth round about those who are over hidden things, and he who is under the knife is protected likewise. Horus is protected as the divine Benu, FN number 251, who alighteth in front of his two eyes, and he who is under the knife is protected likewise. Horus is protected 230 in his own body, and the spells which his mother Isis hath woven protect him. Horus is protected by the names of his father, Osiris, in his forms in the gnomes wink with the frown FN number 252, and he who is under the knife is protected likewise. Horus is protected by the weeping of his mother, and by the cries of grief of his brethren, and he who is under the knife is protected likewise. Horus is protected by his own name and heart, and the gods go round about him to make his funeral bed, and he who is under the knife is protected likewise. FN number 242 i.e. Be of good courage. FN number 243 The Sun God 
FN number 244, The Sun and Moon. FN number 245, Osiris. FN number 246, Bess. FN number 247, Probably the Ram, Lord of Tatu, or the Ram of Mendez. FN number 248, Harubahudit. FN number 249, The Beetle of Kepera, a form of the sun god when he is about to rise on this earth. FN number 250, The Hidden Body is Osiris, who lay in his sarcophagus, with Isis and Nephthys weeping over it. FN number 251, The Benu was the soul of Are and the incarnation of Osiris. FN number 252, See the names of Osiris and his sanctuaries in chapter Xlai of the Book of the Dead. And Thoth said, Wake up, Horus! Thy protection is established. Make thou happy the heart of thy mother Isis. The words of Horus shall bind up hearts, he shall cause to be at peace him who is in affliction. Let your hearts be happy, O ye who dwell in the heavens, nut. Horus, he who hath avenged, or protected, his father shall cause the poison to retreat. Verily that which is in the mouth of Are shall go round about, i.e., circulate, and the tongue of the great god shall repulse opposition. The boat of Are standeth still, and traveleth not onwards. The disc is in the same place where it was yesterday to heal Horus for his mother Isis, and to heal him that is under the knife of his mother, FN number 253, likewise. Come to the earth, draw nigh, O boat of Are, make the boat to travel, O mariners of heaven, transport provisions. Of. Sechem, FN number 254, to heal Horus for his mother Isis, and to heal him that is under the knife of his mother likewise. Hasten away, O pain which is in the region round about, and let it, i.e. the boat, descend upon the place where it was yesterday to heal Horus for his mother Isis and to heal him that is under the knife of his mother likewise. Get thee round and round, O Balt! Fiend, without horns at the seasons, not seeing the forms through the shadow of the two eyes, to heal Horus for his mother Isis, and to heal him that is under the knife likewise. Be filled, O two halves of heaven, be empty, O papyrus roll, return, O life, into the living to heal Horus for his at mother Isis, and to heal him that is under the knife likewise. Come thou to earth, O poison. Let hearts be glad, and let radiance, or light, go round about. FN number 253, we should probably strike out the words, of his mother. FN number 254, the city in the delta called by the Greeks Letopolis. I am Thoth, FN number 255, the firstborn son, the son of Are, and Tem and the company of the gods have commanded me to heal Horus for his mother Isis and to heal him that is under the knife likewise. O Horus, O Horus, thy cup protecteth thee, and thy image worketh protection for thee. The poison is as the daughter of its own flame. It is destroyed, because it smote the strong sun. Your temples are in good condition for you, for Horus liveth for his mother, and he who is under the knife likewise. FN number 255, Thoth stood by during the fight between Horus and Set and healed the wounds which they inflicted on each other. And the goddess Isis said, Set thou his face towards those who dwell in the north land, Ate, the nurses who dwell in the city Petept, Budo, for they have offered very large offerings in order to cause the child to be made strong for his mother, and to make strong him that is under the knife likewise. Do not allow them to recognize the divine Ka in the swamp land, in the city of Nemhetu, and in her city.
Then spake Thoth unto the great gods who dwell in the swampland, saying, O ye nurses who dwell in the city of P, who smite, fiends, with your hands, and overthrow them, with your arms on behalf of that great one who appeareth in front of you, in the sectet boat, FN number 256, let the matet, FN number 257, manchet, boat travel on. Horus is to you, he is counted up for life, and he is declared for the life of his father, Osiris. I have given gladness unto those who are in the sectet boat, and the mariners of R.A. make it to journey on. Horus liveth for his mother Isis, and he who is under the knife liveth for his mother likewise. As for the poison, the strength thereof has been made powerless. Verily I am a favored one, and I will join myself to his hour, FN number 258, to hurl back the report of evil to him that sent it forth. The heart of Areherukudi rejoiceth. Thy son Horus is counted up for life, which is, on this child to make him to smite, and to retreat, from those who are above, and to turn back the paths of the Sibufines from him, so that he may take possession of the throne of the two lands. Are is in heaven to make answer on 251 behalf of him and his father. The words of power of his mother have lifted up his face, and they protect him and enable him to go round about wheresoever he pleaseth, and to set the terror of him in celestial beings. I have made haste. FN number 256 the boat in which Ari traveled from noon to sunset, or perhaps until midnight. FN number 257, the boat in which Ari traveled from dawn, or perhaps from midnight, to noon. FN number 258, i.e., I will be with him at the moment of his need. The history of Isis and Osiris, with explanations of the same, collected by Plutarch, and supplemented by his own views. I, though it be the wise man's duty, O Clea, FN number 259, to apply to the gods for every good thing which he hopes to enjoy, yet ought he more especially to pray to them for their assistance in his search after that knowledge which more immediately regards themselves, as far as such knowledge may be attained, inasmuch as there is nothing which they can bestow more truly beneficial to mankind, or more worthy themselves, than truth. For whatever other good things are indulged to the wants of men, they have all, properly speaking, no relation to and are of a nature quite different from that of their divine donors. For it is not the abundance of their gold and silver, nor the command of the thunder, but wisdom and knowledge which constitute the power and happiness of those heavenly beings. It is therefore well observed by Homer, Iliad 13, 354, and indeed with more propriety than be usually talks of the gods, when, speaking of Zeus and Poseidon, he tells us that both were descended from the same parents, and born in the same region, but that Zeus was the elder and knew most, plainly intimating thereby that the empire of the former was more august and honorable than that of his brother, as by means of his age he was his superior, and more advanced in wisdom and science. Nay, tis my opinion, I own, that even the blessedness of that eternity which is the portion of the deity himself consists in that universal knowledge of all nature which accompanies it. For setting this aside, Eternity might be more properly styled an endless duration than an enjoyment of existence. FN number 259, she is said to have been a priestess of Isis and of Apollo Delphicus. 2. To desire, therefore, and covet after truth, those truths more especially which concern the divine nature, is to aspire to be partakers of that nature itself, and to profess that all our studies and inquiries are devoted to the acquisition of holiness. 
This occupation is surely more truly religious than any external purifications or mere service of the temple can be. But more especially must such a disposition of mind be highly acceptable to that goddess to whose service you are dedicated, for her especial characteristics are wisdom and foresight, and her very name seems to express the peculiar relation which she bears to knowledge. For Isis, FN number 260, is a Greek word, and means knowledge, and Typhon, FN number 261, the name of her professed adversary, is also a Greek word, and means pride and insolence. This latter name is well adapted to one who, full of ignorance and error, tears in pieces and conceals that holy doctrine which the goddess collects, compiles, and delivers to those who aspire after the most perfect participation in the divine nature. This doctrine inculcates a steady perseverance in one uniform and temperate course of life, and an abstinence from particular kinds of foods, as well as from all indulgence of the carnal appetite, and it restrains the intemperate and voluptuous part within due bounds, and at the same time habituates her votaries to undergo those austere and rigid ceremonies which their religion obliges them to observe. The end and aim of all these toils and labors is the attainment of the knowledge of the first and chief being who alone is the object of the understanding of the mind, and this knowledge the goddess invites us to seek after, as being near and dwelling continually with her. And this also is what the very name of her temple promises to us, that is to say, the knowledge and understanding of the eternal and self-existent being, two antas, now, it is called, Isian, which suggests that if we approach the temple of the goddess rightly, and with purity, we shall obtain the knowledge of that eternal and self-existent being to on. FN number 260, the Egyptian form of the name is as T, hashtag, 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 or hashtag, 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 hashtag. Plutarch wishes to derive the name from some form of Greek oida. FN number 261, in Egyptian, Teb. 3. The goddess Isis is said by some authors to be the daughter. FN number 262, of Hermes, FN number 263, and by others of Prometheus, both of them famous for their philosophic turn of mind. The latter is supposed to have first taught mankind wisdom and foresight, as the former is reputed to have invented letters and music. FN number 262, according to the Egyptian Heliopolitan doctrine, Isis was the daughter of Keb, the earth god, and not the sky goddess. She was the wife of Osiris, mother of Horus, and sister of Set and Nephthys. FN number 263, the Egyptian. Tahuti or Thoth, who invented letters, mathematics, and C. He was the heart of Are, the scribe of the gods, and he uttered the words which created the world. He composed the words of power, or magical formulae which were beneficial for the dead and the religious works which were used by souls in their journey from this world to the next. They likewise call the former of the two muses at Hermopolis, FN number 264, Isis as well as Dikeasun, FN number 265, she being none other, it is said, than wisdom pointing out the knowledge of divine truths to her votaries, the true hierophory and hierosily. Now, by the former of these are meant such who carry about them looked up in their souls, as in a chest, the sacred doctrine concerning the gods, purified from all such superfluities as superstition may have added thereto, and the holy apparel with which the hierosily adorn the statues of these deities, which is partly of a dark and gloomy, and partly of a more bright and shining color, 
seems aptly enough to represent the notions which this doctrine teaches us to entertain of the divine nature itself, partly clear and partly obscure. And inasmuch as the devotees of Isis after their decease are wrapped up in these sacred vestments, is not this intended to signify that this holy doctrine still abides with them, and that this alone accompanies them in another life? For as tis not the length of the beard or the coarseness of the habit which makes a philosopher, so neither will these frequent shavings, or the mere wearing of a linen vestment, constitute a votary of Isis. He alone is a true servant or follower of this goddess who, after he has heard, and has been made acquainted in a proper manner with the history of the actions of these gods, searches into the hidden truths which lie concealed under them, and examines the whole by the dictates of reason and philosophy. FN number 264, the Hermopolis here referred to is the city of Kemenu in Upper Egypt, wherein was the great sanctuary of Thoth. FN number 265, i.e. righteousness or justice. The goddess referred to is probably Mat. 4. Nor, indeed, ought such an examination to be looked on as unnecessary whilst there are so many ignorant of the true reason even of the most ordinary rites observed by the Egyptian priests, such as their shavings, FN number 266, and wearing linen garments. Some, indeed, there are who never trouble themselves to think at all about these matters, whilst others rest satisfied with the most superficial accounts of them. They pay a peculiar veneration to the sheep, FN number 267, therefore they think it their duty not only to abstain from eating its flesh, but likewise from wearing its wool. They are continually mourning for their gods, therefore they shave themselves. The light azure blossom of the flax resembles the clear and bloomy color of the ethereal sky, therefore they wear linen, whereas the true reason of the institution and observation of these rites is but one, and that common to all of them, namely, the extraordinary notions which they entertain of cleanliness, persuaded as they are, according to the saying of Plato. None but the pure ought to approach the pure. Now, no superfluity of our food, and no excrementitious substance, is looked upon by them as pure and clean. Such, however, are all kinds of wool and down, our hair and our nails. It would be the highest absurdity, therefore, for those who, whilst they are in a course of purification, are at so much pains to take off the hair from every part of their own bodies, at the same time to clothe themselves with that of other animals. So when we are told by Hesiod, not to pare our nails whilst we are present at the festivals of the gods. FN number 268 we ought to understand that he intended hereby to inculcate that purity wherewith we ought to come prepared before we enter upon any religious duty, that we have not to make ourselves clean whilst we ought to be occupied in attending to the solemnity itself. Now, with regard to flax, this springs out of the immortal earth itself, and not only produces a fruit fit for food, but moreover furnishes a light and neat sort of clothing, extremely agreeable to the wearer, adapted to all the seasons of the year, and not in the least subject as is said, to produce or nourish vermin, but more of this in another place. FN number 266, a rubric in the papyrus of Nesmenu in the British Museum orders the priestesses of Isis and Nephthys to have the hair of their bodies shaved off. No. 10,188, Colonel 1, but they are also ordered to wear fillets of ram's wool on their heads. FN number 267, probably the ram of Amen. Animal sacrifices were invariably bulls and cows. FN number 268. This saying is by Pythagoras, Greek para dujan mh onuxusu. The saying of Hesiod, 
works and days, 740, is rendered by Goodwin. Not at a feast of gods from five-branch tree, with sharp-edged steel to part the green from dry. V. Now, the priests are so scrupulous in endeavoring to avoid everything which may tend to the increase of the above-mentioned excrementitious substances, that, on this account, they abstain not only from most sorts of pulse, and from the flesh of sheep and swine, but likewise, in their more solemn purifications, they even exclude salt from their meals. This they do for many reasons, but chiefly because it whets their appetites, and incites them to eat more than they otherwise would. Now, as to salt being accounted impure because, as Aristagoras tells us, many little insects are caught in it whilst it is hardening, and are thereby killed therein this view is wholly trifling and absurd. From these same motives also they give the apis bull his water from a well specially set apart for the purpose, FN number 269, and they prevent him altogether from drinking of the Nile, not indeed that they regard the river as impure, and polluted because of the crocodiles which are in it, as some pretend, for there is nothing which the Egyptians hold in greater veneration than the Nile. But because its waters are observed to be particularly nourishing, FN number 270, and fattening. And they strive to prevent fatness in Apis as well as in themselves, for they are anxious that their bodies should sit as light and easy about their souls as possible, and that their mortal parts should not oppress and weigh down the divine and immortal. FN number 269, it is quite possible that Apis drank from a special well, but the water in it certainly came from the Nile by infiltration. In all the old wells at Memphis the water sinks as the Nile sinks, and rises as it rises. FN number 270, on account of the large amount of animal matter contained in it. 6. The priests of the sun at Heliopolis, FN number 271, never carry wine into their temples, for they regard it as indecent for those who are devoted to the service of any god to indulge in the drinking of wine whilst they are under the immediate inspection of their lord and king. FN number 272, the priests of the other deities are not so scrupulous in this respect, for they use it, though sparingly. During their more solemn purifications they abstain from wine wholly, and they give themselves up entirely to study and meditation and to the hearing and teaching of those divine truths which treat of the divine nature. Even the kings, who are likewise priests, only partake of wine in the measure which is prescribed for them in the sacred books, as we are told by Hecateus. This custom was only introduced during the reign of Semeticus, and before that time they drank no wine at all. If they used it at any time in pouring out libations to the gods, it was not because they looked upon it as being acceptable to them for its own sake but they poured it out over their altars as the blood of their enemies who had in times past fought against them. For they believed the vine to have first sprung out of the earth after it was fattened by the bodies of those who fell in the wars against the gods. And this, they say, is the reason why drinking its juice in great quantities makes men mad and beside themselves, filling them, as it were, with the blood of their own ancestors. These things are thus related by Eudoxus in the second book of his travels as he had them from the priests themselves. FN number 271, called Anu in the Egyptian texts, it was the center of the great solar cult of Egypt. It is the An of the Bible. FN number 272, the sun god was called Are. 7. As to sea fish, the Egyptians in general do not abstain from all kinds of them, but some from one sort and some from another. Thus, for example, the inhabitants of Oxyrhynchus, FN number 273, will not touch any that have been taken with an angle, 
for as they pay a special reverence to the Oxyrhynchus fish, FN number 274, from whence they derive their name, they are afraid lest perhaps the hook may be defiled by having been at some time or other employed in catching their favorite fish. The people of Syene, FN number 275, in like manner abstain from the phagrus fish, FN number 276. For as this fish is observed by them to make his first appearance upon their coast just as the Nile begins to overflow, they pay special regard to these voluntary messengers as it were of that most joyful news. The priests, indeed, entirely abstain from all sorts in general. FN number 277, therefore, upon the ninth day of the first month, when all the rest of the Egyptians are obliged by their religion to eat a fried fish before the door of their houses, they only burn them, not tasting them at all. For this custom they give two reasons, the first and most curious, as falling in with the sacred philosophy of Osiris and Typhon, will be more properly explained in another place. The second, that which is most obvious and manifest, is that fish is either a dainty nor even a necessary kind of food, a fact which seems to be abundantly confirmed by the writings of Homer, who never makes either the delicate Phaeacians or the Ithacans, though both peoples were islanders, to feed upon fish, nor even the companions of Ulysses during their long and most tedious voyage, till they were reduced thereto by extreme necessity. In short, they considered the sea to have been forced out of the earth by the power of fire, and therefore to lie out of nature's confines, and they regard it not as a part of the world, or one of the elements, but as a preternatural and corrupt and morbid excrement. FN number 273, the Permachet. FN number 274, probably the pike, or fighting fish. FN number 275, in Egyptian, Sinu, the Suna of the Bible, and the modern Aswan. FN number 276, a kind of bream, the end of the Egyptian texts. FN number 277, Compare Chapxxvaya of the Book of the Dead. And behold, these things shall be performed by a man who is clean, and is ceremonially pure, one who hath eaten neither meat nor fish, and who hath not had intercourse with women. LL 52, 53. 8. This much may be depended upon. The religious rites and ceremonies of the Egyptians were never instituted upon irrational grounds, never built upon mere fable and superstition but founded with a view to promote the morality and happiness of those who were to observe them, or at least to preserve the memory of some valuable piece of history, or to represent to us some of the phenomena of nature. As concerning the abhorrence which is expressed for onions, it is wholly improbable that this detestation is owing to the loss of Dictes, who, whilst he was under the guardianship of Isis, is supposed to have fallen into the river and to have been drowned as he was reaching after a bunch of them. No, the true reason of their abstinence from onions is because they are observed to flourish most and to be in the greatest vigor at the wane of the moon, and also because they are entirely useless to them either in their feasts, FN number 278, or in their times of abstinence and purification, for in the former case they make tears come from those who use them, and in the latter they create thirst. For much the same reason they likewise look upon the pig as an impure animal, and to be avoided, observing it to be most apt to engender upon the decrease of the moon, and they think that those who drink its milk are more subject to leprosy, and such like cutaneous diseases than others. The custom of abstaining from the flesh of the pig, FN number 279, is not always observed, for those who sacrifice a sow to Typhon once a year, at the full moon, afterwards eat its flesh.
The reason they give for this practice is this. Typhon being in pursuit of this animal at that season of the moon, accidentally found the wooden chest wherein was deposited the body of Osiris, which he immediately pulled to pieces. This story, however, is not generally admitted, there being some who look upon it, as they do many other relations of the same kind, as founded upon some mistake or misrepresentation. All agree, however, in saying that so great was the abhorrence which the ancient Egyptians expressed for whatever tended to promote luxury, expense, and voluptuousness, that in order to expose it as much as possible they erected a column in one of the temples of Thebes, full of curses against their king Manes, who first drew them off from their former frugal and parsimonious course of life. The immediate cause for the erection of the pillar is thus given, Technatus, FN number 280, the father of Bacchares, leading an army against the Arabians, and his baggage and provisions not coming up to him as soon as he expected, was therefore obliged to eat some of the very poor food which was obtainable, and having eaten, he lay down on the bare ground and slept very soundly. This gave him a great affection for a mean and frugal diet, and induced him to curse the memory of Manes, and with the permission of the priests he made these curses public by cutting them upon a pillar. FN number 281 FN number 278. Bunches of onions were offered to the dead at all periods of Egyptian history, and they were regarded as typical of the white teeth of Horus. The onion was largely used in medicine. FN number 279. The pig was associated with Set, or Typhon, and the black variety was specially abominated because it was a black pig which struck Horus in the eye, and damaged it severely. See Book of the Dead, Chap Xi. FN number 280, in Egyptian, Tafnecht, the first king of the Zivth dynasty. FN number 281, an unlikely story, for Tafnecht had no authority at Thebes. 9. Now, the kings of Egypt were always chosen either out of the soldiery or priesthood, the former order being honored and respected for its valor, and the latter for its wisdom. If the choice fell upon a soldier, he was immediately initiated into the order of priests, and by them instructed in their abstruse and hidden philosophy, a philosophy for the most part involved in fable and allegory, and exhibiting only dark hints and obscure resemblances of the truth. This the priesthood hints to us in many instances, particularly by the sphinxes, which they seem to have placed designedly before their temples as types of the enigmatical nature of their theology. To this purpose, likewise, is that inscription which they have engraved upon the base of the statue of Athene, FN number 282, at Sais, whom they identify with Isis. I am everything that has been, that is, and that shall be, and my veil no man hath raised. In like manner the word, amount, or as it is expressed in the Greek language, Ammon, which is generally looked upon as the proper name of the Egyptian Zeus, is interpreted by May though, FN number 283, the Sebonite, FN number 284, to signify, concealment or something which is hidden. FN number 285, Hecateus of Abdera indeed tells us that the Egyptians make use of this term when they call out to one another. If this be so, then their invoking amount is the same thing as calling upon the supreme being, whom they believe to be hidden and concealed in the universal nature to appear and manifest itself to them. So cautious and reserved was the Egyptian wisdom in those things which appertain to religion. FN number 282, the Egyptian goddess Net, in Greek, Greek Nhid, the great goddess of Sais, in the western delta.
she was self-existent, and produced her son, the Son God, without union with a God. In an address to her, quoted by Mallet, Cult de Neat, page 140, are found the words, Thy garment hath not been unloosed. Thus Plutarch's quotation is correct. FN number 283, he compiled a history of Egypt for Ptolemy II, and flourished about B.C. 270. Only the king list from this work is preserved. FN number 284, he was a native of the town of Sabenitus. FN number 285, Amen means, hidden, and Amen is the hidden God. X, and this is still farther evinced from those voyages which have been made into Egypt by the wisest men among the Greeks, namely, by Solo, Thales Plato, Eudoxus, Pythagoras, and, as some say, even by Lycurgus himself, on purpose to converse with the priests. And we are also told that Eudoxus was a disciple of Nuphis the Memphite, Solo of Sancus the Sate, and Pythagoras of Onuphis the Heliopolite. But none of these philosophers seems either to have been more admired and in greater favor with the priests, or to have paid a more especial regard to their method of philosophizing, than this last named, who has particularly imitated their mysterious and symbolical manner in his own writings, and like them conveyed his doctrines to the world in a kind of riddle. For many of the precepts of Pythagoras come nothing short of the hieroglyphical representations themselves, such as, Eat not in a chariot, sit not on a measure, chonix, plant not a palm tree, and, Stir not the fire with a sword in the house. And I myself am of the opinion that, when the Pythagoreans appropriated the names of several of the gods to particular numbers, as that of Apollo to the unit, of Artemis to the duad, of Athene to the seven, and of Poseidon to the first cube, in this they allude to something which the founder of their sect saw in the Egyptian temples, or to some ceremonies performed in them, or to some symbols there exhibited. Thus, their great king and lord Osiris is represented by the hieroglyphics for an eye and a scepter, FN number 286 the name itself signifying many-eyed, as we are told by some, FN number 287, who would derive it from the words OS, FN number 288, many, and IRI, FN number 289, and I, which have this meaning in the Egyptian language. Similarly, because the heavens are eternal and are never consumed or wax old, they represent them by a heart with a censer placed under it. Much in the same way are those statues of the judges at Thebes without hands, and their chief, or president, is represented with his eyes turned downwards, which signifies that justice ought not to be obtainable by bribes, nor guided by favor or affection. Of a like nature is the beetle which we see engraven upon the seals of the soldiers, for there is no such thing as a female beetle of this species, for they are all males, and they propagate their kind by casting their seed into round balls of dirt which afford not only a proper place wherein the young may be hatched, but also nourishment for them as soon as they are born. FN number 286, the oldest form of the name is as AR, hashtag, 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 hashtag. The first sign, hashtag, 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 is a throne, and the second, hashtag, 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 is an eye, but the exact meaning represented by the two signs is not known. In late times a scepter, Hashtag, 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 hashtag took the place of the throne, but only because of its phonetic value as or us. Thus we have the forms hashtag, 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 and hashtag, 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 hashtag. FN number 287, this is a mistake. 
FN number 288, in Egyptian, hashtag, 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 ash. Many. FN number 289, in Egyptian, hashtag, 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 art, Coptic, hashtag, 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 hashtag. I. 11. When you hear, therefore, the mythological tales which the Egyptians tell of their gods, their wanderings, their mutilations, and many other disasters which befell them, remember what has just been said, and be assured that nothing of what is thus told you is really true, or ever happened in fact. For can it be imagined that it is the dog, FN number 290, itself which is reverenced by them under the name of Hermes, FN number 291? It is the qualities of this animal, his constant vigilance, and his acumen in distinguishing his friends from his foes, which have rendered him, as Plato says, a meat emblem of that God who is the chief patron of intelligence. Nor can we imagine that they think that the sun, like a newly born babe, springs up every day out of a lily. It is quite true that they represent the rising sun in this manner, FN number 292, but the reason is because they wish to indicate thereby that it is moisture to which we owe the first kindling of this luminary. In like manner, the cruel and bloody king of Persia, Achus, who not only put to death great numbers of the people, but even slew the apis bull himself, and afterwards served him up in a banquet to his friends, is represented by them by a sword, and by this name he is still to be found in the catalogue of their kings. This name, therefore, does not represent his person, but indicates his base and cruel qualities, which were best suggested by the picture of an instrument of destruction. If, therefore, O Clea, you will hear and entertain the story of these gods from those who know how to explain it consistently with religion and philosophy, if you will steadily persist in the observance of all these holy rites which the laws require of you, and are moreover fully persuaded that to form true notions of the divine nature is more acceptable to them than any sacrifice or mere external act of worship can be, you will by this means be entirely exempt from any danger of falling into superstition an evil no less to be avoided than atheism itself. FN number 290, the animal here referred to must be the dog-headed ape, hashtag, 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 which we see in pictures of the judgment assisting Thoth to weigh the heart of the dead. This dog-headed ape is a wonderfully intelligent creature, and its weird cleverness is astonishing. FN number 291, the Egyptian Tahuti, or Thoth. FN number 292, Hashtag, 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 hashtag. 12. Now, the story of Isis and Osiris, its most insignificant and superfluous parts being omitted, runs thus. The goddess Rhea, FN number 293, they say, having accompanied with Kronos, FN number 294, by stealth, was discovered by Helios, FN number 295, who straightway cursed her, and declared that she should not be delivered in any month or year. Hermes, however, being also in love with the same goddess, in return for the favors which he had received from her, went and played at dice with Selene, FN number 296, and won from her the seventieth part of each day. These parts he joined together and made from them five complete days, and he added them to the three hundred and sixty days of which the year formerly consisted. These five days are to this day called the epigomeny, FN number 297, that is, the superadded, and they are observed by them as the birthdays of their gods. FN number 298, on the first of these, they say, Osiris was born, and as he came into the world a voice was heard saying, 
The Lord of All, FN number 299, is born. Some relate the matter in a different way, and say that a certain person named Pamelis, as he was fetching water from the temple of Dios at Thebes, heard a voice commanding him to proclaim aloud, that the good and great king Osiris was then born, and that for this reason Kronos committed the education of the child to him, and that in memory of this event the Pamilia were afterwards instituted, which closely resembled the Phalophoria or Priapia of the Greeks. Upon the second of these days was born Aruris, FN number 300, whom some call Apollo, and others the elder Horus. Upon the third day Typhon was born, who came into the world neither at the proper time nor by the right way, but he forced a passage through a wound which he made in his mother's side. Upon the fourth day Isis was born, in the marshes of Egypt, FN number 301, and upon the fifth day Nephthys, whom some call Telut, or Aphrodite, or Nike, was born. As regards the fathers of these children, the first two are said to have been begotten by Helios, Isis by Hermes, and Typhon and Nephthys by Cronos. Therefore, since the third of the superadded days was the birthday of Typhon, the kings considered it to be unlucky, FN number 302, and in consequence they either transacted any business in it, nor even suffered themselves to take any refreshment until the evening. They further add that Typhon married Nephthys, FN number 303, and that Isis and Osiris, having a mutual affection, enjoyed each other in their mother's womb before they were born, and that from this commerce sprang Aruris, whom the Egyptians likewise call Horus the Elder, and the Greeks Apollo. FN number 293, i.e. Nut the Sky Goddess. FN number 294, i.e. Keb the Earth God. FN number 295, i.e. FN number 296, i.e. FN number 297, in Egyptian. The five days over the year. FN number 298, in Egyptian thus, I. Birthday of Osiris, 2. Birthday of Horus, 3. Birthday of Set, 4. Birthday of Isis, V. Birthday of Nephthys. FN number 299, one of the chief titles of Osiris was Nebuchadnezzar, i.e. Lord to the uttermost limit of everything. FN number 300 i.e. Huri you are. Horus the Elder. FN number 301. It was Horus, son of Isis, who was born in the marshes of Egypt. FN number 302. This day is described as unlucky in the hieroglyphic texts. FN number 303. Set and Nephthys are regarded as husband and wife in the texts. Their offspring was Anubis, Anpu. 13. Osiris having become king of Egypt, applied himself to civilizing his countrymen by turning them from their former indigent and barbarous course of life. He taught them how to cultivate and improve the fruits of the earth, and he gave them a body of laws whereby to regulate their conduct, and instructed them in the reverence and worship which they were to pay to the gods. With the same good disposition he afterwards traveled over the rest of the world, inducing the people everywhere to submit to his discipline not indeed compelling them by force of arms, but persuading them to yield to the strength of his reasons, which were conveyed to them in the most agreeable manner, in hymns and songs, accompanied with instruments of music. From this last circumstance the Greeks identified him with their Dionysus, or Bacchus. During the absence of Osiris from his kingdom, Typhon had no opportunity of making any innovations in the state, Isis being extremely vigilant in the government, and always upon her guard. After his return, however, 
having first persuaded 72 other people to join with him in the conspiracy, together with a certain queen of Ethiopia called Aso, who chanced to be in Egypt at that time, he formed a crafty plot against him. For having privily taken the measure of the body of Osiris, he caused the chest to be made of exactly the same size, and it was very beautiful and highly decorated. This chest he brought into a certain banqueting room, where it was greatly admired by all who were present, and Typhon, as if in jest, promised to give it to that man whose body when tried would be found to fit it. Thereupon the whole company, one after the other, went into it, but it did not fit any of them, last of all Osiris himself lay down in it. Thereupon all the conspirators ran to the chest, and clapped the cover upon it, and then they fastened it down with nails on the outside, and poured melted lead over it. They next took the chest to the river, which carried it to the sea through the Tanaitic mouth of the Nile, and for this reason this mouth of the Nile is still held in the utmost abomination by the Egyptians, and is never mentioned by them except with marks of detestation. These things, some say, took place on the seventeenth day of the month of Hathor, when the sun was in Scorpio, in the twentieth year of the reign of Osiris, though others tell us that this was the year of his life and not of his reign. 14. The first who had knowledge of the accident which had befallen their king were the Pans and Satyrs, who inhabited the country round about Chemis, FN number 304, and they having informed the people about it, gave the first occasion to the name of Panic Terrors, which has ever since been made use of to signify any sudden fright or amazement of a multitude. As soon as the report reached Isis, she immediately cut off one of the locks of her hair, and put on mourning apparel in that very place where she happened to be. For this reason the place has ever since been called Koptos, or the City of Mourning, though some are of opinion that this word rather signifies deprivation. After this she wandered round about through the country, being full of disquietude and perplexity, searching for the chest, and she inquired of every person she met, including some children whom she saw, whether they knew what was become of it. Now, it so happened that these children had seen what Typhon's accomplices had done with the body, and they accordingly told her by what mouth of the Nile it had been conveyed to the sea. For this reason the Egyptians look upon children as endued with a kind of faculty of divining, and in consequence of this notion are very curious in observing the accidental prattle which they have with one another whilst they are at play, especially if it be in a sacred place, forming omens and presages from it. Isis meanwhile having been informed that Osiris, deceived by her sister Nephthys, who was in love with him, had unwittingly enjoyed her instead of herself, as she concluded from the Melilot garland which he had left with her, made it her business likewise to search out the child, the fruit of this unlawful commerce, for her sister, dreading the anger of her husband Typhon, had exposed it as soon as it was born. Accordingly, after much pains and difficulty, by means of some dogs that conducted her to the place where it was, she found it, and bred it up, and in process of time it became her constant guard and attendant, and obtained the name of Anubis, and it is thought that it watches and guards the gods as dogs do men. FN number 304, in Egyptian, Ket, in the Viath Nome of Lower Egypt. 15. At length Isis received more particular news that the chest had been carried by the waves of the sea to the coast of Byblos and there gently lodged in the branches of a bush of tamarisk, which in a short time had grown up into a large and beautiful tree, and had grown round the chest and enclosed it on every side so completely that it was not to be seen. Moreover, 
the king of the country, amazed at its unusual size, had cut the tree down, and made that part of the trunk wherein the chest was concealed into a pillar to support the roof of his house. These things, they say, having been made known to Isis in an extraordinary manner by the report of demons, she immediately went to Byblos, where, setting herself down by the side of a fountain, she refused to speak to anybody except the queen's women who chanced to be there. These, however, she saluted and caressed in the kindest manner possible, plaiting their hair for them, and transmitting into them part of that wonderful odor which issued from her own body. This raised a great desire in the queen their mistress to see the stranger who had this admirable faculty of transfusing so fragrant a smell from herself into the hair and skin of other people. She therefore sent for her to court, and, after a further acquaintance with her, made her nurse to one of her sons. Now the name of the king who reigned at this time at Byblos was Melkander Melkarth, and that of his wife was Astart, or, according to others, Seosis, though some call her Nemenon, which answers to the Greek name Athenais. 16. Isis nursed the child by giving it her finger to suck instead of the breast. She likewise put him each night into the fire in order to consume his mortal part, whilst, having transformed herself into a swallow, she circled round the pillar and bemoaned her sad fate. This she continued to do for some time, till the queen, who stood watching her, observing the child to be all of a flame, cried out, and thereby deprived him of some of that immortality which would otherwise have been conferred upon him. The goddess then made herself known, and asked that the pillar which supported the roof might be given to her. Having taken the pillar down, she cut it open easily, and having taken out what she wanted, she wrapped up the remainder of the trunk in fine linen, and having poured perfumed oil over it, she delivered it again into the hands of the king and queen. Now this piece of wood is to this day preserved in the temple, and worshipped by the people of Byblos. When this was done, Isis threw herself upon the chest, and made at the same time such loud and terrible cries of lamentation over it, that the younger of the king's sons who heard her was frightened out of his life. But the elder of them she took with her, and set sail with the chest for Egypt. Now, it being morning the river feeders sent forth a keen and chill air, and becoming angry she dried up its current. 17. At the first place where she stopped, and when she believed that she was alone, she opened the chest, and laying her face upon that of her dead husband, she embraced him and wept bitterly. Then, seeing that the little boy had silently stolen up behind her, and had found out the reason of her grief, she turned upon him suddenly, and in her anger, gave him so fierce and terrible a look that he died of fright immediately. Others say that his death did not happen in this manner, but, as already hinted, that he fell into the sea. Afterwards he received the greatest honor on account of the goddess, for this Mineros, whom the Egyptians so frequently call upon at their banquets, is none other than he. This story is contradicted by those who tell us that the true name of this child was Palestinus, or Pelusius, and that the city of this name was built by the goddess in memory of him. And they further add that this Mineros is thus honored by the Egyptians at their feasts because he was the first who invented music. Others again state that Mineros is not the name of any particular person, but a were customary form of complimentary greeting which the Egyptians used towards each other at their more solemn feasts and banquets, meaning no more by it than to wish that what they were then about might prove fortunate and happy to them. This is the true import of the word. In like manner they say that the human skeleton which is carried about in a box on festal occasions, 
and shown to the guests, is not designed, as some imagine, to represent the particular misfortunes of Osiris, but rather to remind them of their mortality, and thereby to excite them freely to make use of and to enjoy the good things which are set before them, seeing that they must quickly become such as they there saw. This is the true reason for introducing the skeleton at their banquets. But to proceed with the narrative. 18. When Isis had come to her son Horus, who was being reared at Budo, FN number 305, she deposited the chest in a remote and unfrequented place. One night, however, when Typhon was hunting by the light of the moon, he came upon it by chance, and recognizing the body which was enclosed in it, he tore it into several pieces, 14, FN number 306, in all, and scattered them in different places up and down the country. When Isis knew what had been done, she set out in search of the scattered portions of her husband's body, and in order to pass more easily through the lower, marshy parts of the country, she made use of a boat made of the papyrus plant. For this reason, they say, either fearing the anger of the goddess, or else venerating the papyrus, the crocodile never injures anyone who travels in this sort of vessel. FN number 307, and this, they say, hath given rise to the report that there are very many different sepulchres of Osiris in Egypt, for wherever Isis found one of the scattered portions of her husband's body, there she buried it. Others, however, contradict this story, and tell us that the variety of sepulchres of Osiris was due rather to the policy of the queen, who, instead of the real body, as she pretended, presented to these cities only an image of her husband. This she did in order to increase the honors which would by these means be paid to his memory, and also to defeat Typhon, who, if he were victorious in his fight against Horus in which he was about to engage, would search for the body of Osiris, and being distracted by the number of sepulchres would despair of ever being able to find the true one. We are told, moreover, that notwithstanding all her efforts, Isis was never able to discover the phallus of Osiris, which, having been thrown into the Nile immediately upon its separation from the rest of the body, FN number 308, had been devoured by the Lepidotus, the Phaedrus, and the Oxyrhynchus, fish which above all others, for this reason, the Egyptians have in more especial avoidance. In order, however, to make some amends for the loss, Isis consecrated the phallus made in imitation of it, and instituted a solemn festival to its memory, which is even to this day observed by the Egyptians. FN number 305, in Egyptian, the double city Ptep. See the text from the Metternich steel printed in this volume. FN number 306, the 14 members are, head, feet, bones, arms, heart, interior, tongue, eyes, fists, fingers, back, ears, loins, and body. Some of the lists in Egyptian add the face of a ram and the hair. The cities in which Isis buried the portions of his body are, Koptos, Philion Elephantine, Heracleopolis Magna, Kuzi, Heliopolis, Diospolis of Lower Egypt, Litopolis, Sais, Hermopolis of Lower Egypt, Athribis, Aq, Skidia, Abin the Libyan Nome, Nitert, Apis. FN number 307, Moses was laid in an ark of bulrushes, i.e. papyrus, and was found uninjured. FN number 308, we meet with a similar statement in the tale of the two brothers, where we are told that the younger brother, having declared his innocence to the elder brother, out off his phallus and threw it into the river, where it was devoured by the narrow fish. 19. After these things Osiris returned from the other world, and appeared to his son Horus, 
and encouraged him to fight, and at the same time instructed him in the exercise of arms. He then asked him what he thought was the most glorious action a man could perform, to which Horace replied, To revenge the injuries offered to his father, FN number 309, and mother. Osiris then asked him what animal he thought most serviceable to a soldier, and Horus replied, A horse. On this Osiris wondered, and he questioned him further, asking him why he preferred a horse to a lion, and Horus replied, Though the lion is the more serviceable creature to one who stands in need of help, yet is the horse more useful in overtaking and cutting off a flying enemy. FN number 310, these replies caused Osiris to rejoice greatly for they showed him that his son was sufficiently prepared for his enemy. We are, moreover, told that amongst the great numbers who were continually deserting from Typhon's party was his concubine Thares, FN number 311, and that a serpent which pursued her as she was coming over to Horus was slain by his soldiers. The memory of this action is, they say, still preserved in that cord which is thrown into the midst of their assemblies, and then chopped in pieces. Afterwards a battle took place between Horus and Typhon, which lasted many days, but Horus was at length victorious, and Typhon was taken prisoner. He was delivered over into the custody of Isis, who, instead of putting him to death, loosed his fetters and set him free. This action of his mother incensed Horus to such a degree that he seized her, and pulled the royal crown off her head. But Hermes came forward, and set upon her head the head of an ox instead of a helmet. FN number 312, after this Typhon accused Horus of illegitimacy, but by the assistance of Hermes, his legitimacy was fully established by a decree of the gods themselves. FN number 313. After this two other battles were fought between Horus and Typhon, and in both Typhon was defeated. Moreover, Isis is said to have had union with Osiris after his death. FN number 314. And she brought forth Harpocrates. FN number 315 who came into the world before his time, and was lame in his lower limbs. FN number 309, the texts give as a very common title of Horus. Horus, the avenger of his father. FN number 310, there is no evidence that the Egyptians employed the horse in war before the 80th dynasty, a fact which proves that the dialogue here given is an invention of a much later date than the original legend of Osiris. FN number 311, in Egyptian, Tart, the hippopotamus goddess. FN number 312, according to the legend given in the fourth Salyr Papyrus, the fight between Horus and Set began on the twenty-sixth day of the month of Thoth, and lasted three days and three nights. It was fought in or near the hall of the lords of Kuraha, i.e., near Heliopolis, and in the presence of Isis, who seems to have tried to spare both her brother Set and her son Horus. For some reason Horus became enraged with his mother, and attacking her like a leopard of the south, he cut off the head of Isis. Thereupon Thoth came forward, and using words of power, created a substitute in the form of a cow's head, and placed it on her body Salyr for, page 2, see select papyri plcxld. FN number 313, Horus inherited the throne by his father's will a fact which is so often emphasized in the texts that it seems there may be some ground for Plutarch's view. FN number 314, this view is confirmed by the words in the hymn to Osiris. She moved the inactivity of the stillheart, Osiris, she drew from him his essence, she made an heir. FN number 315, in Egyptian, Harupakart. 
Horus the child. XX. Such then are the principal circumstances of this famous story, the more harsh and shocking parts of it, such as the cutting up of Horus and the beheading of Isis, being omitted. Now, if such could be supposed to be the real sentiments of the Egyptians concerning those divine beings whose most distinguishing characteristics are happiness and immortality, or could it be imagined that they actually believed what they thus tell us ever to have actually taken place, I should not need to warn you, O Clea, you who are already sufficiently averse to such impious and absurd notions of the God, I should not, I say, have need to caution you, to testify your abhorrence of them. And as Aeschylus expresses it, to spit and wash your mouth, after the recital of them. In the present case, however, it is not so. And I doubt not that you yourself are conscious of the difference between this history and those light and idle fictions which the poets and other writers of fables, like spiders, weave and spin out of their own imaginations, without having any substantial ground or firm foundation to work upon. There must have been some real distress, some actual calamity, at the bottom as the groundwork of the narration, for, as mathematicians assure us, the rainbow is nothing else but a variegated image of the sun, thrown upon the sight by the reflection of his beams from the clouds, and thus ought we to look upon the present story as the representation, or rather reflection, of something real as its true cause. And this notion is still farther suggested to us, as well by that solemn air of grief and sadness which appears in their sacrifices, as by the very form and arrangement of their temples, which extend into long avenues and open aisles in some portions, FN number 316, and in others retreating into dark and gloomy chapels which resemble the underground vaults which are allotted to the dead. That the history has a substantial foundation is proved by the opinion which obtains generally concerning the sepulchres of Osiris. There are many places wherein his body is said to have been deposited, and among these are Abydus and Memphis, both of which are said to contain his body. It is for this reason, they say, that the richer and more prosperous citizens wish to be buried in the former of these cities, being ambitious of lying, as it were, in the grave with Osiris. FN number 317 the title of Memphis to be regarded as the grave of Osiris seems to rest upon the fact that the Apis bull, who is considered to be the image of the soul of Osiris, is kept in that city for the express purpose that it may be as near his body as possible. FN number 318. Others again tell us that the interpretation of the name Memphis, FN number 319, is the haven of good men, and that the true sepulchre of Osiris lies in that little island which the Nile makes at Philae. FN number 320, this island is, they say, inaccessible, and neither bird can alight on it, nor fish swim near it, except at the times when the priests go over to it from the mainland to solemnize their customary rites to the dead, and to crown his tomb with flowers, which, they say, is overshadowed by the branches of a tamarisk tree, the size of which exceeds that of an olive tree. FN number 316, Plutarch refers to the long colonnaded courts which extend in a straight line to the sanctuary, which often contains more than one shrine, and to the chambers wherein temple properties, vestments, and c. were kept. FN number 317. In what city the cult of Osiris originated is not known, but it is quite certain that before the end of the Vith dynasty Abydus became the center of his worship, and that he dispossessed the local god and her in the affections of the people. Tradition affirmed that the head of Osiris was preserved at Abydus in a box, and a picture of it, 
hashtag 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 became the symbol of the city. At Abidus a sort of miracle play, in which all the sufferings and resurrection of Osiris were commemorated, was performed annually, and the raising up of a model of his body, and the placing of his head upon it, were the culminating ceremonies. At Abidus was the famous shaft into which offerings were cast for transmission to the dead in the other world, and through the gap in the hills close by souls were believed to set out on their journey thither. One tradition places the Elysian fields in the neighborhood of Abidus. A fine stone beer, a restoration probably of the Exodus dynasty, which represented the original beer of Osiris, was discovered there by M. Amelino. It is now in the Egyptian Museum at Cairo. FN number 318. Apis is called the Life of Osiris. Hashtag, 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 hashtag. And on the death of the bull, its soul went to heaven and joined itself to that of Osiris. And it formed with him the dual goddess Arhep, i.e., Osiris Apis, or Sarapis. The famous Serapium at Memphis was called hashtag, 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 hashtag. FN number 319. In Egyptian, Menefer, i.e., Fair Haven. FN number 320, Osiris and Isis were worshipped at Philae until the reign of Justinian, when his general, Narzas, closed the temple and carried off the statues of the gods to Constantinople, where they were probably melted down. 21. Eudoxus indeed asserts that, although there are many pretended sepulchres of Osiris in Egypt, the place where his body actually lies is Busiris, FN number 321, where likewise he was born. FN number 322, as to Tafasiris, there is no need to mention it particularly, for its very name indicates its claim to be the tomb of Osiris. There are likewise other circumstances in the Egyptian ritual which hint to us the reality upon which this history is grounded, such as their cleaving the trunk of a tree, their wrapping it up in linen which they tear in pieces for that purpose, and the libations of oil which they afterwards pour upon it. But these I do not insist on, because they are intermixed with such of their mysteries as may not be revealed. FN number 321, in Egyptian, Pa Sarneb Tetu. The house of Osiris, the lord of Tetu. In the temple of Nebsekert, the backbone of the god was preserved, according to one text, but another says it was his jaws and interior. FN number 322, this view represents a late tradition, or at all events one which sprang up after the decay of Abidus. First explanation of the story. 22. Now as to those who, from many things of this kind, some of which are proclaimed openly, and others are darkly hinted at in their religious institutions, would conclude that the whole story is no other than a mere commemoration of the various actions of their kings and other great men, who, by reason of their excellent virtue and the mightiness of their power, added to their other titles the honor of divinity. Though they afterwards fell into many and grievous calamities, those, I say, who would in this manner account for the various scenes above mentioned, must be owned indeed to make use of a very plausible method of eluding such difficulties as may arise about this subject, and ingeniously enough to transfer the most shocking parts of it from the divine to the human nature. Moreover, it must be admitted that such a solution is not entirely destitute of any appearance of historical evidence for its support. For when the Egyptians themselves tell us that Hermes had one hand shorter than another, that Typhon was of red complexion, Horus fair, and Osiris black, does not this show that they were of the human species, and subject to the same accidents as all other men, FN number 323, nay, they go farther, 
and even declared the particular work in which each was engaged whilst alive. Thus they say that Osiris was a general, that Canopus, from whom the star took its name, was a pilot, and that the ship which the Greeks call Argo, being made in imitation of the ship of Osiris, was, in honor of him, turned into a constellation and placed near Orion and the dog star, the former being sacred to Horus and the latter to Isis. FN number 323, red is the color attributed to all fiends in the Egyptian texts. One of the forms of Horus is described as being blue-eyed, and the color of the face of Osiris is often green, and sometimes black. 23. But I am much afraid that to give in to this explanation of the story will be to move things which ought not to be moved, and not only, as Simonite says, to declare war against all antiquity, but likewise against whole families and nations who are fully possessed with the belief in the divinity of these beings. And it would be no less than dispossessing those great names of their heaven, and bringing them down to the earth. It would be to shake and loosen a worship and faith which have been firmly settled in nearly all mankind from their infancy. It would be to open a wide door for atheism to enter in at, and to encourage the attempts of those who would humanize the divine nature. More particularly it would give a clear sanction and authority to the impostures of Euhemerus the Messenian, who from mere imagination, and without the least appearance of truth to support it, has invented a new mythology of his own, asserting that all those in general who are called and declared to be gods are none other than so many ancient generals and sea captains and kings. Now, he says that he found this statement written in the Panchian dialect in letters of gold, though in what part of the globe his Panchians dwell, any more than the Triphilians, whom he mentions at the same time with them, he does not inform us. Nor can I learn that any other person, whether Greek or barbarian, except himself, has ever yet been so fortunate as to meet with these imaginary countries. In Sector 24, Plutarch goes on to say that the Assyrians commemorate Semiramis, the Egyptians Sesostris, the Phrygians Manus or Mastis, the Persians Cyrus, and the Macedonians Alexander, yet these heroes are not regarded as gods by their peoples. The kings who have accepted the title of gods have afterwards had to suffer the reproach of vanity and presumption, and impiety and injustice. Second Explanation of the Story 25. There is another and a better method which some employ in explaining this story. They assert that what is related of Typhon, Osiris, and Isis is not to be regarded as the afflictions of gods, or of mere mortals, but rather as the adventures of certain great demons. These beings, they say, are supposed by some of the wisest of the Greek philosophers, that is to say, Plato, Pythagoras, Xenocrates, and Chrysippus, in accordance with what they had learned from ancient theologians, to be stronger and more powerful than men, and of a nature superior to them. They are, at the same time, inferior to the pure and unmixed nature of the gods, as partaking of the sensations of the body, as well as of the perceptions of the soul, and consequently liable to pain as well as pleasure, and to such other appetites and affections, as flow from their various combinations. Such affections, however, have a greater power and influence over some of them than over others, just as there are different degrees of virtue and vice found in these demons as well as in mankind. In like manner, the wars of the giants and the titans which are so much spoken of by the Greeks, the detestable actions of Kronos, the combats between Apollo and the Python, the flights of Dionysus, and the wanderings of Demeter, are exactly of the same nature as the adventures of Osiris and Typhon. 
Therefore, they all are to be accounted for in the same manner, and every treatise of mythology will readily furnish us with an abundance of other similar instances. The same thing may also be affirmed of those other things which are so carefully concealed under the cover of mysteries and imitations. In Sector 26, Plutarch points out that Homer calls great and good men, godlike, and God's compeers, but the word daemon is applied to the good and bad indifferently, see Odyssey, 6, 12, Iliad 13, 810 v, 438 4, 31, and c. Plato assigns to the Olympian gods good things in the odd numbers, and the opposite to the demons. Xenocrates believed in the existence of a series of strong and powerful beings which take pleasure in scourgings and fastings, and c. Hesiod speaks of holy demons, works and days, 126, and guardians of mankind, and bestowers of wealth. And these are regarded by Plato as a middle order of beings between the gods and men, interpreters of the wills of the gods to men, and ministering to their wants, carrying the prayers and supplications of mortals to heaven, and bringing down thence in return oracles and all other blessings of life. Empedocles thought that the demons underwent punishment, and that when chastened and purified they were restored to their original state. Sector 27 To this class belonged Typhon, who was punished by Isis. In memory of all she had done and suffered, she established certain rites and mysteries which were to be types and images of her deeds, and intended these to incite people to piety, and to afford them consolation. Isis and Osiris were translated from good demons into gods, and the honors due to them are rightly of a mixed kind, being those due to gods and demons. Osiris is none other than Pluto, and Isis is not different from Proserpine. Section XXX Typhon is held by the Egyptians in the greatest contempt, and they do all they can to vilify him. The color red being associated with him, they treat with contumely all those who have a ruddy complexion. The ass, FN number 324, being usually of a reddish color, the men of Coptos are in the habit of sacrificing asses by casting them down precipices. The inhabitants of Busiris and Lycopolis never use trumpets, because their sounds resemble the braying of an ass. The cakes which are offered at the festivals during Paoni and Popi are stamped with the figure of a fettered ass. The Pythagoreans regarded Typhon as a daemon, and according to them he was produced in the even number 56. And Eudoxus says that a figure of 56 angles typifies the nature of Typhon. FN number 324, the ass is associated with Set, or Typhon, in the texts, but on account of his virility he also typifies a form of the sun god. In a hymn the deceased prays, May I smite the ass, may I crush the serpent fiend Sebal. But the XLTH chapter of the Book of the Dead is entitled, Chapter of Driving Back the Eater of the Ass. The vignette shows us the deceased in the act of spearing a monster serpent which has fastened its jaws in the back of an ass. In chapter CXXV, there is a dialogue between the cat and the ass. Sector 31. The Egyptians only sacrifice red-colored bulls, and a single black or white hair in the animal's head disqualifies it for sacrifice. They sacrifice creatures wherein the souls of the wicked have been confined, and through this view arose the custom of cursing the animal to be sacrificed, and cutting off its bead and throwing it into the Nile. No bullock is sacrificed which has not on it the seal of the priests who were called. Sealers. The impression from this seal represents a man upon his knees, 
with his hands tied behind him, and a sword pointed at his throat. The ass is identified with Typhon not only because of his color, but also because of his stupidity and the sensuality of his disposition. The Persian king Achus was nicknamed the ass, which made him to say, This ass shall dine upon your ox. And accordingly he slew Apis. Typhon is said to have escaped from Horus by a flight of seven days on an ass. Third Explanation of the Story 32. Such then are the arguments of those who endeavor to account for the above-mentioned history of Isis and Osiris upon a supposition that they were of the order of demons, but there are others who pretend to explain it upon other principles, and in more philosophical manner. To begin, then, with those whose reasoning is the most simple and obvious. As the Greeks allegorize their Kronos into time, and their Hera into air, and tell us that the birth of Hephaestos is no other but the change of air into fire, so these philosophers say that by Osiris the Egyptians mean the Nile, by Isis that part of the country which Osiris, or the Nile, overflows, and by Typhon the sea, which, by receiving the Nile as it runs into it, does, as it were, tear it into many pieces, and indeed entirely destroys it, accepting only so much of it as is admitted into the bosom of the earth and its passage over it, which is thereby rendered fertile. The truth of this explanation is confirmed, they say, by that sacred dirge which they make over Osiris when they bewail. Him who was born on the right side of the world, and who perished on the left. FN number 325, for it must be observed that the Egyptians look upon the east as the front or face of the world, FN number 326, upon the north as its right side, FN number 327, and upon the south as its left. FN number 328, as, therefore, the Nile rises in the south, and running directly northwards is at last swallowed up by the sea, it may rightly enough be said to be born on the right and to perish on the left side. This conclusion, they say, is still farther strengthened from that abhorrence which the priests express towards the sea, as well as salt, which they call Typhon's foam, and amongst their prohibitions is one which forbids salt being laid on their tables. And do they not also carefully avoid speaking to pilots? because this class of men have much to do with the sea and get their living by it? And this is not the least of their reasons for the great dislike which they have for fish, and they even make the fish a symbol of hatred, as is proved by the pictures which are to be seen on the porch of the temple of Neith at Sais. The first of these is a child, the second is an old man, the third is a hawk, and then follow a fish and a hippopotamus. The meaning of all these is evidently, O oh, you who are coming into the world, and you who are going out of it, i.e., both young and old, God hateth impudence. For by the child is indicated. All those who are coming into life. By the old man. Those who are going out of it. By the hawk, God, by the fish. Hatred. On account of the sea, as has been before stated, and by the hippopotamus. Impudence. This creature being said first to slay his sire, and afterwards to force his dam. FN number 329. The Pythagoreans likewise may be thought perhaps by some to have looked upon the sea as impure, and quite different from all the rest of nature, and that thus much is intended by them when they call it the Tears of Kronos. FN number 325, Plutarch here refers to Osiris as the moon, which rises in the west. FN number 326, according to the text the front of the world was the south, Kent, 
hashtag 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 and from this word is formed the verb hashtag 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 to sail to the south fn number 327 in the text the west is the right side anime hashtag 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 in coptic hashtag 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 fn number 328 in the text the east is the left side abdi FN number 329, each of these signs, hashtag, 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 except the last, does mean what Plutarch says it means, but his method of reading them together is wrong, and it proves that he did not understand that hieroglyphics were used alphabetically as well as ideographically. Sex. 33, 34. Some of the more philosophical priests assert that Osiris does not symbolize the Nile only, nor Typhon the sea only but that Osiris represents the principle and power of moisture in general, and that Typhon represents everything which is scorching, burning, and fiery, and whatever destroys moisture. Osiris they believe to have been of a black, FN number 330, color, because water gives a black tinge to everything with which it is mixed. The Nevis bull, FN number 331, kept at Heliopolis is, like Osiris, black in color. And even Egypt, FN number 332, itself, by reason of the extreme blackness of the soil, is called by them Chamia, the very name which is given to the black part or pupil of the eye. FN number 333, it is, moreover, represented by them under the figure of a human heart. The sun and moon are not represented as being drawn about in chariots, but as sailing round the world in ships, which shows that they owe their motion, support, and nourishment to the power of humidity. FN number 334, Homer and Thales both learned from Egypt that water was the first principle of all things and the cause of generation. FN number 335. FN number 330, experiments recently conducted by Lord Rayleigh indicate that the true color of water is blue. FN number 331, in Egyptian, Nemuar, or Menuar, and he was called the life of Ari. FN number 332, the commonest name of Egypt is Kempt. Black land, as opposed to the reddish-yellow sandy deserts on each side of the valley of black mud, the word for black is Cam. FN number 333, Plutarch seems to have erred here. The early texts called the pupil of the eye, the child in the eye, as did the Semitic peoples, see my liturgy of funerary offerings, page 136. The cops spoke of the black of the eye derived from the hieroglyphic. Darkness, blackness. FN number 334, there is no support for this view in the texts. FN number 335, it was a very common belief in Egypt that all things arose from the great celestial ocean called Nu, whence came the Nile. Sector 36. The Nile and all kinds of moisture are called the efflux of Osiris. Therefore a water pitcher, FN number 336 is always carried first in his processions, and the leaf of a fir tree represents both Osiris and Egypt. FN number 337, Osiris is the great principle of fecundity, which is proved by the Pamilia festivals, in which a statue of the god with a triple phallus is carried about. FN number 338, the threefold phallus merely signifies any great and indefinite number. FN number 336, Plutarch refers to the vessel of water, with which the priest sprinkles the ground to purify it. FN number 337, 
he seems to refer here to the olive tree, Biket. Olive land was one of the names of Egypt. FN number 338. Plutarch seems to be confounding Osiris with Menu, the god of generation, who is generally represented in an ithophallic form. The festival of the phallus survived in Egypt until quite recently. Sector 38. The sun is consecrated to Osiris, and the lion is worshipped, and temples are ornamented with figures of this animal, because the Nile rises when the sun is in the constellation of the lion. Horus, the offspring of Osiris, the Nile, and Isis, the earth, was born in the marshes of Budo, because the vapor of damp land destroys drought. Nephthys, or Tullyut, represents the extreme limits of the country and the seashore, that is, barren land. Osiris, i.e. the Nile, overflowed this barren land, and Anubis, FN number 339, was the result. FN number 340. FN number 339, the Egyptian Nampu. The texts make one form of him to be the son of Set and Nephthys. FN number 340. Plutarch's explanations in this chapter are unsupported by the texts. Sector 39. In the first part of this chapter Plutarch continues his identification of Typhon with drought, and his ally Aso, queen of Ethiopia, he considers to be the Atesian or north winds, which blow for a long period when the Nile is falling. He goes on to say, As to what they relate of the shutting up of Osiris in a box, this appears to mean the withdrawal of the Nile to its own bed. This is the more probable as this misfortune is said to have happened to Osiris in the month of Hathor, precisely at that season of the year when, upon the cessation of the Atesian or north winds the Nile returns to its own bed, and leaves the country everywhere bare and naked. At this time also the length of the nights increases, darkness prevails, whilst light is diminished and overcome. At this time the priests celebrate doleful rites and they exhibit as a suitable representation of the grief of Isis a gilded ox covered with a fine black linen cloth. Now, the ox is regarded as the living image of Osiris. This ceremony is performed on the 17th and three following days, FN number 341, and they mourn 1. The falling of the Nile, 2. The cessation of the north winds, 3. The decrease in the length of the days, 4. The desolate condition of the land. On the nineteenth of the month Pashons they march in procession to the sea, whither the priests and other officials carry the sacred chest, wherein is enclosed a small boat of gold, into this they first pour some water, and then all present cry out with a loud voice. Osiris is found. This done, they throw some earth, scent, and spices into the water, and mix it well together, and work it up into the image of a crescent, which they afterwards dress in clothes. This shows that they regard the gods as the essence and power of water and earth. FN number 341, the seventeenth day is very unlucky, the eighteenth is very lucky, the nineteenth and twentieth are very unlucky. On the seventeenth day Isis and Nephthys made great lamentation for their brother on Nephrat on the nineteenth no man should leave the house, and the man born on the twentieth would die of the plague. Section XL Though Typhon was conquered by Horus, Isis would not allow him to be destroyed. Typhon was once master of all Egypt, i.e., Egypt was once covered by the sea, which is proved by the seashells which are dug out of the mines, and are found on the tops of the hills. The Nile year by year creates new land, and thus drives away the sea further and further, i.e., Osiris triumphs over Typhon. Fourth Explanation of the Story 
sections lie. Osiris is the moon, and Typhon is the sun. Typhon is therefore called Seth, FN number 342, a word meaning violence, force, and sea. Heracles accompanies the sun, and Hermes the moon. In sector 42, Plutarch connects the death day of Osiris, the 17th of Hathor, with the 17th day of the moon's revolution, when she begins to wane. The age of Osiris, 28 years, suggests the comparison with the 28 days of the moon's revolution. The tree trunk which is made into the shape of a crescent at the funeral of Osiris refers to the crescent moon when she wanes. The fourteen pieces into which Osiris was broken refer to the fourteen days in which the moon wanes. FN number 342, in Egyptian, hashtag 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 hashtag, or hashtag 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 which Plutarch seems to connect with set, hashtag 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 hashtag. Sector 43. The height of the Nile in flood at Elephantine is 28 cubits, at Mendez and Zoy's low Nile is 7 cubits, and at Memphis middle Nile is 14 cubits. These figures are to be compared with the 28 days of the moon's revolution, the 7-day phase of the moon, and the 14 days moon, or full moon. Apis was begotten by a ray of light from the moon, and on the 14th day of the month Famenoth, FN number 343, Osiris entered the moon. Osiris is the power of the moon, Isis the productive faculty in it. FN number 343, marked in the Papyrus Salier 4. As a particularly unlucky day. Fifth explanation of the story. Sector 44. The philosophers say that the story is nothing but an enigmatical description of the phenomena of eclipses. In section XLV, Plutarch discusses the five explanations which he has described and begins to state his own views about them. It must be concluded, he says, that none of these explanations taken by itself contains the true explanation of the foregoing history, though all of them together do. Typhon means every phase of nature which is hurtful and destructive, not only drought, darkness, the sea, and sea. It is impossible that any one cause, be it bad or even good, should be the common principle of all things. There must be two opposite, and quite different, and distinct principles. In sector 46, Plutarch compares this view with the Magian belief in Ormuzd and Ahriman, the former springing from light, sector 47, and the latter from darkness. Ormuzd made six good gods, and Ahriman six of a quite contrary nature. Ormuzd increased his own bulk three times, and adorned the heaven with stars, making the sun to be the guard of the other stars. He then created twenty-four other gods, and placed them in an egg, and Ahriman also created twenty-four gods. The latter bored a hole in the shell of the egg and effected an entrance into it, and thus good and evil became mixed together. In Sector 48, Plutarch quotes Empedocles, Anaxagoras, Aristotle, and Plato in support of his hypothesis of the two principles, and refers to Plato's third principle. Section 49 Osiris represents the good qualities of the universal soul, and Typhon the bad, Bebo, FN number 344, is a malignant being like Typhon, with whom Maine though identifies him. Section L. The ass, crocodile, and hippopotamus are all associated with Typhon, in the form of a crocodile Typhon escaped from Horus. FN number 345. FN number 344, in Egyptian Bebi, or Baba, or Babai, he was the firstborn son of Osiris. FN number 345, 
See the legend of Harubahudit, PR 67. The cakes offered on the seventh day of the month Taibi have a hippopotamus stamped on them. Section Leo Cyrus symbolizes wisdom and power, and Typhon all that is malignant and bad. The remaining sections contain a long series of fanciful statements by Plutarch concerning the religion and manners and customs of the Egyptians, of which the Egyptian texts now available give no proofs. End of Project Gutenberg's Legends of the Gods by E. A. Wallace Budge